Ladies and gentlemen, grab a seat. The show will start in five minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, you better grab a seat now. The show will start in two minutes.
glittering premiere at the Chicago Theater for Warner Brothers, I'll See You in My Dreams. A real dream has come true. For this benefit premiere launches a drive for a new hospital sponsored by the film star Danny Thomas, here arriving with his family. Years ago, Danny vowed he'd build a hospital if he ever became famous. $32,000 are subscribed. The first of a million, Danny Thomas tells friends, he'll raise for the St. Jude's Hospital of his dreams. They said it couldn't be done. They said that it was a task which would break my heart. They said it was impossible. At this very moment, as I speak to you, in the city of Memphis, Tennessee, there is being constructed a hospital in the form of a star. There it is, in concrete, glass, and steel, to offer help to all the children of the world, regardless of race, creed, or economic status. You and I have vowed that we will do everything in our power, spiritually, physically, mentally, and financially, to bring about the defeat of these catastrophic diseases. We're going to begin with leukemia, and by God's grace, after defeating it, go on to other diseases. tiny building has led the world in advancements in pediatric science and clinical care and now it's going to rise up you will bring it to the fore through an organization called ALSAC to die tomorrow, I now know why I was born. While we're sitting here making this video, there's a family that's walking through the front doors on a Friday afternoon, and they're at St. Jude. When we came to St. Jude, I asked the doctor, can you treat my child? And he said, no, we're going to cure him.
can't hear. But uh, wait, Mike. There we go. Hey. There we go. You look nice today. Stream requires some kind of technical issue. It's just how it goes. That is. uh, That's right. So I am very excited to be coming from St. Jude campus live today. uh, Undertaking a bunch of health and safety precautions to do this. Uh, Super excited to be back in the studio. Lots of fun stuff planned over the next six hours. But uh, Mike, maybe before we get started, let's uh, let's check check in on fundraising and tell people why we're here. Yeah. So as of right now, uh, as we mentioned, Stephen is at St. Jude, and that's why we're here. Right? We are raising money for the kids of St. Jude to help continue St. Jude's fight to make sure that no child will die from cancer. We are currently at, by my dashboard, Stephen, an absolutely unbelievable $224,779.62, which, my friend, I will tell you, is a larger total than we ended last year's podcast-a-thon. That, that's amazing. It has been so much fun this year uh, to do this campaign. We've done a lot more live streaming and other things. Uh, and it's just, it's just fun. It's fun to talk about uh, the message of St. Jude. And throughout the next uh, six hours, you're going to hear a lot more uh, about St. Jude, the research that they do, the work that they do to save the lives of thousands of children, including my oldest son, who is diagnosed with a brain tumor as a baby and now is getting ready to turn 12 years old and is happy and healthy thanks to the advancement of science and medicine here. But also, like the flip side of the coin for St. Jude is the the care and the honestly the love that we feel from the from our medical team now over a decade uh, it's simply amazing and it's a real honor to get to sit in this chair with that logo in front of me and uh and hang out for the next uh the next 6 hours yeah you're choking me up already uh so there's <laughs> also we try and bring in uh your story your your family story where we can and later on uh, through actually throughout the 6 hours we're going to be doing a really amazing thing that you and uh, your wife, Mary, put together to kind of talk through some of that story. So that'll be something to look out for. Absolutely. We get the opportunity to share what St. Jude is actually like. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to see it. And so we're going to take y'all on a virtual tour throughout the next uh, several hours. We'll have segments of that. Uh, of course, we're also going to have segments with some of your favorite Relay FM hosts. We have a bunch of fun content queued up. Uh, with a bunch of nerds here on Relay. So we're going to talk about tech, talk about the hospital, raise some money, and uh, you're going to get in a ball pit, and I'm going to play with bouncy balls. Oh, it's not a ball pit, my friend. It's the a ball ballroom. Room. Affection- I'm in this space. Like, called in my the mind, the ball pit's right there, but it's mm-hmm. not. I'm sorry. No, that's, so that's where we were last year. Uh, when, we were t- when we were sitting at that table together, we had a ball pit next to us. Uh, and I figured, well, I have all this space. I am broadcasting here from Mega Studio here in London. Uh, and just there is a gazebo full of currently about 150 balloons. And so every single time $100 is donated at stjude.org slash relay, we will be adding more balloons to the balloon. And I mean, we have, I think at the moment, Somewhere in the region of 400 already inflated balloons. Awesome. Uh, my one-person production squad, my wife, Adina, is sitting right there. Uh, and between the two of us, during some pre-recorded content later, we're going to be inflating more of them. <laughs> and I want to fill this thing. I mean, we have, we have like 800 balloons in this studio. 400 That's awesome. Inflate, we'll get them in there. I imagine people who, because you're in a shared building, I imagine people who like walk by, maybe get a glimpse in your door, like, what in the world is going on in there? 
Yeah, I have wondered because there have been so we've been at the moment putting these balloons in these bags, right? And the bags yeah. hold about twenty five balloons. And we've had them, and there is currently right now a few bags over there, and they're effectively just in the view of this window that we have on our door. Let alone the fact that for the last four days there's been this machine that we've been using to inflate <laughs> all of these balloons. Can you, uh, with your mouth face, give us a little bit of a taste of what that machine may sound like? <laughs> well, you know, I, there is a very strong chance that during these six hours... You're going to hear that because yeah. <laughs> there might be a lot to inflate. That's how it goes. And uh, we had a surprise with one of the balloons yesterday during our tech rehearsal, uh, oh, which maybe will be a surprise again later today. Yeah, so uh, we have balloons of varying sizes. What I have discovered is the large ones, if the mm-hmm. large ones pop, uh, it sounds like a thunder shot. Like, it was, <laughs> I nearly died. So we have that to yeah. look forward to. You, like, jumped out of frame during our rehearsal yesterday. <laughs> it was great. Can we just say, Stephen, I don't know if you're seeing this right now, so many people are donating right now at stjude.org slash relay. So something we have this year is right here above us. We have uh, a little name call out when people are donating. Yeah. And it has been absolutely nonstop over the last eight minutes. Like, it will not stop. So uh, we are currently at $227,821. Yeah, that's really awesome. uh, Adina, can I get a count? How many balloons will now need to be added? Uh, There is a calculations happening over in the corner. uh, And then (laughs) I'm in there, I guess. Yeah, thank you so much, people who are donating. Uh, Pam, for your gift. Uh, Aaron, I mean, this like this window is at the corner of my eye, just like scrolling by. Author and Kim, uh, the Park family, yeah, Dustin. Um, thank you, thank you all so much. We, we're not going to be able to read all your names, unfortunately, but we are going to uh, keep track of of the donations. Like I said, you have your ballroom, which we'll see in a minute. Should we show people uh, how I'm going to measure? I would love that. Okay, so I'm going to go over here. There's something under this blanket. Like last year, I have wires everywhere, so I have to be very careful when I get up. So if you see me yeah. reaching down, it's so I don't uh, have a, a terrible I think accident. For both of us, uh, Podcastathon 2 is basically just an all wired affair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, look at this sex- sexy angle we've got going uh, on here. Look at this. So let me uh, do some things here. Do you want to talk about what that blanket is? Yes, I do. So this blanket, I'm trying to plug something in and talk to you. Uh, this blanket is my Susan Care blanket. So the designer of the dog cow and a bunch of original Mac iconography. You can see there's a dog cow there, a house. I think that's a fish of some sort. Uh, anyways, let me show y'all what's under here. I've been keeping this un- literally under wraps. So I get to do my big reveal here. And oh my that, God, what is this monstrosity? I'm going to throw this that way. Have you got a this? GTX 2080 in there? <laughs> yeah, the, the one of the 3080. I, I got in line early. Uh, so this used to be a Performa 6400. And I picked this machine because it has this really ugly forehead. And uh, with the help of my dad and some friends, we cut the side of it out, put plexiglass in it, so I'm an elite gamer. And what I'm going to do is, uh, for every $50 donated, and I'll, I'll do this in batches, I'm going to drop a bouncy ball in. And these are real bouncy balls. I can put one over here, and it bounces across the... Uh, all the, all the techs in the room got very nervous when I, I did that. Only I was the person that saw that because I have a couple of different camera angles, yeah. and that looked terrifying. Oh, it's back over there. <laughs> so, so we're going to be putting these in uh, as the evening goes on, and it's going to slowly fill up. So my idea was 
sometimes you see fundraisers and they have like a thermometer or something and like they fill it in with red. That's lame. Filling a computer with bouncy balls is awesome. So we're going to do this. Um, so I'm just going to kind of catch up now and uh, we will be, uh, there we go. There's a bouncy ball. Nice. Thank you, Nick. How many of those do you think are going to melt on the LEDs you put inside? So I ran this for eight hours the other day full of bouncy balls and there was no fire. Um, so hopefully we'll be okay here. I would like to call out an incredible joke from Canine Play in the Twitch chat. Weird bounce, but okay. Oh, that's really good. That's fantastic. Uh, so so this, just to confirm, uh-huh. you cut that hole in this. Yes. Well, technically my dad did the cutting because I'm not allowed to use an angle grinder, but uh, did all the LED and the wiring myself. I like that your your literal dad wouldn't let you use the angle grinder. Yeah, he's watching. Hi, Dad. Thanks for the help. Uh, so, yeah, so we're going to fill this up. I have 900 bouncy balls in a bucket behind my table, and we're just going to fill it up as the day goes on. How does that Question sound? Question for you. Question yes. for you. How tempted have you been to just dump that bouncy ball bucket? I mean, I don't want to do it in here because I want to come back to the AllSack yeah. studio next year. But uh, I can tell you, I'm going to go back to my seat now. Uh, I can tell you that while I was driving to campus earlier today, I was very nervous. I had them in a five-gallon bucket and had a top that was taped on all the way around. Mm-hmm. And like every time I hit a bump, I thought the bouncy balls come out of my truck. I'm just like I'm just going to give up because there's no getting getting them back in. I'm happy to confirm that the first uh, bags of balloons are starting to enter balloon as we speak. Awesome. So very shortly, I will enter Balloon for the first time. Uh, we are going to do some other things. We're going to track our progress with the Performa and with the Ballroom. But we have some things uh, that we did last year and some new things as well. Uh, so the, the beard cutting is going to uh, return this year. So I've been growing this out for a little while. It's not a quarantine beard, but it's getting no. there. And uh, we're going to uh, lose that little by little and do the voting like we did last year, which I fully assume people are going to want me to keep my mustache because that's how it worked last time. But I mean, it's I would go- be so disappointed if people are not going to commit to mustache life because it was incredible. It was. I really liked it. Um, so we're going to do that. And we have some other things that, uh, that you're going to do. Uh, we also have, if you go to stateju.org slash relay to donate, uh, you will see some future milestones. So we've done Flight Simulator. I took apart a MacBook. I put wheels on my Mac Pro. Oh, by the way, Mike, you can't see it. Maybe I'll show it later. The feet you of that performer. The feet of that performer. Okay, I'm going to come back over here. You've got to show it. Okay, I'm coming. Is, what you've done here is maybe my favorite part. So a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was like a day ago, uh, Stephen uh, changed out his Mac Pro uh, feet for wheels that was one of our milestone uh streams that Stephen did on the very first beta episode of this old mac nice ankles by the way thank Um, you uh but and so if you you can kind of see it if you look very carefully there's something shining from the bottom of that performer case those are the feet off my mac pro i put them on the performer they've been given a new life Reduce, reuse, right. recycle, my friend. So I can do my, like, these are the, the feet. This. You can see a little light reflecting on them. These are the feet you could have won. So it was, uh, it was a real adventure. Uh, turns out, Mike, that the Performer 6400 doesn't have a good place to mount Mac Pro wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Mac Pro feet, excuse me. So I had to do some fabrication. I'm probably the only person ever to walk into a hardware store with a Mac Pro foot and be like, I need a screw that fits this. Uh, but that's, uh, that's what we did. So, that's the um, you lead. 
it's the life that I lead. I do it for the kids, you know, at stjew.org slash relay. You can do something for the kids too. You have a hole in the top of that. Very clever. Oh, yeah. That's how the bouncy ball's going. So, uh, so Mike, we have another challenge. Do you want to uh, introduce this and maybe we get that one started? This is called Bean Boozled. Mm-hmm. This was sent to me by our wonderful friends uh, at St. Jude in like a challenge kit that they make. And effectively, this is, a, this is a product that the Jelly Belly Company produce where they take their uh, lovable and, and wondered uh, flavors and they put some uh, unfortunate things. flavors in. Too. <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> so, for example, what you think yeah. may be the buttered popcorn flavor may be the <laughs> rotten egg flavor instead. So I am going to be spinning the little wheel. Okay. And it will land on a flavor and then uh, well, a color. I have to eat that color and uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Now, if anybody wants to see me do these, I believe this is going to happen two times at the moment. Uh, it is a, how much is the donation, Stephen? Is it $500? million dollars? I think it's a million dollars. Million? I don't think that's true. Dollars? I'm waiting uh, on the control room a, to correct me. <laughs> yeah, if, if someone in the control room could remind us, what is the total? Is it a $500 <laughs> donation? Oh, God. They're not telling me how much it is, just how many I have to eat. Yeah. Uh, so there is a certain level that we, once you donate, mm-hmm. uh, I have to eat one, and I'm now up to three. So I'm going to do the first one now, and we'll, we'll okay. see how that goes. And it is a $500 donation. So uh, I have landed on what will either be chocolate pudding or dog food flavor. I want to do this. Mm. It's refreshing. Oh boy, that's dog food. Oh, oh, <clears throat> as mine was meat. kind of sweet and juicy. It was good. That's a that's a meat flavored jelly bean. Is what that is. <laughs> that's uh, that's really awesome. While Mike is collecting himself, um, some more thank yous to Jake. Uh, to uh, Herb, to Andrew. Again, these these just are making my Mac Pro just go MacBook Pro go nuts with these names. Um, Sandju.org slash relay. You can make Mike. Are you okay, buddy? You look like you're having a situation. I'm going to do another one. Okay, I'm ready. You ready? Okay. This will either be berry blue or toothpaste. No, I'm fine with this one, right? Okay. That was the berry one. Oh, it's right. really good. Sweet, a little right. zesty. I'll do one more. Okay. This is either going to be, oh my God, <laughs> a juicy pear or booger. So mm, Let's hope for pear. Ready? Yeah. Pear. Some sort of no. fruit flavor. No. No? Well, actually... I really don't like the juicy pear flavor, so I don't know which, which one it is. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> We're going to set those aside for a little while. Okay, yeah. I'm and just going to do one more just for kicks. Back. You so know, I like that you are. surprise. Oh. Now, just out of interest, where's your spinning wheel? Um, so I had an accident with my packaging. Right. So I might have been putting a shiny St. Jude mug. Oh, it's, it's interesting how you pull the color out so easily every time. Yeah, well, you know. I just have a, I, I have a knack for this. 
Stephen, so. we're about to hit $230,000. Oh, boy. 232000 right oh, now. it happened. It happened, so there you go. <laughs> yep, there we go. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, what, is, what is really cool about St. Jude, and you're going to learn more about this as we go on, is that not only do patients here receive the best cancer treatment for kids in the world, I mean that literally, but parents, families, don't have to pay for it. So I can tell you, when our son was diagnosed, my wife and I were in our early 20s, and even now in our mid-30s, like this sort of thing, just it's, it's financially ruinous for so many families, and it, it adds so much stress and anxiety about the bills. And so St. Jude just lifts all that weight off uh, the families, and that means yep. that when your kid's doing treatment or uh, for a scan or whatever's going on, that little ticker in the back of your mind is not running, right? You don't hear the numbers add up. You're just thankful for people like all of y'all watching, all of y'all donating. Uh, that makes all of that possible. And you're going to meet some patients uh, in a little while. You're also going to yep. meet uh, the parent of a survivor and uh, a doctor here at St. Jude to tell different angles of that story. But it really is amazing for us at least to have a decade of treatment and a lot of people a lot longer than that without ever paying a dime. Stephen, I would like to to thank some people. Sunit, who is a certified uh, original Upgradian, who donated mm. one thousand dollars a moment ago. Okay, we'll get some bouncy balls. All right, I'm getting some bouncy balls in here. And I've just been told by our wonderful producer that this is the first milestone of your beard change. Okay, maybe we maybe we can show people uh, what the different stages will be, and we have a video coming up, and I'll duck out and shave. That sounds like a good idea. And I could also get in balloon. Yeah, it sounds good. Uh, wow. So, Mike, it is uh, yeah. it is September, and uh, how are you feeling about the new iPhones? Are you excited about ordering a new iPhone? <laughs> I'm not sure that there is one yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to wait for November for that. Mm, yeah. Do you buy an Apple Watch? No, I didn't buy an Apple Watch. It's not happening. Yeah. I don't you haven't done I it yet? It's gonna happen. No, I'm not going to do it either. Interesting. I'm still waves of that dog food flavor. Oh, my God. It's still happening. You still have the dog food taste? Yeah. I'm sorry. You know what, Stephen? I'm going to go get in bloom. Okay. It's going to happen. Well, okay. You can go do that. And uh, I will tell people a little bit more uh, about. Jason Snell just donated a thousand dollars. Thank you, Jason Thank you. Snell. That's the original upgradian. Yep, the most original. Jason's going to be on later on today. Yes. Thank you, Jason. All right. So Mike is getting into his uh, bloom. I got to say, during our our rehearsals and our uh, setup of all of this, you know, Mike is sending me pictures. Mike is telling me what he's going to do, and it really doesn't do it justice until until you see this. Uh, so, Mike, if if you're in there, there he is. I'm in the. How's it going? Maybe we can. Uh, there Hello we from go. Bloom. Hello. So this is somewhere in the region of I think. What are we at, Adina? Two hundred. Oh, there goes the first oh. one. Oh, That's so loud. That's going to keep happening <laughs> throughout the night. Uh, mm. I guess only when I'm in here, I suppose. Um, we do have later on, you may be able to see it, there is a tripod here in Bloom uh, where we will be getting in. There are currently 205 balloons here in Bloom. 
um, as I've just been told by my wonderful production team. We have balloons of varying sizes, mm-hmm. and they move around. If I think that people want to see you do like a snow angel, but in the balloons. Well, let's yep. say I will do that later on uh, when, we can bring, when we bring the camera inside, because right now you won't see anything. Okay. But I will promise that later on okay. in the evening. That's good. But what I want from our wonderful uh, viewers right now mm-hmm. um, and throughout the evening is I want this thing to fill up. We have yeah. enough balloons to fill it. So if you donate at stjude.org slash relay, we can fill this thing. That's right. And we're going to fill this performer with bouncy balls, which is the strangest sentence I've ever said on a, a live stream before. Yep, but uh, that's, that's the world that we live in, my friend. Oh, I think there is uh, more balloons. Okay, oh, look at that. Here. Look at that. Right now, there, here they come. <laughs> There he goes. Oh, this man. is your donations, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> your donations are causing these balloons. That is fantastic. So, you this know, is everything like, I've ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, let's, uh, let's talk about the beard a little bit. Uh, we have that graphic ready to show you all how this is going to progress. Your uh, beard. So, my beard, not your beard. Uh, so we're going to come down. I'm going to get rid of this here. So it'll just be sideburns and a goatee. And then we'll work our way down from there as the day goes on, ending in what I like to call mustache land. It's everybody's favorite place to be. It is. For you. Yes. Maybe not for themselves. So we are currently at $234,000. So I'm going to go and shave the middle part here in a few minutes. Um, and I would say maybe we throw down uh, the next chunk of facial hair at maybe at 250 How does that sound, Mike? I think that sounds fantastic. Hey, do you know what we have coming up real soon? What? I think we're, aren't we speaking to our friend Federico? Uh, we are speaking to our friend Federico uh, in... Uh, in about 20 minutes, and we have a little game that we're going to play together, which will be very exciting. Um, I'm a little nervous about it, to be honest with you. So if you didn't uh, hear it on Connected uh, Wednesday, um, they're going to make me play Pokemon. Well, no, 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 no. Again, you don't That's know what I was told. Works. We are uh, on Connected uh, every year. We play a game that we've affectionately called the Jeremy's, named after right. our friend Jeremy Budge, Who where Federico emoji. guesses emoji. Mm-hmm. And... We love that game. We love to play it, but we don't want to play it yet. It's not time. So right. we have decided that we're going to make you play the very first inaugural of the Ashies, named after Ash Ketchum, the mm-hmm. star of Pokemon, the yes. animated series, where me and Federico have amassed just, I think, 22 different Pokemon. Okay. And we're going to show them to you, and we want you to guess their names. Okay. Uh, I'm nervous about this. And we did say on the show that I can also guess their powers, but I don't think that's any points, right? No, that's something that for some reason you really want to do. And because we welcome it, you to try. It seems like it's easier to guess powers than names. That's what you I'm saying. not seen these Pokemon. Oh, you think the names will be easy? Because I don't think you'll be able to get either. I don't think that you will succeed in anything here, but we wish you the very best of luck. I'm really, really excited about that. Um, so, Mike, you're still in the balloon. I have a question about the balloon. Yes. You know, like if you get a balloon and you rub it on your hair, you get the static electricity. Mm-hmm. Does that whole room feel that way? 
Not yet, but um, there is going to be a certain point where I'm not going to touch anything electrical. Mm-hmm. Except the from microphone the you're holding. Of, of, aside from the microphone that I'm holding. So mm-hmm. uh, I have a lot of technology over there, and uh, I'm going to try and leave it alone as much as possible. Uh, right now, we're good. I mean, maybe if... I don't know. Can I get one of these to stick to me? Let's see. The red jacket is so good. No. Thank you. Uh, Very I'm good. brand today. True. Wait, is red our brand? Oh, it's St. Uh, Jude. No, it's St. Jude's brand, though. Yeah. The, the, the burgundy. We're here today, St. Jude red. Uh, we are currently sitting at $235,000 and some change. Thank you all so much, uh, Tony and, and Steve and Becky and Charlie, all of you recent donors. Thank you so much, Claire, for coming in. Uh, this means the world to us. You know, we said this last year, and I had, Mike, I had the same feeling today, is that our careers are just bonkers. Like mm-hmm. Our company is ridiculous that it exists. And it's amazing that it exists, but like on paper, it's like, what are y'all doing? But to get to harness all of that and use it for good and to have our amazing audience get behind this year after year, it means so much to us. And so thank you all for being involved so far. We're going to keep this rolling. Uh, Mike, we're, uh, we're 28 minutes in. So, you know, five and a half hours left. How are you feeling? Feeling good? Right now, I'm feeling excellent. Uh, it is worth noting that I am obviously in London, which means we are scheduled to end at 1 a.m. my time. It's going to be uh, awesome. So there is a snack bar, which includes, I believe, a four-pack of Red Bull over there Perfect. in Mega Studio, and that's going to get me through. Right now, I'm feeling great. I am pumped up because I'm surrounded by balloons. Uh, that's awesome. So couldn't be more excited. I think that uh, as, as this evening goes on, we're going to see a different side of you that maybe we don't get to see every day. That's very true, because I'm, I expect that I'm going to get very loopy towards the end. Oh, yeah. It's going to be excellent. Uh, and that's one reason we moved the time up this year, so we weren't sending you home at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, that would have been uh, extra difficult. Um, one, so, year, one year, we'll do 24 mm-hmm. hours and see how that goes. Yeah, um, I'm all for it. All the people in this room, like they just they have like this dead look in their eyes, like please don't make us watch you for 24 hours. We can't handle it. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're going to uh, show y'all a video. Um, I, I want to introduce this. It's going to be a series throughout the day of the virtual tour of of St. Jude. And if you watched this last year, remember our friend Enrique. Uh, he and his wife joined Mary and I on this virtual tour. And we got to hear a lot about their story, talk about our story. And, you know, one thing you're going to notice and I want you to look out for is how different St. Jude looks to other hospitals. I've been in other children's hospitals. I've, of course, been in like old man hospitals for me. And St. Jude is just a special place. And we're so excited to show it off to y'all. So enjoy uh, step one on our virtual tour. And uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Hey guys, it's good to see y'all. Hey guys. Hey Steven. Hey Mary. How y'all doing? Good. Yeah, we're good. We're excited to be uh, doing this virtual tour with y'all. I'm sorry it can't be an in-person tour. I know. I regret that it's not in person, but I love that uh, we have an opportunity to chat together uh, as a family, even if it's a virtual environment. We miss y'all. That's right. Yeah, I know. Miss you guys too. So with that, I think we'll get the the tour kicked off. Um, this is a Danny Thomas statue that is actually right outside the hospital. Um, this is a newer, newer statue of Danny with a couple of kids uh, just kind of showing them. 
But here we are at the, what is the entrance of the hospital. This is what considered the main entrance. This is the St. Jude statue. Uh, this statue has been here since 1962, since uh, Danny Thomas opened the doors of the hospital. Um, you know, the story goes uh, back, um, back when Danny was a struggling entertainer, uh, he made a promise to St. Jude that if uh, he helped him find his way, he would one day build him a shrine. Uh, this is, uh, and St. Jude is in fact uh, that shrine. Uh, he felt that after that prayer and after that promise, his career kind of took a turn and uh, he accredited that success to St. Jude. Um, and, you know, like I said, once, his, once he built his success and a, and a good following, he uh, began fundraising for St. Jude in 1957 through uh, the way of the ALSAC organization, which is American Lebanese Syrian Associated Charities, which is actually where I work and where the fundraising and awareness for St. Jude. Um, and um, yeah, so he, uh, in 1962, when he finally realized his dream of opening the doors of St. Jude, he, uh, he built this statue here in front of the hospital, or he had this ha statue put up in front of the hospital and now uh, it still sits there. Uh, one of the interesting stories of, uh, that I like to share about um, the statue here is that when he was going around asking for money, there was a kid named Billy Johnson, uh, who was a little blind boy uh, that wanted to help St. Jude. He, he had heard Danny speak and he loved everything Danny said so much and he wanted to help Danny and he had 75 cents to his name. And he gave those 75 cents to Danny Thomas and those 75 cents sit at the corner right there of the, of the um, statue. Um, it's really special, um, you know, that, uh, Billy recently visited the hospital again. Uh, he's, he's been a longtime supporter and donor of St. Jude. Um, and we have, you know, we have that visit on footage and I hope that we can share that with your group later. It's cool. It's such an amazing way to come into the hospital. And, you know, we were out, kind of outside moving our way in. So much of this campus is just a beautiful place to be. You know, it's, there's flowers when it's sunny outside. You can go out and eat lunch or, or run around. Um, St. Jude did such a good job with their campus making it a welcoming place. No one wants to have to bring their children through the front door of St. Jude, uh, but for the, those of us who have, like the four of us, it is such a welcoming, warm place to step into. Yeah, I mean, look at all the artwork. It is, um, you know, I'll let, I'll let Mary and Leticia kind of share this piece of it, but this is where a family first uh, walks in through the hospital. If you see right here on this painting that we're looking at, up there where it's representing fall on the far right corner is where we actually met for the first time as a family uh, in that lobby area up there on the second floor was where we first met Josiah and Josiah first met Ariana. Um, so, you know, because the, the in-care patient rooms were in there or the in, inpatient rooms were in there. Um, and the jukebox. And the jukebox. The jukebox so, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a, it's a good time to kind of introduce my lovely wife who's sitting here next to me, um, you know, and, and uh, your lovely wife sitting next to you, Mary, and just kind of let them share their perspective as a mom and what it felt like walking through the doors as a parent uh, of St. Jude for the first time. I forgot to bring tissues out here. Yeah, um, we walked through those doors in 2009 when we first found out that Josiah had been diagnosed with, he was six months old, Josiah was diagnosed with astrocytoma glioma brain tumor, and he was recovering in surgery at a local hospital around this, the corner from St. Jude. So while he was recovering from surgery, taking part of the tumor out, we came knowing that he would be a St. Jude patient and 
were introduced and got our medical record number and learned a little bit of what our day-to-day -day life was going to look like, all of a sudden that had changed dramatically over a matter of four days mm -hmm. in the hospital in May that year. So yeah, it brings back a lot of memories, just looking at those wagons sitting there ready, ready to be used. Everything is cleaned by volunteers. The, that desk is exactly the same, like in a comforting way since 2009. And I just love, I remember just staring at that artwork and with the different seasons and thinking about how you know, we were gonna be there. We were there in spring and spring wasn't gonna look like what we had expected it to. We had no idea what summer would be like. And if we would even get to fall or winter that year. So we were right behind you guys, um, officially diagnosed, quote unquote, in June. Um, we actually started in Japan um, when she was diagnosed with a tumor, made our way to Texas with her first brain tumor, or her first resection. Um, and 30 days after her first resection, we ended up walking into St. Jude and having a second um, resection at St. Jude and becoming patients ultimately um, in August. And it was, it's still surreal looking at it now because it, it does, like you said, it brings back so many memories of, of fear and of not uh, hopelessness and helplessness, but then it also brings so many memories of, of hope and someone just you knowing that you were in the right place at the right time you know it was once you meet everyone there you know that you're it's going to be okay yeah yeah i think it was uh you know for for us we like leticia said we got there in august and actually i remember it was august 2nd of 2009 uh it was a sunday night um and i remember before we came to saint jude we were researching and trying to find the best treatment option for ariana and everything led to saint jude to uh so-called Dr. Gajar. And uh, I remember we, uh, when we got to the hospital, Dr. Gajar was there waiting for us. Uh, the head of neuro-oncology uh, at a world-renowned hospital like St. Jude uh, was there to greet us and make sure that we felt welcomed and uh, felt like we were at the right place. And he definitely uh, hit that out the park. I mean, we knew immediately walking in through those doors that we were at the right place. At that time, I was really into, uh, in the Navy, and, and the, I was in the Navy at that time, and my career was into uh, metrics and analytics. So I was really into numbers. And I remember just the first question I asked him was, what percentage of survival do you give my daughter? And he said, I don't treat numbers, I treat kids. And I promise, <laughs> to, do, I promise to do everything I can to save your daughter's life. Um, and to me, that spoke volumes, you know, because um, I don't know how many other hospitals you, you all may have called before you came to St. Jude, but hospitals that we called, uh, one of the first or second questions was always, um, what kind what of insurance. insurance, what kind of insurance do you have? You know, yeah. and, you know, and to, for us, that wasn't a problem, me being active duty military, but, you know, that was, hey guys, it's good to see y'all. Hey and I asked him was pretty into us that never mm -hmm. really yeah. felt, sat well with us. Well, so. the furthest thing from my mind at that point. Yeah, to know that that was an issue, that's an issue for a lot of people is just sickening to think of yeah. that choice. And, you know, and walking through those doors in these halls right here, where exactly where we're standing, this is where a lot of families for the first time here, you're not going to pay for any of this. This is all absolutely free. Um, 
And to just kind of feel that overwhelming sense of comfort, knowing that this is completely taken care of, um, is just one huge stressor, stressor that's relieved of, uh, for the families. I think St. Jude and Alsac do a great, do the best job possible to ensure that families have nothing to worry about other than put a yeah. smile on their kid's face. Uh, with that, I feel like we've, uh, we've, we've introduced ourselves really well and we, uh, we have introduced the hospital. I'm really looking forward to show everybody just different stops and uh, some exciting uh, opportunities to look at uh, things that normally you get a bunch of stuff on your desk during a regular tour. Um, so I hope everyone uh, really enjoys this virtual tour we're about to embark on, and I'll see you guys at the next stop. All right. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks. Hello. And welcome back. I hope you all enjoyed uh, stage one of our virtual tour. Really excited to show you more of St. Jude as the day goes on. But we have important Pokemon business, if that thing is possible. Uh, right. So welcome to the podcast-a-thon, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello. Hi. Hey, buddy. Buonasera. How are you guys? Oh, very good. So very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fun to be here again. Yeah. The loom is filling up, Federico. Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm, very much. Are you so ready? Beautiful. You ready to be drowned in balloons? Nearly. Nearly. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, that's a lot we for today. We are here for a very important game. Uh, for you, Stephen. I'm, it's I'm very nervous game. about this. So it's a very we have, important game. Uh, me and Federico have been working diligently, long hours, to find mm -hmm. a selection of our favorite pocket monsters. Did you know that Pokemon was short for pocket monsters, by the way, Stephen? No. Okay, well, that's what, that's what Pokemon means, pocket monsters. Okay. Uh, we have found a collection of some of our very favorites, uh, and I'm not going to lie, also some that the two of us have never heard of before, mm -hmm. uh, even though that we have actually played every single one of these games. So uh, we have a presentation. I've made yes. a very great keynote. Uh, with some I'm excited to see it. Uh, that we're going to be bringing up on screen uh, in just a moment. And then we're going to go uh, step by step, Stephen, and we're going to have you guess the names of these uh, Pokemon. Okay. And you have decided that you also want to try and guess their abilities, whatever powers. that Powers, sorry. Abilities. Uh, it's not use. called powers. Not powers. <laughs> I think e either one. Um, and as that keynote is getting pulled up, I should say, I should confess that during our break, I forgot to go shave because I was adding bouncy balls to the Performa. So yeah. I promise I'll go shave mm. after this. My but, but the premise of this game is that Steven didn't even know the Pokemon means pocket monsters. So we're really off to a great start here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Mike, I have my list ready as well as the images. Um, so Steven, are you ready to, to guess really interesting English names? I was, I was born ready. That's not okay. true at all. I wasn't born ready. I, Honestly, I would be very surprised if you guess more than one in this game. So okay. let's just start with the first one, Steven. Okay. And no, no help from uh, external sources, please. So the, so the people in this room can't like whisper in my ear what it is? No, no. you need to do this on your own. You, you can do this. You, can <laughs> Don't do this. you should see the first one now, okay? Yes. So you should get this one a go? Okay. Uh, yeah, so the, uh, the first one is uh, Pikachu, and uh, he shoots lightning out of his body. I don't okay. Like uh, like that. That's what he does. It's it's out of his uh, out of his cheek cheek 
pouches. Yes. Uh, Tell me cheeks. When you say body, I didn't like that. Okay. I didn't like that. All right, so we got that one down. Obviously, I'm not going to lie. We started off easy. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like if I had missed that one, the rest of the game is already over. Yeah, but this um, goes downhill real fast, I think. Okay. Uh, So you guessed this one. It's Pikachu. Everybody knows Pikachu. Well, can I ask you a bonus question, Steven? Of course. Do you know the evolution of Pikachu? Um, there's uh, there's <laughs> Pikachu one, and then <laughs> Pikachu point two. Pikachu. That's how it works. Pikachu. Pikachu yeah. three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. There's a pre-evolution and there's an evolution. The pre-evolution uh, okay. is yeah. the same name without a part of okay. the name. Pika. No. Absolutely it's not Pika. Impossible. It's Pichu. Pichu. Well, anyway, the, the evolution. That's a different word. No, it's okay. Well, the evolution <laughs> is Raichu, but you would have never guessed. Um, let's go with the second one, and this is where things get tricky for you. Okay. So, Federico, right. I will just ask you a favor because uh, we're running a, a real interesting uh, production today. We're getting reports from the Twitch chat that you're a, tud- touch loud, a touch loud, and we can't actually adjust your audio. So, if you just okay. want to lean away from the microphone le- for me a little just bit, touch. that would be incredible. I can do that. And I would like to just thank, because it's just come up on the screen in front of me, Chris Campbell for a donation of $2,000. Thank Thank you, Chris. That's awesome. Thank you. Chris clearly loves Pikachu. All right, so here's the (laughs) next one, Stephen. Do you want to give this one a go for me? Let's see. uh, I see Pikachu still. That's Pikachu. I got two right. Oh, I've switched over. Well, Pikachu forever is what I say. I think I've won 100%. Um. Well, we are we're looking at a different Pokemon. Well, I'm I have a different Pokemon on my screen right now, so I'm going to attempt to fix this. Okay. There we there go. Is. Okay. Right. So what I've learned is that uh, Keynote in full screen did not that wasn't good. So we're back to non full mm-hmm. screen, which is better for okay. me anyway. So do you want to give this one a go? So please describe what you're looking at. It is a uh, it's a purple uh, animal of purple. some sort. It's not. Is, is that purple? Look, really? look, in my vision, it's this wide across on this monitor over here. It is tiny. Okay. 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 <laughs> what what, what kind of creature? Discord. My Discord window is up there. Um, uh, I and he has a tongue that looks like it's as long as his body, which uh-huh. I have a lot of questions about where it goes when his mouth is closed. But in the tail, <laughs> we can leave that okay. alone. Okay. <clears throat> So, and uh, this is a uh, licky tongue. Correct. How? The re- well, okay, I assumed he was going to know this, this, Federico, because a couple of days ago, uh, well, <laughs> I think it was actually gave me the idea for this game. Uh, Steven inextricably just pasted this image into our group chat. Did I? Oh, yeah, you did, yeah. Are, I'm a yeah you did. are you cheating at this game, no. Steven? Oh, oh, by the way, I brought the bell, so I need to give myself two rings. I have two right. All right, there we go. Okay. <laughs> loud please please okay really loud. sorry i'll leave it out here so you guessed uh you guessed licky tongue which uh will give you some interesting facts about licky tongue taken okay. straight from uh Cerebi, which is a really good pokemon website um it's a li- the official classification steven it's a licking pokemon uh and the, des- the official description is if this pokemon sticky saliva gets on you and you don't clean it off an intense itch will set no. in no, the I don't itch like this. Won't go away either. That's the official <laughs> description. Um, 
for Lickitung, who's uh, just allow me, allow me to do this. But the German names of Pokemon are mm-hmm. different, and most okay. of the time they are so much better than the original ones. Okay. The German name of Lickitung is, and I'm not kidding, Schlorp. Oh, that's, that's a, a good sound. <laughs> you so, ready for the next one? I'm ready for the next one. So I'm just going to tell you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Number one and number two. Yeah. I, I knew you were going to get them. Okay. These are the, the big guns coming out now. What is this? <laughs> All right. So it looks like some sort of Jenga tower uh-huh. with blocks for legs. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say his superpower is squishing it's, things. It's not a superpower. It's why do you Pokemon don't, they have abilities? They don't have powers. They don't have but superpowers. The more yeah. you correct me, the more I'm going to say it. Let's just okay put that out there. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> say that his name is uh, Blocky Boy, but with an I. Try and be more original. Come on. Wait, do you, where's if the you I? were in charge of naming, if you were in charge of naming Pokemon, would you really name this one Blocky Boy? Yes, yes, I would, Federico. Are you sure? Wow. Any other guesses? Mm. Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna make it Pokemon-y. I'm gonna say uh, Blockaton. Blockaton. Okay, so that was more, much more Pokemon-y. That's so much Get better. Right. You're getting in the right mood. Uh, okay. Unfortunately, that's not the name. Oh no! No, the name of this Pokemon is uh, Stack Attacker. <laughs> Come on! I was in the ballpark. So what's what's his uh, ability? So-called ability. Uh, its so-called ability is Beast Boost. What does uh, that mean? It increases the Pokemon's highest stat when he knocks out another Pokemon. You it's are literally awesome. making this up. None of this, this is, is what real. What are saying about abilities? I am <laughs> not <laughs> making this up. This is how it works, and you need to accept it. It's Stakataka. Okay. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready for number four. Come on. Okay. Uh, Go on. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? Uh, it looks like a, a radish or some uh-huh. sort of... <laughs> I don't know. It looks like it twists. It looks like it moves by twisting. Mm. Um, you know what I just thought, Federico? What might be better for uh, the abilities, quote-unquote, powers that Stephen wants mm-hmm. is the Pokemon's description. Perfect. Okay. Right, like how you did the, the Lickitung one. I think that that will give more mm. uh, color for what Stephen's looking Perfect. for. Perfect. I will be ready with those. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say that its name is Twistazord. Hmm. What's the name? Twistazord, because it looks like it twists. Twistazord. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, that is not that is not the name, Stephen. The name is Malamar. Okay. Um, okay. And allow me to say the German uh, name and the French name as well. In German, it's Calamanero, mm-hmm. and in French, it's Sepiatroce, which is like I think the idea would be it's it's a, it's an atrocious uh, squid, sort of. Uh, that would uh, be the idea. Calamar, like calamari. Like calamari, yes, that's the yeah. idea. Um, and yeah, okay. Malamar is classified as an overturning Pokemon, whose What's description is, it's said that Malamar's hypnotic powers pr- played a role in certain history-changing events. Oh, oh my. So does it Malamar, twist? It, it, it does have, so I'll give you this, it does have a move called Topsy-Turvy. I win. That's so, a point. So, that's well, that's a move. It's like going it's, upside it's, down. It's not, it's not it's twisting. Only a, it's not twisting. It's Topsy-Turvy. But Steven, I know you're going to like the next one. I'm ready. 
All right, before I describe this, I would mm-hmm. encourage you to go to stjude.org slash relay and donate for it's to support the mission of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is why we are here. It's why I'm looking at Pokemon. I hate everything about this, but I'm doing it for the kids. So you, could, you can uh, donate for the kids. So this one is wearing a, a, some sort of sombrero, but it's made out of plants. It's somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and his body's like an egg, and his hands look like outlets. You can plug things into his hands. Oh, interesting, yeah. I hadn't thought so, oh, my God. You say the hat's part of his body? I mean, That's well, not yeah, important. It, it, no, it, it doesn't be matter. Important. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's important to him, I think. I'm going to go with... Hmm, I'm going to go with uh, Roller Green. <laughs> he's sort of round and he's green. Roller Green. Okay. Roller Green. No. Okay, um, I got to say, you people out here are laughing at me in the studio. That's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Roller Green. Um, no. Uh, the name of this Pokemon, Steven, is Ludicolo. How was I going to know so, that? Ludicolo is a carefree Pokemon. Of course. And according to the Pokemon Company, if it hears festive music, it begins moving in written in order to amplify its power. And allow me just for a second to tell you the Japanese name of this Pokemon, which okay. is so much better than the English one. In Japan, Ludicolo is known as Rampapa. Ooh. So that's nice. Uh, it's, uh, that it's a festive yes, it's a festive carefree Pokemon. It just doesn't care. Think, Ludicolo don't care. Rampapa would be a great name for Steven. <laughs> you can be mm. our Rampapa, Steven. Yeah, you can oh. be our Rampapa. <laughs> You ready for the next my one? father. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. What do you think of this thing? So it's uh, it's holding things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's coming out of its hand, like it's pushing things into the ground, mm-hmm. or maybe it's really long fingernails. Again, it's about this big in my field of vision. <laughs> but it makes me think like it, like it's a guarding Pokemon. Like you can't get past that Pokemon to get into the right. castle, right? So okay, he's, so he's. He's a century of some sort. The description of this Pokemon is very simple. So the classification okay. is very simple. Look at the Pokemon. What do you think of the Pokemon? Like, it is, it's a it's big guy, right? It's a big guy, correct? Giant. So how would you describe this? It's a... It's, a, yeah? it's, it's big. Like a it's giant, got those, giant gargoyle. No. No. It's a, so the classification is it's a muscular Pokemon. Okay. Mm, okay. So what do you think the name is? Muscular Pokemon. Uh, I'm going to go with Swallamander. <laughs> that's actually... Uh, I had no last for that. That's brutal. Swallamander? Swallamander. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'll tell you is, it isn't right, obviously. Uh, but oh, man. That does sound like a couple of other different Pokemon. So, <laughs> you know, you actually, you're getting this. You're, this I'm just going to guess called, that name, uh, the rest of them. Conkledur. Conkledur. Also known affectionately in the community as Conk. Of course. Obviously. That's what Obviously. his friends call him. Obviously, that's what we call it. And uh, I will tell you about conch is that concrete mixed by conkelder is much more durable than normal concrete, even when the compositions of the two materials are the same. So really, you want this guy to build your house, is what the, the gist of it is. So it's a contractor? Yes. 
is contractor called uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He puts the con in contractor. Here is our next <laughs> one. Uh, that's just a keychain. That's not a Pokemon. <laughs> this is one of the. This is one of the faves. When you Google weird Pokemon, this one comes up every single time. It it okay. looks like something out of Beauty and the Beast that like comes alive mm-hmm. at night. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm gonna go with key ring. Oh, that's well. I'll tell you the classification is actually this is a key ring Pokemon. Are there other key ring Pokemon? No. Well, it just well. No, not in this context. Then why is it a classification? No. That seems like there's, there's how well, else can you classify this? <laughs> it's a keyring Pokemon. All right. So All right. what's the name? Um, locksmith. Locksmith. Oh, that's so smart. That's such a smart guess. It's wrong, obviously. <laughs> but you don't have to say uh, obviously every time. That's really. No, no, I can imagine L O K S M I F. Right, like that would be the way you would do it. In, yeah, uh, locksmith. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm, I've got my eye on the Twitch chat here. I think it might be interesting to bring up some additional uh, guesses every now and then. We have TJ has said Kikachu, which I actually think is genius. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Very good. Uh, but no, this is Klefki. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom yeah. has donated uh, using the name Swallamander. So thank you, Tom. Very clever. On my team. Allow me to give you the official description, which is actually kind of interesting. Klefki sucks in metal ions with the horn topping its head. It seems this Pokemon loves keys so much that its head needed to look like one, too. It is worth noting, Stephen, they are real keys. So it can go around and unlock things with its body? Yeah. Well, no, the body is a body. The rest are actual keys. that So so the body is the ring, and the The keys are like like tattoos or earrings on the body. Yep. It is a keyring Pokemon after all, per okay. the classification. All. So, all right, yeah. next. Yes. Steven, you're still at two points. I know. All right, let's do a lightning round. Let's see. Let's, let's just. You want to do a few? Because we got 22 here. Yeah, we're not going to make it through all 22. Oh, yeah. We're really bumping up on time here. All right, mm-hmm. you know what? Yeah. Uh, we're just going to pick a few favorites. We're going to pick a few. So, Federico, give me the number of the ones that you really want him to see. Uh, why don't you do uh, number 12? Number 12. Oh, great. That's a great one. What is this, Stephen? <laughs> That's easy. That's uh, old uh, Marshmallow Cloud. A Marshmallow Cloud? Are you positive? <laughs> yeah. It's a cloud and a marshmallow at once. I'm a scientist, Federico. Look closer. Oh, is it ice cream? Is it an ice cream <laughs> yeah. type Pokemon? Yes. Yep. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with uh, Lakaton, like lactose and ton put together. <laughs> You're getting closer to these. Uh, yeah. This is Vanillite. Oh, Vanillite. Okay, yes. so there are other ones. Is there like a pink one that's strawberryite, and then like a green one that's mint chocolate chippyite? Um, Mike, do uh, number 21. We just got... Uh, 10.42 from uh, James and Saskia and, and uh, TLA Systems Peacock. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you, we James. We have to divide that by the Hackett number. Which one did you say? Uh, 21. Federico? 21. What is Put this? some bouncy balls in for James. What is this, Stephen? Look at this guy. So it looks like a tree, but his hands are mm-hmm. leaves, but they're also balls, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, like maybe the little <laughs> suction cups. Um, sure. 
but he, he looks little. I can think he's a twig. He's not a tree. No, and he's so, a tree. It is a tree. I'm being he's told a it's boy. a tree. I'm being told it's a tree. I'm going to go with... Um, I will help you. Okay. I will help you here. I'll tell you, it's not real wood. It's, uh, it's vinyl siding. It's like not, it's like artificial wood. Well, Try just and think come about up. that. Just right? think not, about that. Imagine, we're going to see if we can help you here. Like, it's not real wood. It is... Fake wood. Or, instead of saying fake... Instead of fake... It is uh, artificial. Yeah. It is... Uh, it looks like wood, therefore. It's... Wood grain? Wood, I don't know. Wood-like. I don't know. What do you want me to say? This is called pseudo wudo. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. I quit. Podcast thought over. One, I have one more. Wood, I have one last like. one. Okay. One last one. Uh, Federico, I'm thinking uh, number 18. What do you think? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> this one. This is our last possible one of the evening. What in the world? <laughs> uh, so, I I feel like so you know in uh, the Avengers, Doctor Strange like has the thing he like does his hand and the energy field comes out. Yep, kind of getting that vibe from this dude. <laughs> um, but he has a lot of hands, mm-hmm. and they don't seem to be connected, which is very mm-hmm. concerning. Mm-hmm. Uh, one could say it's. Uh, a little creepy, even. Look at look at the circles, though. What are the circles? Are there like the okay? So the arms go like into into its chest, or like maybe. Hmm. Or it's like sockets, maybe. None of uh, this is helping you. I know, and I don't know What's what it is. Mean? I don't know. Uh, yes. I'm gonna go with um, the the great socketeer. The whole thing That's is the great. name. It's, it's a title. What? The great socketeer. Federica, what is the name of this Pokemon? The name of this Pokemon is Hoopa Unbound. <laughs> the name is Hoopa, and this is the Unbound form. Okay. Yeah, obviously. Oh, so they're hoops. Yes. Yeah. Got it. I told you to look at the circles. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we did try and help you. Uh, I'm being this told that, is... the con- that the control room has been playing along, and they're much better at this than I am. Right. So just let that soak in a little bit. Uh, I didn't do well. I, I got two no. right. I got however many wrong. I got wrong. That's fine. Yeah, and you, know, you cheated feel, with Licky okay. Tongue, so... I didn't cheat. I already knew it. It's not cheating yeah. if it's already in your brain. No, I feel like cheating. Could disagree. Okay. Federico, uh, well, thank you yeah. so much for taking the time out of your of evening course. to join us. This is a real pleasure. This was a great success. We have about another 15 Pokemon, so maybe we can do this at a later date. We can, we yeah. can finish this off. Uh, I tell you what, maybe we'll put it as a milestone uh, on the donation page at stjude.org slash relay to unlock, and we'll uh, yeah. we'll stream the rest of these uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. How about that? Yeah, I love that. So keep an eye on that, and we'll we'll, we'll finish this off uh, cool. a later date. Federico, thank you. I know you're so busy t- uh, right now. Uh, we really, really appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Of course. Thank you, guys. It's been fun. Bye, Federico. Bye-bye. Well, that was hum- that was humiliating. It sure was. Uh, I have something uh, <laughs> for you. It was great for us. I have something now uh, that I want to introduce, Stephen. We're going to go to uh, an interview um, that I conducted uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, this is with uh, a guy called Miguel. Um, Miguel is a previous patient at St. Jude. 
um, who has a different story to the type of stories that we focused on in previous interviews and some of the segments that we've shown you, uh, which I think actually helps offer another incredibly important perspective on why the work of St. Jude matters to so many people um, from all over the world, different types of people, different types of walk of life at different stages of their life. So we're now going to go to this interview that I conducted with Miguel. Uh, really powerful, and I hope you enjoy it. So Miguel, I'd love to learn a bit, little bit more about you and your journey with St. Jude. So I guess we can start with how did you find out about St. Jude? What brought you there? Hmm. Well, it is very interesting, uh, Mike, because we didn't know what St. Jude was until the very last moment in which we were told, hey, there's nothing we can really do for you. And if you want anything done, you will have to pay money that you don't have. So it was basically jumping from hospital to hospital until we finally found this doctor in the Dominican Republic that said, hey, let me do one more thing. You know, like in the movies, just one more thing. <laughs> and she said, send me your medical record. And then the next day she called us and said, you have been accepted at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Wow. And I said, oh, great. <laughs> but I don't know what St. Jude is. And she said, this is the best human hospital in the world. This is the place I will send my child. And you don't have to pay for that half a million dollar treatment, for that $70,000 surgery. You don't even have to pay, pay for where you're going to stay. Or you're playing tickets because I have on my desk. You're flying to Memphis, Tennessee in four days. It was just like that. Yeah. How old were you? I was 17. Right. So I was well aware of what were the consequences and the possible outcomes of not receiving the treatment that I needed and the surgery to yeah. remove the tumor. Yeah, because a lot of the stories that I'm familiar with with St. Jude and a lot of the ones that we look at really talk about young children quite a lot and, and, mm -hmm. and because that is obviously a big focus. But being 17... It's like maybe the worst kind of time because you're still a kid, but you are very aware of what's going on. And, and I imagine that that was incredibly difficult. Yeah, it is. And also for my peers who were around the same age or just a tiny bit uh, younger than me in teenage years, because it takes a toll mentally. Uh, the adolescents and going through, uh, you know, breakups and your friends that you're not seeing them anymore and you're trying to fit yeah. and then all of a sudden you lose your hair away from your friends, it really takes a, a mental toll, an emotional toll on people. Uh, I also feel for the little kids that really don't understand what's going on. They're just mm -hmm. taken away from, from their friends and from home and they just wanna go back. Uh, but being 17 at the time, I knew exactly what was going to happen if, if the outcome would have been uh, different. Mm -hmm. So if you don't mind me asking, uh, what, was your cancer like what were you dealing with at that time and before St. Jude became an option for you how long had your treatment gone on for? Mm -hmm. um, the type of cancer I was diagnosed with at the very beginning and was chondrosarcoma which is another fancy word for saying uh, cancer in the tissue but my father he wasn't convinced about that diagnosis and so we flew here to the United States, to Florida. We found a wonderful hospital who, with the tissue sample, was able to determine that it was osteosarcoma, which means it's a, it's a cancer in the bones. 
And after I was given that diagnosis is when actually we start shifting and moving and knocking every single door, find the treatment and the surgery that I needed to remove that tumorous cancer from my left leg. So you mentioned uh, earlier on Dominican Republic. Is that where you were at the time before coming to St. Jude? Yeah, that's right. I grew up, I was born and grew up in the Dominican Republic until I, I came here to Memphis to receive the treatment at St. Jude. And with your family? Did your family go with you too? Yeah, yeah. So uh, my family, all my family grew up down there. Of course, I have family here in the Washington High. As like, well, good established Dominican family will have. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, my family, all my direct family all living there in the Dominican Republic. And when I got here to, to Memphis and you pay for the plane tickets for my mother, my caregiver, to stay with me throughout my treatment. Yeah, it's one of the things that whenever I hear these stories, the thing that blows me away so much is that St. Jude really does make it for the entire family to do what they can, to give housing, to give food, to make it that all you and your family have to do is focus on you getting better and being able to take a lot of the typical pressures of life away. It's part of what makes St. Jude so special, I think. It is indeed, because St. Jude calls it a holistic care of the, of the entire family not only treating the cancer, but treating the person as a whole. So they pay so much close attention to, to the entire patient and the entire family and the health of the family. Yep. And that's why the housing facilities that we have here at St. Jude allow people to, to stay up to four family members together in the house, because the last thing you want while going through such a catastrophic uh, disease is to separate the family. And so Sanju always tries to help the family and keep it together as much as possible. Where are you now in your journey with cancer, like jumping forward to right now? Well, after uh, being treated and going on remission and relapsing and going on remission, um, finally, um, well, I've been cancer-free for over six years now. So I'm a cancer survivor and... I won't forget the words of my doctor, my surgeon, who, who told me on the last relapse, it's been two years since the last time cancer was uh, found in your body. So I have no doubt that from now on, you will not have cancer again. And knock on wood, because it's been six years since he said that. And that's where I am today. I finished my degree in computer science at the University of Memphis. And I'm working now for Send You Racing Money. What brought you, I mean, it seems like an obvious question, but I'll ask it anyway. So what brought you into wanting to work for St. Jude? Um, well, there's two stories. One is I initially moved to the United States and I moved to New York and it was cold. So I decided to go <laughs> down to, to the South. Um, and so Memphis was an obvious choice. Um, but without a doubt, the, the main drive for me to come back to St. Jude is the atma- amazing atmosphere because you really grow as a family when you're there. You really know everybody. And of course, you always keep all the relationship with patients and staff, very professional. But there's no doubt of all the days and months and years that 
this staff gets to see the patient and the kids grow and the kids coming back and the her growing back and graduating from college, getting married, hitting milestone after milestone, you grow a bond. And for me, it was the best place that I could come here and work because at some point I was that kid didn't have money to pay for my treatment. And I wanted to be there for these other families around the world that don't have the money to pay for treatment, but they deserve to leave. They deserve to have hope. And I wanted to come and, and provide that. You know, it's like, it's, it's quite a far cry from being told there's nothing we can do for you, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Like that's, to be from there to here is, is quite an incredible, incredible jump. Um, how I don't know if you mentioned how long were you a patient at St. Jude for? How many years? Mm, I was a patient for uh, close to two years. The first right. time that I was treated was for uh, 13 months. Then the second time that I was treated was for about six, seven months. And then the third time that I was treated, it was for about two months. So it almost two years, but I celebrated four consecutive birthdays while being at St. Jude. So right. it was going in, going out, going back in. Uh, so St. Jude has been, I, I've been around St. Jude celebrating my birthday since I was 17. Yeah. So you were into your 20s. Yes. Still I'm 20. Being, you're still being treated, right? Yeah. I was in my 20s and still being treated. Mm-hmm. Which again, I think is like another important part of like, you were a patient. So mm-hmm you yeah. will keep going back again even though you may not be considered like a child at that point right that's right and the reason behind that is because the cancer for after being 20 the cancer that i have after my 20s is the same cancer that i had when i was 18 and so it's a continuation of the treatment that they were providing so you know we're here uh, right now trying to raise money and i'm, I'm sure that like donations are like a big part of your life, right? Because you work for St. Jude now, you know how important it is. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like how important is it to you personally and to like to the overall organization when you see people donating like they are for us now, what does that mean to you? Well, I'm going to put it in the words of my father. When we came to the United States and he saw the pouring of support that was coming from all over, he just sat down with tears in his eyes and said, I cannot thank the people, the American people enough for the donations that they provide to St. Jude to make it happen. And the people from all over the world. When I came to work at St. Jude, I'm seeing firsthand where these donations are coming from. And because I work creating this technology that helps facilitate these donations, I can see sometimes messages that come from people that say, I donate, this is, I'm not making much every month, but my donation goes there every single day. Um, Every single month I'll donate. And it makes a tremendous difference. Like I wouldn't be here if it weren't because of the generosity of the people that donate. I wouldn't be here today. And it's all because of donations. Send you wouldn't exist. The model that we have is so unique, so beautiful. It wouldn't exist. Even if the patients, if St. Jude is not in your community or the patients in your community are not at St. Jude, they're totally benefiting from the research that is done at St. Jude because everything that we do is shared freely. We don't wait to publicize it like in a paper. We don't wait to make money off of it. We just go publicize it and make it available. So every kid around the world 
the doctors can have access to that knowledge so they can provide the best to them. Yeah, it's an incredible hospital, but it's so much more than just a hospital. Mm -hmm. It's like an incredible research institution that people around the world benefit from greatly, which is yes. it makes what makes it so special. Yes, Miguel, thank you so much for taking this time to spend with me. I am so inspired by hearing your story. Um, and I'm sure many of our viewers will be too. And I hope they're inspired enough to donate. <laughs> yes. Yes, please do. If it is in the kindness of your heart uh, to donate to this great mission, uh, please do. And thank you, Mike, uh, for bringing me on and, uh, and for having me share my Wonderful story. Talk. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, uh, Mike, you're in the uh, balloon. It's filling up. Uh, do you know how many balloons do we have in bloom right now? I'm getting a... There's 330 balloons here. Oh. Uh, while I was getting in, there was a horrific explosion. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's going to happen again shortly. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, I can't see you very well right now, but I, I, mm. the understanding that something's happened to your face... Yes, I've, I've shaved the connectors out and uh, actually already cut myself shaving because it's been a while, so it's going well that's, over here. That's a strong look you got going on right now, my friend. I also think it's uneven. Ooh. I don't have anybody to check it, so it's just a, a real mess over here. But we uh the beard graphic up shortly. Beard graphic. Uh, beard graphic. There is more. Yes. There's more to come off. Uh-huh, there is. Absolutely. So at $250,000, actually here, pretty close. I think that is the, uh, the goatee. I think it's coming up. So uh, if you want to see my facial hair continue to be removed, that is stjude.org slash relay. Now, since you're we in the balloon, yes. $245,850.58 raised. Thank you to Mitchell, David, Cole, Tom, Kerry, Lynn, James. That's awesome. So many more. That's really cool. Uh, I think I should go over here and do some bouncy balls. What do you think? I would love to see some bouncy okay. balls right now. I'm going to start kicking. Okay. So I've uh, I got some bouncy balls here. Ooh, when, I, when, I kick, when I kick uh -huh. the balloons, I get to see the ground, and I see like the remains of the exploded balloons. Dead balloons? That's really, that doesn't look nice. that's really depressing. Uh, so we have some clear ones and some neon ones. Going to put them both in here, and uh, I've really got to catch up here. So let's do a big, a big handful here. Catch up. Oh, that one's gone. No, I was just about That's... to ask how many of you going to drop, and there we go. I didn't uh, a, a lot of them, probably. Uh, it's nine hundred bouncy balls are going to fill this thing up. So we're just going to get caught up here. Thankfully, I have to uh, tell you, Stephen, uh -huh. it was incredibly ungraceful for me to get in. The uh, bloom. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I missed that. No, I wish you didn't. No one on stream saw it, but uh, Adina is pressing very strongly that at some point I have to show what it is like for me to enter and exit the bloom. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think it, we need to fill it up more before I give people uh, a yeah. taste of that. Yeah, it's almost point. slapstick movie esque. Uh, uh, oh, there's another one. It's gone forever. Uh, yeah, I think there's a, there's a, a point in which you enter the balloon, 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 mm -hmm. balloon room, and you may not come back, and that would be a sad day for everybody. That's fine, but I'll be happy though. You know, I'll be surrounded by balloons. Look at all this beautiful color. Yeah, 
How can you go wrong with that? He, uh, he died in a room full of uh, colorful balloons. It's going to be great. The way he lived. <laughs> the way he lived. Uh, so, <laughs> Mike, what's, uh, what's up next on our schedule? Oh, Casey Liss, everyone's favorite uh, asterisk, is going to be joining us. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, so I think we're going to uh, roll a little video, and then you'll be joined by uh, the Internet's Casey. I don't know Casey's middle name. Casey middle name Liss. Yeah. It's a family name. I really, really look forward to, you know, playing video games with Zach. Carson is nice and kind and he loves video games and... We both really like video games. So I knew he'd be a friend from the moment I first saw him. I love him. It's a button sequence act you have to do. You got to do the left stick up twice and then press, what one was it? B and up at the same time. B and up at the same time. I call him sometimes when he's in his transplant and he would, you know, kept to memory when I'd have my amputation. We always like play with each other and we talk about the good things and encourage each other to do good at our appointments. And we make jokes. Yeah. <laughs> there was this one time when me and Zach were gonna go to the zoo, but I didn't feel good enough to be able to go. So we just played video games after when I was better. Mm-hmm. Third job. Good job. Pretty much get together and just play games and have fun and don't really think about the other stuff. I may ask if your appointments went well today or if you were feeling good, but... We focus on their friendship and just make that like our main goal and just don't worry about all the pain and stuff like that. I don't have to take pain medicine as much and they help distract me and... It's helped a lot. Cancer has come back a few times. Now it's gone again, so I'm going to go home soon. We're going to, you know, play online and FaceTime each other so we can talk and see each other, even from far away. Uh-oh, wrong button, wrong button. Oh. You're going to get defeated. Oh, man. I just want to say... At St. Jude is a great place, and they've given me my life back. All the treatments and surgeries and everything else. I think it's great at no matter what, people will always help us kids at St. Jude. Good game! Welcome back, everybody. So don't forget, go to stjude.org slash relay. Uh, I know that many of you have been going to stjude.org slash relay and have been blessed with many asterisks because of my friend, Mr. Casey Liss. Welcome to the podcast of Casey Liss. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Very good. I'm even better talking to you. Thank you so much for taking oh, time thank you. today to join us today. Yeah, it's the pleasure's all mine. Uh, you know, I, I got to say that 
I really didn't plan on the star being such a popular uh, portion of the name mm -hmm. when I was trying frantically to donate while you and I recorded analog. But here we are, and I'm just going to claim that it was deliberate and I meant for it the whole time. It's been happening constantly, so I would like <laughs> to thank the Asterisk Nation. Uh, which we'll yes, now call Casey List fans, the Asterisk Nation, uh, for their donations. Uh, so don't that's forget, right. if you want to donate, you can go to stjude.org slash relay, and that's where you can donate right now to help support the work of St. Jude. Casey List, I'm sure you're very excited to know, but as it stands right now, we're at 247528 $247, We are closing in on a cool quarter of a million in our attempt to get to 315,000. So thank you so much to everybody that has done that. Now, Casey, mm -hmm. I would like to talk to you today about the Apple Watch, if you would, okay, please. Uh, I am ready. Funny. Last year's podcast-a-thon, uh, we timed the podcast-a-thon to coincide with what we believed was going to be uh, iPhone time. And it was. Mm -hmm. And when we were initially planning this year's, we timed it to be what we thought could be iPhone time. as time moved on we were like oh no there's not going to be any iphone uh, but then apple blessed us uh, this week with an apple event so it gives us some stuff to talk about so i want to uh, i want to talk to you about the apple watch specifically and i think you are uh, someone that i know that that wears an apple watch a lot but has had uh, a, like a shaky past with it um, <laughs> in, uh, over the recent years uh, what is your usage like these days, typically for the Apple Watch? Yeah, um, for the Apple Watch, I have it on pretty much anytime I'm awake, and I really, really do like the device. I use it, well, I like to tell myself anyway that I use it ever more for exercise, tracking, and things of that nature. Uh, but it's just nice to have something that silently taps you on the wrist if you get a text message or if your dear friend Mike is sending you a DM on Slack or something like that. It's nice to have. I, you know, I haven't had a a portable device make a like an iPhone or a watch. It, none of them have beeped at me in what five six years since whenever I got my first Apple Watch, and I and I like it that way. I like it when it's all silent, and so I really do like the Apple Watch. Occasionally, it can pose some problems, but for the most part, I, I really like it. Now, uh, you mentioned about like Slack DMs and stuff like that. Do you are you like a uh, very frequent <laughs> notification manager on your Apple Watch? No, I cranked it to what I th I cranked it back to what I thought was a reasonable level. I don't know, two three years ago at least. And at that point, I feel like it became kind of stagnant. And so, yeah. as an example, I don't have general Slack notifications on, but I do have them on for like the couple of channels that we're in together that relate to analog. I have them on for DMs. Um, I have them on for, I think, one or two other channels just to pick on Slack particularly. And I feel like that's a nice, happy medium. Now, that's a super fiddly way to do it because you have to like go in preferably on the desktop in, in Slack and like say, yes, I want notifications for this and not for that and so on and so forth. Um, but I, I do think one can reach a happy medium. When you talk about how you used to use the, the Apple Watch and perhaps still do with it on Do Not Disturb, that that is a very surprising approach. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but that's very much not the way I use mine at all. I like to have those silent notifications on my wrist, even though you could probably make a good argument that I should crank them back even more still. Yeah, you see, I think one of the main reasons, though, that I don't do the notifications when I do wear is if you don't wear one every day, 
all of yeah. a sudden your wrist starting to buzz become <laughs> quite a distracting thing if you're not used sure. to that happening, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it, but it's the thing. Uh, I I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it being a basic activity tracker. Um, I'm fine with like just customizing the watch faces where I can, that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> where you can, your right. uh, yeah, exactly. I mean. WatchOS 7's brought some interesting options. I'm not sure how much I actually like them. Um, because, <laughs> well, because, okay, so I sat down today to look at the new typography face, right? So it's the one with the big numbers and the colors. What mm-hmm. I wanted to do was say, I want the background this color and the numbers sure. this color. And you can't do that. You could only pick from the pre-approved pairings that Apple has ordained upon you that you can set your watch to. <laughs> so it's like that right, right. frustration that I have. Uh, with the watch faces, but um, in the past, I know that you have had an issue with battery life. Mm-hmm. How has that been holding up with your uh, Series 5? Uh, it's been okay. Um, I tend to, because of my particular personal schedule, I tend to charge it, like top up the watch for about half an hour in the middle of the day, which I started doing just because it so happened that I would have an occasion to do it. Um, but now I think I've trained the battery to have that top up in the middle of the day. So on the occasions when I don't top it up in the middle of the day, what ends up happening is at like four in the afternoon, it'll start saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I've only got 10%. I've only got 10%. What do you do something? Fix it. Ah, ah. So what time is you starting from? Are you Uh, sleep tracking? No, but it's charged 100% at seven in the morning. And at seven in the morning, it goes on my wrist pretty much every single day because kids. And if I don't top it up in the middle of the day, it will get angry at about four in the afternoon. But the thing is, I'll instead of doing like the power reserve dance, I'll just be like, no, nah, you're fine. And then it'll go for like another two or three hours. So like I mm. said, I think I might have trained the battery poorly such that it thinks that it's dead, even though it isn't. And so one of the ways I'm in the midst of convincing myself to get a new watch is because I think perhaps starting over with a new battery would be helpful. It also doesn't help that this is the little guy. It's the uh, 40 millimeter, not the uh, not the big fancy uh, 44 or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. and and it's cellular. So it's a lot of ways for which the battery life could get real ugly real quick. Are you sticking with the small size? I think so. I have this little baby wrist. I have this little teeny. It actually doesn't look that bad on camera now, but I feel I like I have this little baby wrist. In, with this baby it's, wrist. It's, it's like, like you don't guy. have a small wrist. <laughs> I don't know. No, I just I feel don't like know what I, it is you think you've got going on over there. I don't know. I, I feel like I've ha- I, I have put a 44 on in the past and it just felt like it was just too darn big. And maybe if I were to try it again, you know, if I could go to the Apple store, <laughs> if I could go to the Apple store, maybe I would convince myself that a 44 wouldn't be so bad. But I don't know. I, I, I still feel you can be happy with having the smaller watch just because that's the watch you want. I don't think it's because you have a small wrist. Right. Well, in a perfect world, I'd rather have the big one because that way I would have better battery life and, and perhaps some of these woes would go away. All, all of the bands I bought when I was a 42 millimeter wearer, I could bring those back and use them again because I basically I didn't literally throw them out, but I had to figuratively throw them out when mm-hmm. I moved down a size. So there's a lot of reasons to go big again. Uh, but nevertheless, I feel like it's just overpowering on my wrist. And I don't know, maybe I'm kooky, but that's the way it feels. Well, have you ordered a new watch? 
I haven't. Uh, and so in typical Casey fashion, I'm, I'm very much waffling about everything. Awesome. Not the least of which is our mutual friend, uh, underscore David Smith has mm. sent a couple of pictures of that new blue one. I forget the actual Apple name mm. for it, like midnight blue or something like that. And it's just looks blue, isn't it? Really good. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, but <laughs> whatever it is, it's, uh, it's really, really nice looking. And I am a sucker for a blue device, you know, and I have this, um, I, my iPhone 11 is the, uh, I don't know how well that shows up, but it's the green one. And, yeah. and I really like this green. It's a very muted, not that strong green, which I dig. And if you'll permit me just a very quick tangent, I will always remember the first uh, podcast-a-thon because that was the time we had gone to like the state fair and I'd come back and was washing Aaron's car and I couldn't get my mm-hmm. AirPods to work. And I wanted to listen to what you guys were doing since I'd missed the first couple hours. And like a buffoon, I just cranked the speaker way up and stuck the phone in my back pocket. But, but my wife, Erin, she drives a very tall car and I went and I jumped up to get like the roof of the car. And all of a sudden I heard a crash behind me Mm. and it turned out that within the span of about 12 hours, I had shattered the back glass on my new phone and it's, it remained that way for a couple of months until I had the chance to fix it. So for many reasons, mostly that you guys did such an incredible job raising a bunch of money for a wonderful organization, stjude.org slash relay, ahem, ahem. Uh, but also because of me shattering my phone, I will always remember the first podcast-a-thon. Yeah, that was um, not like funny <laughs> ha-ha. Well, kind of a little bit, but like, <laughs> nah. you know, it was a funny turn of events. Uh, I have checked. Yep. It's just called Blue. Oh, is it really? Okay. It's called Blue Aluminium. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the color. It's just blue. Um, so you haven't ordered. You no. now are intrigued that Blue... Was that your Indeed. initial thought? You're thinking no. Series 6, though, right? Correct. Thinking Series 6. And I was going to stick with the uh, the silver, whatever the default is, because I had, for my Series 0, I had the Space Gray, Space Black, whatever they called it at the time, which I loved. But I felt like if I ever put any other kind of band with it other than black, it looked a little yeah. bit funky to my eye. And I'm a little worried with the blue that I'll suffer the same consequence, because I am not as the loud when it comes to the colors as you are. You you can add yeah. a lot to to the black and it's fine, um, right. but blue I think you are same with red very constrained now as to what will work and what won't work with that. I think right. Apple don't so actually have a lot of options there. Exactly, so that's why I'm thinking I'll probably go back to just well or continue with just silver, um, but we'll see what happens. I I am a sucker. I mean, like I said, I'm a, I was a sucker for this this midnight green or whatever it is, and that blue looks like a blue equivalent. And I prefer blue in a general sense. I prefer blue over green quite a bit. So I don't know if I'll be able to hold strong or not, but we'll see what happens. It's very possible they will have a blue iPhone. I mean, that's the rumor, and it it mm. makes sense now. But I wonder how how close the blues. That's what I wonder because yeah. the blue iPad is a completely different blue oh, yeah. to the blue Absolutely. Apple Watch. Absolutely. And now, of course, there's a brighter new black blue. color as well uh, because why not? Mm-hmm. You know, we'll call, was mm-hmm. it graphite, that one? I believe that's right. And I haven't looked closely at the pictures, but I read Gruber's review about it and he had very, yeah. very positive things to say. So Yeah, look, I have been quite busy today, so I've not had the chance Jeez, to read why? that. I couldn't say, but I was. I heard him talk about it on Dithering, and so I am looking forward to reading a review of a color. So that feels like a very <laughs> John Gruber thing that he can pull out a thousand word review on a color. But I am genuinely right. very excited to read that. Um, so you think in blue, maybe, maybe. Are you intrigued about those new loop bands, the solo loop bands? 
I am. I don't have the printout in front of me, I don't believe. I think I left it downstairs, but I've tried it a couple of times, and I think I'm a size seven, lucky number seven. Mm. Um, and and hearing hearing Gruber's review, it makes me wonder, like, should I flex to be a little bigger? Should I flex to be a little smaller? I have to reread it and re and and I've seen kind of renegotiate with myself. Tweet. I've seen videos too, and everyone seems to say like it's not easy to do this, but really what you want is the size you the size one size and, and the size up um and then mm-hmm. return the one you don't want which is not <laughs> great right but like it, yeah it, this is a peculiar product to have released um at, right now because you know i've mm-hmm. seen some people say like why don't apple just give a conversion chart like if you're on this point on a sport band yep. that would yep. equate but i don't think that that will do it still because that that how easy is it going to get on get off like this is a completely different type of product and I have felt this. I don't know if you found the same. Like different sport bands, they feel different anyway. They're different colors and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like there feels like there's chemical de- changes in them and it changes the rigidity of them and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know. I I, I understand. You know, this is the product that they've made. What are they going to do? But it feels like a weird time because this is very clearly a band you should be trying on way more <laughs> than any of the others. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I do think I am going to go for the sport loop though, because I have a handful of, you know, the, the, whatever the sport bands are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like why not try it? And yeah, cause you get the one, right. So you may as well just go for the new one. Right. Because you have a bunch that you can, you can try out otherwise if you want to. What are you thinking about the Apple watch SE, by the way, my, my kind of feeling on it. I don't know if you'd heard connected. Uh, I think it's too expensive for what it's supposed mm-hmm. to be, not what they've given, but what I think that product should be. I think it's for two seventy nine. I think that's too expensive. What do you think? I agree with you. I did hear connected, and it was very good as usual. Um, I think it is a little bit more expensive than I would like, but I I can understand it. I do think it is a pretty good balance for like the trade offs that they made. I think were reasonable to get rid of the always on display is unfortunate, but I can understand why they did it. Uh, to get rid of the EKG or ECG or whatever it's called and the uh, blood oxygen again, I can understand it. It makes sense. I do like it a lot in principle, especially for the purposes that they're very uh, strongly pitching them for. So for children, for um, older relatives, or just people who may not have an iPhone but would still like to have an Apple Watch. I think it is a good fit, but I do echo what you're saying, Mike, that I do think it is a little bit more expensive than I'd like to see. And certainly, even though I don't write any watch apps, as a developer, I know what it's like to have to deal with something that's very old and has a different screen size and everything else and to keep the series three around. I understand why they did it, but it's a real bummer because it would have made a lot of things for developers anyway, considerably easier if they had gotten rid of it. Yeah. It's like for $279, that is a fantastic Apple watch. Yep. But in the idea of like, this is the Apple watch SE it kind of feels like it should be the only other Apple Watch. And it, yeah. you know, I would have liked to have seen it get closer to 200. Because for that same reason, like, I do find it kind of peculiar to say, like, the watch that you're supposed to buy for a kid who doesn't have a phone, which I think is a <laughs> narrow age range, right? Which is yeah. pretty young. And that thing costs $280. Yep. I don't know, yeah. man. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm not a parent. Like Federico was making this point, and I agree with him. If I was a parent, like he was saying this, and I'm sure, and I agree. If I was a parent, yeah, I'd probably do it, right? Like because the peace of mind that you get. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would be more grumbly about it 
and do it. <laughs> then if it, if they yeah. were able to bring that to like two ten, I would be like, yeah, no problem. Like it's it's about two hundred dollars then. But two seventy nine, you're a stone slur from three hundred dollars at that point. Yep. Absolutely. It's, it's too, it's weird too. I've been thinking, so, you know, my eldest is not even six, but I've been thinking, you know, if he was 10 for the sake of discussion, would I be interested in getting something like this for him? And on the one side, as someone who really, really likes to have information, like, and that sounds, I don't know, kind of stalkery. I don't mean it that way, but like, I would like to know where he is during the day in the scenario where he could actually leave the house but be that as it may you know i'd like to know where he is i'd like to know if he's arrived safely where he was supposed to be and so on but on the flip side of the coin even though i was a pretty straight shooter like when i was in high school for example like part of being a kid is is getting one you know getting one across on your parents and getting away with stuff and i i I both like exactly half of me thinks yeah i want to do that for declan i want to have him in a position where I know where he is all the time and I don't have to worry on the flip side though, like part of being a parent, I think is worrying. And part of being a kid is absolutely making your parents worry. Like I did that to my parents and I was about as easy as they come. So I, I, I don't want to rob him of that either. So remind me of this in a few years when he's like still too young for it. And yet he still has one on his wrist, but sitting here now, I'm, I'm not sure what way, what way we would go. The idea of a kid being able to, pull one over on the parents is still going to exist because ultimately these yeah. children will understand the technology better than you. Yep. And I am sure that these products still have uh, airplane mode on them or something. Right? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, right, I don't right. know about, I haven't looked into it. Maybe there is a way to yeah. turn those kinds of features off, but like they could also just take off the watch, right? Like, like the kids <laughs> are going to work it out, right? Like if they, right. if they want to go run uh, down a street with their friends, like they're going to do that. But for the sure. peace of mind where in a more typical situation, it's better than none of it, right? Which is why, like, I do yep. think that this idea is a good idea from Apple. Agreed. And I hope they continue it. I'm sure they will. And in a couple of years' time, the, I think that the price, uh, the value proposition of the kids' watch will come down. Um, and it will, I think, will probably make a little bit more sense. Um, so, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask one last thing before I let you go today about the mm-hmm. SE line. So, but looking mm-hmm. at where it is now, I know that you are a budget conscious individual, right? I know that you love <laughs> to save money where you can because you're responsible like that, unlike me. Something what like that. Mm-hmm. The SE line need to have from the series line as a base for you to consider that over the series seven, say, what would Apple need to add? to the Apple Watch SE 2 to make you think of that one rather than the next series one? That's a really good question. I think, especially having had a Series 5 now, I think an always-on display is table table stakes. Now, it's kind of funny that in the one breath, I'm complaining and moaning about the battery life of my Series 5 and then saying I can't live without uh, the the always-on screen. But... I'm hoping that if and when I pull, if and when I go ahead and get a Series Six, that the, that the battery life will be a lot better. Not the least of which because it would be a new battery, but also you know the S Six is supposed to be considerably more efficient, and because of all that, I think the always-on display will be even 
even more reliable, uh, for lack of a better word. And I think for an SE2, I would absolutely want to see the always on display. Like I, I can understand the ECG not being there. I can understand the pulse oximetry not being there. But I absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, must at this point have an always on display because I've been happily ruined by it. Um, and additionally, I think having cellular, I don't use the cellular features on my watch that often, but just earlier today, I went for a run with just my AirPods and watch. And it is such a refreshing thing not to have to carry your phone or stick it in a pocket. And this is, you know, the first worldiest of first world problems. But nevertheless, it's very nice. And that's kind of why these products exist is to, mm. is to delight us in these silly ways. And so I think the cellular, which it does have and always on display, which it doesn't have is are what I would consider the bare minimum. Yeah, because I guess for you to to do what you want on an Apple Watch, that's the most important. I would like to see yeah. the SC2 personally get uh, at least an ECG function or something like they they should be adding in more of the health sensors purely because Apple talks so this is kind of interesting to me actually Apple talks so strongly and positions so much of their marketing around the Apple Watch saved my life basically yeah um, and so yeah. I'm not sure if the Apple Watch SE right now is the product you would buy for your parent right you would want them mm, to that's have a good point. all of the sensors that this one mm -hmm. currently does not have. Um, I mean, I know it's got it's got uh, some of the heart stuff, but, you know, I know I would want if I was buying one of these for my mom because I want to make sure that my mom is doing good. I would want her to have all the senses possible. Right. So, you know, and, and they, they definitely I, th I think Apple's aware of that, I think, which is why the marketing for the family stuff, while they say you can buy it for anyone, they really have been focusing very clearly on children. Um, for the, yeah. the marketing campaign. Casey Liss, we have hit two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Well, nice. The time that you've been I didn't even me. see. That's excellent. Uh, the, everyone, again, it's, it's the, the Asterisk Nation. They're, they're back here for you. We're at 250,800. Oh, $251,093. $393.77. That money just keeps ticking on up there. Stjude.org slash relay. Casey, I want to thank you um, so much for the, the, not just for being here, but for how, um, passionately you talk about the campaigns uh, on ATP. It, it really means a lot to me and Stephen um, that all of you uh, promote the campaign to the level that you do, you, John and Marco. But you know, I would just like to extend a, a special thank you to you because you really do drive that on the show and, and do such a great job um, of, of getting the Asterisk Nation to, to come out and, <laughs> and support you. I think we should change the A in, in uh, ATP to Asterisk, but we can we can yeah that that's what it is the asterisk tech podcast uh yeah no it, it is the it is absolutely our pleasure it's the least we can do uh for the incredible incredible and selfless work that that saint jude does and you know i'd, I'd been aware of saint jude before i had met you and, and especially Stephen, but i did not realize how incredibly amazing and special an organization it is until i got to know it through you guys through these podcast-a-thons which you've done such an incredible job with and so if 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 it takes a few minutes out of my silly little, you know, nerd show to to push a few dollars to St. Jude, that's the least we can do. And so, yes, please, everyone who is listening, if you haven't yet, stjude.org slash relay. It would mean a lot to, to everyone that's been on the program and everyone coming on the program. Uh, now is a great time to do it. And if you want to troll me and throw some asterisks or ampersands in there, the more the merrier. I'm all for it. I don't even think it's trolling at this point. I think people are just <laughs> united with you. Casey, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Thank you very much, guys. We'll see you soon. 
I think we're going to be joined by a very different looking Stephen Hackett here in just a second because uh, <laughs> we're going to we're going to do some donation updates. I've been told by our wonderful producers, our eyes in the sky, that uh, I need to have some bean boozled uh, back in my life again. So that's that's going to happen, I guess, while I'm waiting for for Goatee Hackett to come back. I can spin the wheel. Hi, Stephen. Past that, so I'm going to go do it in the next break. But uh, go- what are we up to now? Where we're at two fifty, so I, I got to go down to the goatee. I have, I'm getting ready to go do that. Can't believe that we need to. I don't know what are we going to do. We have to shave off your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Mary would think about that? I think she would make me sleep at the studio. <laughs> All right, should I spin the? Should I spin the wheel? Let's do it. What'd you get? Birthday cake or dirty dishwater? Oh, I have a lot of questions about how these are engineered. Like, did someone have to figure out how to make it? You ready? All right. Pretty good. Oh, I'm going to have a couple God. more. I guess you got birthday cake. Wait, that's not what you got, is it? Are you okay? Hey, ma'am. You look oh. a little, a little ill. <laughs> I want to take another one in the hopes that I will. Yeah, wash it. You got to wash it down. Keep going. Oh my God. Okay. What's up? What'd you get? Toasted marshmallow or stink bug? All right. Let's um, let's do it. You ready? Yep. Yes. Put that in a smoothie. Toasted marshmallow. Mm-hmm. It's good. Which is my legitimate favorite flavor of jelly beans. Is it? So I'm going to quit I... one on my head for the time being. We'll come back. Wow. In the evening. Okay. What I also have here, by the way, is warheads. Oh, nice. So why don't, you, uh, can... why don't you do one of those? Okay. And uh, we'll do a quick ballroom update, and then we'll move on to our next segment. How about that? All right. Uh, and while Mike is doing that, I'll let you guys know we have uh, made it to the milestone of the finger monster typing test. So if you look on my desk here, I got some of these. You know, the little uh, finger monster uh, little little people. This one is bright green, which is very exciting. There we go. Coming in. Look at I, that. I can't get it out of the package. Steve. That's fine. So we're going to do these. Uh, sometime next week, we are going to do a typing test wearing these on our fingers. So we're going to do, I guess we'll do it before and after and compare our times. So keep an eye out for that. We'll announce it on Twitter when that will be. I'm going to put him back over here now. Yeah, I don't think the war is happening, my friend. It like it can't open it? Out the, it won't come out. Look, it, it's open. You, huh. but it won't, I can't get it out. Like The packaging is stuck to the candy. Do you need Adina to help you? Maybe. Maybe. I'm just going to get rid of that one. And try okay, one. why don't you try again, and I'm going to put uh, some more bouncy balls in real quick before we go to our next segment. What is our next segment today? Uh, up next, we have a uh, another stop on our virtual tour. And then in a little while, we're going to be joined by uh, David Sparks to talk about some shortcut stuff. Yeah, these, these, uh, these warheads are completely melted. Are they good? You think I could throw these and get them in the... That's probably a bad idea, right? That's, that's not going to happen. That, is, that opening is way too small. Yeah. 
Uh, I've put the bucket up here because I was tired of bending over. Uh, I'm going to put these in here. See how high I can get what get it in. Oh, no. It's gone forever. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get a bunch in. I'm sure, like, the safety people here, like, why are there toys all over our floor? Oh, no. Such did a gross get, taste in my mouth still. Did you get any candy open, or are you still uh, struggling they, with that? They are all literally melted to the packaging. It's, you, I can't get the packaging off the candy. It's the spiciness of the warhead, right? Like, melted the I plastic, so. I guess? Used it. Used it. All right. So, uh, I'm super excited to show more of the virtual tour. Uh, to share with you all some more about uh, Enrique and his family's story, as well as our own. And uh, after that, we'll be back with some more update stuff. And then uh, David Sparks here in a little while. How does that sound? Yeah, I'll be in the balloon. So if you haven't seen me in the balloon room yet, once we come back from this video, I'll be there. And then we'll, uh, I'll let you and David uh, do a mini Mac Power users. Sounds good to me. Hey, Stephen, welcome back. So here we are at the registration desk by Triage. Uh, and like I said, before we get into the rest of the tour, this is just kind of where um, the day starts out for all the families. This is just kind of what kicks off everything. You get your schedule, you go into assessment triage, glad your, get your blood draws and figure out what your day is going to look like that day. Um, and then you start heading into your clinics and into your uh, what would be a typical waiting area um, at another hospital, right? They have the best treasure chest in triage. <laughs> They do. Ariana used to love uh, digging, right. digging for toys in that treasure chest. Um, so here we are in the C clinic. Uh, you know, and the C clinic is, you know, all the clinics are broken up by um, by diagnosis or by specialty treatment, if you will. So we have our A clinic, which is your leukemias, and then you have B clinic, which is your bone marrow transplant. C clinic, where we're standing right now, is your uh, specialty clinics. So again, thinking about everything that St. Jude thinks about um, and how they think of everything when you're going through treatment, C-Clinic is your specialty clinic, cl clinic where you have an ophthalmologist, you have a dentist, uh, you know, we have some teenage female patients, so you patient here, you have your pain management here, and your koala team is here, uh, your quality of life care. Um, so... You know, Ariana used to have a couple appointments here and there. We have a friend that is a dentist, and uh, he wouldn't ever, he would always talk about how he would never look at Ariana's teeth if, uh, if given that opportunity, just because he knew that she had side effects that he maybe had never dealt with before with her being on uh, chemotherapy and things like that. So right. St. Jude ensures that we have a dentist here on staff to make sure that they know what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and like I said, when we were outside, like, just look at this room for a second, like, really look at it. Every, almost every corner of St. Jude where patients spend time looks like this. It's bright, it's painted, a lot of, the, a lot of these paintings by local artists. Mm -hmm. It is such a fun place to be. I mean, if this clinic lobby were busy right now, there'd be kids playing together, very often a volunteer doing arts and crafts with people. Uh, there's some arcade computers back there, which uh, I know that Josiah was always a fan is always a fan of when we're uh, near C clinic. He wants to go play a game, so it's it's a fun place to be. It's not your typical waiting room. Yeah, on the other side of where this little house is on the table, that's all toys, and I mm -hmm. mean you've got a plethora of things to do. Those cabinets host uh, hold all the art supplies. 
There's mm -hmm. a kitchen there. And, uh, you know, this, this room, which I learned recently, uh, was, you know, it says it up there up front that it was donated by uh, Katie Couric. Uh, but, you know, if you're standing in here, it's supposed to mimic like you're standing in the middle of Central Park. Uh, where you're surrounded by the buildings and, uh, you know, that's because uh, Katie Kirk's on the Today Show out of New York City. Uh, so that's just kind of what they're trying to bring to the patient mm -hmm. families while they're here. Yep. Even got clouds going by in the ceiling as if you're looking up in the sky. Yeah. And then, you know, on the other side of the arcades that you pointed out over there uh, is where our H clinic is. Um, you know, an H clinic actually stands for hematology clinic. So that's uh, where your blood disorders uh, are treated. Uh, so one of the one of the main things that uh, St. Jude also treats that a lot of people don't know is sickle cell. Uh, sickle cell mm -hmm. is uh, actually what sickle cell um, was one of the first grants that we actually got uh, to treat sickle cell um, here at St. Jude. So it's some it's a program that we're very proud of. Uh, you know, in the 80s, we were the first hospital to cure sickle cell. Uh, which actually, uh, just like in, in any medical world, happened by accident as they were treating the patient for leukemia and did a transplant and found out that they, they cured her sickle cell, uh, which was something that uh, was not expected uh, to happen. Uh, so wow. you know, here we are standing in, in the H clinic area and right here off to the right, which you can't see is uh, the, the chapel. Uh, there's two chapels on campus. Uh, but typically if you tell St. Jude family, like if I were to tell you Mary, today, hey, meet me at the chapel, she would come to this chapel. This is the, our, yep. what's, in fact, the working chapel where you would meet uh, the, the four, four or five chaplains that we have on staff. So one of the things that St. Jude does is that our, our goal is to keep the, the patients outpatient and let them be kids. We don't like keeping kids inpatient unless they absolutely have to be yeah. here for like a bone marrow transplant or if they're sick. And one of the ways that we can manage that is through the medicine room. So if you have an appointment uh, you need chemo for the day for an hour or two, you would just come and sit in one of these chairs that are right here. Or if you see those rooms with numbers, those are quick little rooms with beds and TVs uh, that kind of mimic an inpatient stay, but it's a quick, uh, you know, hourly stay, if you will. You would come in for a couple hours, get your chemo or get your transplant, and then you'd be right back on your way home. If you're a local family like the, the Hackett's are, or you know, you would go right back to your housing facility, which would be, you know, Tri-Delta, Ronald McDonald, or um, the Target House. It also acts as our ER. Um, I've had to yes. use it as the ER <laughs> on one occasion for things that I have done um, to Anna. Um, but... I don't think we're going to mention our, our mistakes Oh, oh yeah, I, I was not. <laughs> 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 you know, they do have people who save them when you have not done your job properly. Um, but this is active, this acts as their our ER. And I just, I love that. I always knew, you know, I could call ahead. We're on our way there. This is, you know, this happened. And there was always familiar faces. It wasn't like going to a normal ER or a regular ER where you didn't know who was working there or you didn't, you know, you didn't know anyone in there. These are all of our same doctors, our same nurses. Um, and so that was really comforting. Yeah. One thing that is, that is really neat about the way St. Jude works is those clinics in the medicine room really work together. And so we spent our time in e-clinic uh, with uh, our brain tumor kids and being able to go from the 
clinic environment, seeing our oncologists, you know, seeing the nurse practitioners, people we normally saw. And if we needed the medicine room after hours or on the weekend or something, there was lots of communication back and forth. Very often our doctor would be in the medicine room uh, to see us. And so it's a very fluid environment as, as things change and as needs change, then we can, uh, we can know confidently that everyone's on the same page. And that's something that is really great not to have to worry about when you walk in the hospital uh, and you have something, you already have something on your mind, knowing that the team that you see in the clinic and the team you see in the medicine room are, are so well synced to something really special. Yeah. And, you know, um, Leticia, you mentioned how well they know our kids. Like, I know, I don't know her name, but I know that that nurse who's pictured taking care of this little baby, she took care of Josiah. I, I remember her face. I remember her haircut. Absolutely. And I know we sat in that chair. And um, unfortunately, whenever we got chemo, we did have to be inpatient for Josiah to get those drugs. But um, we would come to the med room to receive blood, trans not blood, trans blood transfusion. There we go to get um, platelets and whole blood transfused because um, just as a side effect of chemo. And we sat in that very chair. One of the things with, you know, chemo being delivered here in the, in the medicine room, one of the things that does happen a lot because kids are receiving chemo here and not all patients are inpatient when they get their chemo is a no more chemo party, which we actually have footage of. So here we have a no more chemo party, uh, which is, you know, the finish line for a lot of families uh, once they finish co complete treatment. Um, you know, so what you're looking forward for to the whole time. Yep. That's their whole medical team, nurses or doctors who've walked the whole thing with them. And we even got a little sign for you. Yeah. So you can read, Mama. I know too many people. Not even close. All right, be shy. One, there we go. Two, three. Our patients have the cutest SMILEs. Our patients have the sweetest. H-E-A-R-T's, oh, we love to see you every day, but now's the time we get to say, pack up your bags, get out the door, you don't get chemo anymore. <laughs> So looking at that footage, I mean, you can see the overwhelming sense of joy on the, on the mom's face, um, you know, to know that her two-year-old son, Miguelito there, uh, his name's Mikey. Uh, I've had the privilege of working with that family a couple of times. And, you know, just to see her, the smile on her face and the sense of relief of knowing that her son's done with treatment. Um, what, what did that feel like for you guys, uh, Stephen and Mary? Does that bring back memories to y'all? It does. I remember the shirt he was wearing when they came into our room inpatient in this little, like, little button-up Hawaiian man shirt. <laughs> he was just so fluffy as a baby. And he got, he was terrified. He did not enjoy his Nemo chemo party, but we did. We did. It meant a lot to us. Uh, we, I was so extra, of course. And <laughs> everyone dressed like a princess. And I made, we made like um, Rice Krispie tiaras and magic wands and like all of these things. Everyone wore crowns. It was one of the <laughs> happiest moments. Um, just to know that we made it, we did it. Mm -hmm. So with that, I'll uh, kick it back over to Stephen, and uh, as he carries on on this podcastathon. There, Mike. I'm in bloom, my friend, and you're in here with me. Well, I mean, it feels like it. Let's uh, let's see yeah. a little dance or something. Wow, I'm genuinely jealous that I can't play in that. Look at that, right?
That's really good. The camera's inside now. We have 400 and... Do you know 400 and what? 405 balloons. Wow. Air in bloom with me. <laughs> That's really awesome, man. It looks so good. But you know uh, what so, that means, though, Stephen? The reason we have all these balloons is because we've had so many incredible donations from the Relay FM community just during the podcast-a-thon this evening. What are we at right now? Uh, we are currently at $255,000 raised oh, for St. Jude. So we have crossed a quarter of a million dollars this year, which is simply amazing. You all have been absolutely behind this 100%, and it's been really cool to watch this come in today. Um, How's your face? It's good. I just have a goatee, so I'm like the evil version of me. Take a look. Can't have a look. So kind of an evil version, Ooh. you know? Ooh, that's uh, pretty strong, I right? I like that. Uh, you don't yeah, like it? Actually, yeah, sure. You look great. No, 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 no. You look great. <laughs> you look great. Uh, you look great. I will. I will say there's more gray in it than there was at last year's podcastathon. That's very upsetting, but it is what it is. You know, it's uh, 2020. So uh, let's maybe update people a little bit on kind of where we are as far as our goals and milestones. So I'm, I'm down to a goatee. Uh, the mm-hmm. next step would be, well, I think we're calling the biker stash, or basically this part goes away. And it's just it like a really, day. yeah, it's really upsetting. Uh, so that is coming up uh, at 270000 um, We've increased the bean boozled amount as well because like... I'm sorry, we're getting too many donations. So we've raised it to a thousand dollars now. So I still have some to go. Don't worry. So there's still a few in the bank. I'm going to eat them at some point in the not too distant future. You're chickening out on this. I think I'm just going to have a handful now. It's going to have like six or seven. I'm sick of this. All right. This is it now. Steven's eating blueberries, right? I'm eating these bean blueberries because Steven played the card of I have allergies. So Sorry. I had to eat all the disgusting uh, jelly beans. Mm-hmm. He's eating blueberries over there. So, They're fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure. So I will continue to eat those horrifically gross <laughs> jelly beans. Yeah. So I tell a little story. So in between the break, okay. I thought I'd go over and, and say to Adina, she's doing a fantastic job. She's in charge of everything. She's running the social media for Relay FM right now. So I thought I would approach her and give her a little kiss. And she just looked at me a second, and she was like, it's okay. Because she was waiting to see smell like how dog bad food. did I smell, because the dog food apparently filled the studio. So, mm. you know, I just want everyone to know, these are the sacrifices that I am making for your donations. Yeah, that's really awesome. Uh, it's been really exciting to show the virtual tour. Uh, that came about uh, at Allsack as a way to bring people into St. Jude, into the hospital, and it's it's a nice example of like all the technical like people here. You know, we think about doctors and nurses, but on, sort of on this side of things, there's lots of people uh, here helping me today, helping us put this together. But there's designers and, and artists and all these people at St. Jude, developers who put all this content together. And the VR tour is a really cool example of that, where we could talk and go around to different rooms and and show different things. Uh, which is uh, really pretty neat. And hopefully you're getting a little bit of a taste of what it's like here. And that is really what it's like. If I walked over there now, those lobbies and everything look just like that. It really is a colorful, exciting, happy place to be. You know, you think about a hospital yeah. waiting room, it's not like the best image that comes to mind. St. Jude has totally shattered that. And now 
if I'm like at a regular doctor's office or someplace, I'm like, why, why are these walls so boring? Like, where, where's the painting? Where are the toys? You know, where are the giant mirrors? Because St. Jude has a lot of that here for the kids. Yeah, I've had the pleasure of um, actually having a couple of tours at St. Jude now and completely agree with everything that you're saying and hopefully everything that uh, the Relay FM community is seeing right now and the, these wonderful videos that you put together. It really does not look like what you would expect. I have mm-hmm. seen so much of St. Jude and none of it looks like a typical hospital. And that yeah. also actually comes down to the people there, right? Like th- there is uh, a level of encouragement and warmth that you find in everybody mm-hmm. on the St. Jude campus uh, that kind of defies the belief that you have when you when you think about what should uh, a hospital that deals with childhood cancer be like. But there yeah. is an encouragement, a warmth, and an optimism in the people inside yeah. that building. Um, so I've got a couple of names to shout out here as they go by. Uh, big thanks mm-hmm. to Brad and Florian and Tyler. Uh, Matt Moose. I think we have a Moose donating. That's very exciting. Well, that's, um, that's, very in- that's very impressive. Yeah. How do moose type? Like, don't they have, um, they don't have claws. Hooves? What is it called? Hooves. Yes, thank you. Uh, they they have hooves. Claws. They uh, just use Mike, the antlers, right? Yeah. And they just mm-hmm. headbutt. Uh, Mike, we have a little challenge for you. Okay. Uh, we have some city names. Uh, that they're okay. in our, our secret chat here that we would like you okay. to pronounce. I need a device, which has been handed to me by my wonderful production team here. Uh, all right, so where are we looking here? Okay, so some cities. Uh, yes. All right, so some of these I do know, I think. Okay. Well, actually, no. As the first one, I thought I knew it, but now I'm not sure. Is it Spokane? <laughs> I think it's Spokane. Spokane. Why am I asking you? I don't know. <laughs> You're no use. Uh, Laurel. All right, so yeah. the next one. Okay, so the next one is the word antelope, but I know it's not that easy. I bet it's like antelope or something. I think it's probably just antelope. You don't know, do you? Um, There's Jurapa Valley, Hagerstown, or Hmm. Issaquah? Issaquah? Yeah. Is that it? Definitely. Again, you don't know. Uh, I want you to read the UK names that are in this list, please. Okay. Uh, There's uh, Hempstead. No, no, just two words. Oh, oh, the other one in there? Okay. Uh, Hemel Hempstead. Close. Hemel. Hemel. Hemel Hemel Hempstead. I made yeah. it fancier. See, I make you this did. error when talking about things in your country. I make them fancier because in my mind, Great Britain's a very fancy place. Sure. Uh, St. Joseph, pretty easy. That's easy. Um, uh, Slough. Oh, you did it. Yeah, that was very impressive, actually. You know how I know that? How do you know that? The street that Dunder Mifflin is on in the office is Slough yep. Street named after as an honor of the British office? So that's how I know that. Because that's shot in Slough. Yeah, I, I did wonder if you were going to get that. I actually didn't know that it was Slough Street, but yep. I figured that being an office fan like yourself, that's that right. Slough would come up. Have you seen the British office? Yeah, I really like it. It's good. Hmm. Okay, really good. I don't. Like so, um, so you're in the the balloon. Is it getting staticky in there? Is it hot in there? Give us a sense. Put us in your shoes, Mike. It is weirdly hot. Like, it's really warm in here. And Maybe I some don't blueberries would help. You want some blueberries? Yeah, just send them over. Uh, okay. It's not staticky. Like, nothing's sticking to me. That's I don't know why. Uh, well, not yet. I'm sure, you know, there's still time. But mm-hmm. it is, it is kind of warm in here. I mean, it might be that it's like an enclosed structure. Right. I don't know. Sure. 
I don't know why balloons filled with air would make things more warm. Maybe it's just a lot of mass in a space, but we have some nerds in the audience, I'm sure, who can explain to me why uh, it mm -hmm. would be warm. But uh, yeah, it's warm, and I'm giving you a taste here. Um, it's good. So you can get, get an idea for yourself. Yeah, maybe give us a little bit of a uh, an audio experience. We're a, a podcasting company. Maybe uh, dip can we that just stick the microphone in there. In there? Yeah, <laughs> okay. let's, let's hear the balloons. How was that? Good. Oh, I feel like I'm there. That's what it's like for me right now. That's so nice. I have this wild cable that I can't see that I'm sure at some point is going to trip me up quite badly. <laughs> but so far... We've gone through. So I wanted to say continue to give at stjude.org slash relay. This thing is filling up, but as I say, I want to, to be around my waist by the end of the evening. Surely that's possible. 400 balloons are filling bloom right now. Uh, we're going to inflate some more because uh, I believe that uh, you, you're going to be talking to David Sparks next. So right. me and Adina right. are going to go away. We're going to fill some balloons. I think I'm going to bring some big ones as well as some of the small ones. I don't know if you can see, Stephen, but some of them are very large. Yes. Oh, yes. Give me a big one. See that? Oh, look at that. It's a nice it's eastery a green. Just for yeah. you. Oh, golly. It came right <laughs> up. If there was delay in the stream, that looked really silly. There was, was, there was a bit of delay. There was. Hey, we'll just go with it. So, uh, so we're going to let you go, Mike. Yep. And um, I'm going to be joined by my co-host on Mac Power Users, Mr. David Sparks. And I think he has a little presentation for us. Cool. All right. So we're going to, we'll get David in here and we'll, uh, we'll do this. So we've got, uh, we're coming up on 258,000, which is really awesome. Uh, we're inching towards more facial hair coming off of me, which is just, um, where I am in my life now. I'm just a guy who loses his facial hair on the internet. So, um, yeah, so we'll be joined by David, and uh, he has put a presentation together for us because that's what David Sparks does. When you ask him, hey, just, just come by and chat, and he said, that's fine. Here's a keynote file that is 300 megabytes. And so we're going to play that as well. Um, and while, while we wait for David, maybe I'll, I'll read out some more names here. Uh, we've got Joshua. Uh, the B and Loom asterisk. Thank you very much for your donation. I don't know if that's your given name, but I'm not here to judge. Um, Grant, thank you so much. Eric, Alan, Parker, a premier upgrading. That's very fancy. Uh, the Culver family, thank you all so much. It means the world trust that you're on board with this great mission. You know, St. Jude is a, a hospital. It's here. So we're in my hometown. Like I, I was born and grew up 20 minutes from here. I live 15 minutes from here. Um, it's always been in my backyard and, and it's really cool. And it's honestly, it's sort of very convenient if you need it as a patient family. But what's really neat about St. Jude is the research and the, the treatments that they come up with, that they put into the world. They do just that. They share them around the world. And so there are children far beyond Memphis, far beyond America who have had their lives saved because of the work of the men and women here at St. Jude. Uh, as you walk into the building that we're in now, kind of that direction, uh, there are two um, two buildings. One is a research tower that Mike and I got to visit last year, and then a new one. And it's still not enough room for all these scientists, all these labs doing all of this work. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we go on.
But I got to tell you, like talking to someone who is working on genetics or working on different types of treatment, uh, you realize very quickly how little you know as an individual and how smart these people are. And that's what makes St. Jude so successful, that the best minds in these fields are here in Memphis working on this. And as someone who grew up here, I sort of understood that, but definitely not something that I really understood deeply. And now uh, through our experience with our son, uh, we've been able to see the fruits of that. And, you know, it's, it's amazing because these people are heroes, right? People who are working in labs, people who are working with really fancy equipment with lasers and microscopes, all this stuff. To me, they are heroes. And uh, every one of them that I've met, I think all of them would argue with me that they're not, but uh, they 100% are because, again, these treatments get shared. They're helping kids who come to Memphis, uh, but they're also helping people uh, all around the world. Uh, One part of that, though, is like the travel component. So if you are a St. Jude patient and you you don't live in Memphis, and we were fortunate that we were just down the street, but St. Jude takes care of travel. So if you live far away and you've got to fly into Memphis, which by the way is not an easy thing to do because the airport is really small and not very useful. It is amazing. St. Jude brings people in and out of Memphis. Uh, There is housing available for those families. Um, And it's it's you're uh, it's amazing housing too. You're not like you're not split up. You're not in some like dormitory for sick people. Like you're set up with a really nice space. Again, St. Jude wants parents and family members to be able to focus on their patient, focus on their kid, focus on their family. And one way they do that is to take away those other burdens. And uh, one of my favorite things, and I've told this story before, is being in the Memphis airport and. Um, I have a St. Jude pin on my backpack. And it's amazing how many times I'm stopped, not just in Memphis, but in other airports as well, of people asking me about it and sharing their stories and how often it is that someone is coming here for a scan or for treatment or going home after treatment or going home after a checkup. And this all this back and forth is just taken care of for them. That is a, a gracious gift on the part of St. Jude. And I think it's something that is really unique. You know, if you think about, oh, I'm going to go to this hospital in a faraway city that I've never, never seen. I got to figure out how to get there. I got to figure out where to stay. St. Jude just takes care of that for them. I remember when we were uh, sort of entering St. Jude back in uh, the spring of 2009 with our son, uh, we were at another hospital here in town, another great institution and it's like, okay, this is malignant. You're going to be a St. Jude patient. And we were like running around trying to figure out like what paperwork do we need to do? How do we get our information over to them? And we got a call from our coordinator saying, look, it's all taken care of, guys. Like, stop worrying. Stop freaking out. Stop, stop trying to do paperwork. And this is well where we will meet you. We will walk you through the process this from the very beginning, uh, even as a local family, was something that was really important to us because we knew immediately that we were in good hands. And that's only possible. All that stuff is super expensive, right? Research and travel and housing, all this stuff, really expensive. And St. Jude's doors are open because of people like y'all donating. And so if you, if you haven't donated yet, I would encourage you to do so at stjude.org slash relay. 
Uh, that money goes to all of these great things I'm talking about and so much more. So, I could talk all day about the St. Jude campus and the life of being a St. Jude family, but it is really amazing to be a part of it. Um, and I think we've got uh, David with us. Um, and so we're going to get a little nerdy with uh, my friend, David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's going yeah, great, huh? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I have a goatee, uh, which is uncomfortable. But um, I think this happened to you last year. I think last year you were on and I had an awkward facial hair situation. So Yeah, I, I really don't like the look, to be honest with you. In fact, I think I'm going to have to write a check as soon as we get out. Well, how much do I have to pay to get rid of the rest of that? Well, so uh, 270000 makes it worse. It makes it like a biker mustache. Uh, and then yeah. we'll go through a mustache and then people can donate uh, and vote to if I keep the mustache or not. I like the mustache. Uh- not everyone in my life does. I won't say who. Yeah. Maybe yeah. my children and wife. <laughs> I think I have a feeling. I think I have a feeling. All right. So um, so thank you for joining us. For people, I don't know how. I mean, you're a legend among legends. Uh, the co-host of Mac Power Users, co-host of Focus. You've been writing Max Sparky for know how long, a long time. Um, I told the story before, but you and I met. Uh, at Macworld, probably 2010. It was still in San Francisco right before the end. And we had an ice cream date and just hit it off. And we've been good friends ever since. So I'm honored that you would join me today. I really am. My pleasure, man. And I'm super excited to be part of this because I believe so much in St. Jude and what you guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, so do... Um, what are your thoughts? Apple had an event. We talked to Casey about the Apple Watch, but automation is a big thing for you, and there's been a lot of movement there. Uh, kind of what are your thoughts coming out of this event with Watch OS 7 and iOS 14? Well, I mean, I think Apple is iterating, and that's good, right? Every year it gets a little better, and uh, I like that the hardware keeps adding features. And every year it's not necessarily enough features to make you want to buy a new one every year, although nerds like us are always tempted. Mm-hmm. Uh it adds up. And like, I have a friend that's moving from an Apple watch series three to the new one. And she is super pumped about all the new sensors she's going to get. And it's really great. Um, One of the things I think people should really look into is the involvement with shortcuts and the watch now, because you can automate it. And one of the cool things I've been doing that I think uh, a lot of people may want to try is automating your watch face. You can do that now. Cool. So when we talked about, you coming on and talking about this, uh, you pulled a real classic Sparky move. And you're like, I'll come and talk, but here's, I put a keynote file in our shared Dropbox folder. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're going to have, uh, we're going to have the control room uh, bring that up. And uh, we're all going to learn a little bit from the master, I think. Okay. Well, hey, you know, we, if we're going to talk tech, I'm going to bring a keynote. That's just the way it rolls, brother. Yeah. So, uh, so this is talking about scheduled faces, uh, which is a new feature. Uh, so walk us through this a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, we've not had the ability to control automatically what happens with your watch face. And I think it really helps with a unique problem. So if we can just go to the next slide, let me show you. And you know what? There's a delay. So I'm just going to talk. And this is, I'm going to be talking ahead of my slide. So this okay. is a power move, guys. Uh, we all wear <laughs> You know, I wear a lot of hats. I'm Max Sparky. I'm also a lawyer, but I'm also a dad. And I have this family thing I do. And um, so there's different times of the day that I try and do these things at. Like I try to be Max Sparky in the morning. 
try to be the lawyer at lunchtime. I try to be the dad, you know, after dinner. And I got thinking, what if my watch could help me figure that problem out? And it really can with the new Apple shortcuts. So uh, what you do in shortcuts is you set up targets based on time of day to change the watch face. And so for me, I've got like kind of a basic analog face I use in the morning when I'm working for Max Sparky, because quite often I'm recording screencasts, I'm kind of making content, and I don't want a lot of information. I just want to know what time it is. And then uh, when I get to noon, that's when I kind of change to my lawyer hat. And I've got all these schedule blocks. You know, a lot of us use block scheduling. So you want to have, you know, those things showing up on your watch. When's my next call? When's the next project I need to work right. on? And I, and I do that. And so at noon, my watch face goes from a basic analog to the, uh, the more fancy, you know, face with a lot of details on it. It's got the appointments listed and everything. And the interesting thing about that is when I do it, it context shifts for me because I look at my watch. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm no longer Sparky. Now I'm a lawyer. And then at night, I turn it on to the breathe face, which is a really simple face. Also mm -hmm. does is give you the time. But I'm from California, and it's kind of a meditation face. So, sure. you know, I'm going to do that. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And then so around 6 p.m., it switches to that face. And if I'm like working on something, I look down at the face, it reminds me, hey, dude, you've got a wife and kids. You should be spending time with them now, not sitting here goofing off on your computer. <laughs> and it's really helped me kind of like move through my day contextually. And all you have to do to do that is go in the Shortcuts app and set a time-based trigger. You know, Shortcuts has that for you. And you can set a trigger by each time and just have it change the face. Even if you've never used shortcuts, this is really easy. It's just two steps. You know, you click on, there's an automation button in the center, the bottom. Uh, you just click that and you say time-based automation. You set a time, 8 a.m., noon, 6 p.m., whatever. And then just search for your watch face and you can pick the watch face you want in and in it goes. And then uh, the big trick for iOS 14 is now you can turn off the necessity of having to confirm that. Because before, if you ran a time-based trigger, you would get a confirmation. You don't want to do that through watch face. You just want it to switch on. <laughs> right, it's like, oh, then it's drawn your attention away from what you're supposed to be paying attention to. It kind of defeats the whole purpose. Yeah, and then you forget to press it, and it, just, it doesn't work. But what Apple has done a great job with this release of making what I call automatic automation. It, it automates, and it doesn't require any human interaction. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just really useful. And uh, that's just a little tip I thought I'd share today. If you're downloading iOS 14, you got an Apple Watch, take a few minutes, think about your day and what watch face would make most sense at different periods of your day. And with shortcuts, you can even do that by day of week. So let's say every Saturday morning you go to the gym, you can have your watch face, your gym watch face, just turn automatically on when you leave for the gym. Yeah, it's it's that that's a very useful thing because I think for a long time, so many of us have wanted the Apple Watch to be more context aware. So it should know more about what I'm doing, where I am. And it's still not there on that front. But this this sort of doubles as that, right? If you have a, a routine that you follow and you want the watch to step through that routine with you, now you can do that with shortcuts. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. Uh, one of the many things you can do now with shortcuts, as uh, listeners of the show will know, I, I think it really makes a difference. And uh, just it's those little tiny hacks in your life that make you feel better. 
just yeah. like giving money to St. Jude makes you feel better. Oh, look at that transition. Such a I pro. I know, man. <laughs> Such a pro. Seriously, yeah, we- though, it just makes... I, I've been watching the names scroll across the screen as I've been watching through the podcast-a-thon, and I love that everybody's coming in, even with small contributions, and I'm watching this number climb. Um, there's, you know, We're going through this weird time right now where everything seems like it's out of our control. Uh, but just the other day, I made a, a contribution to St. Jude, and I was thinking, you know what? This is something I can control. This is something where I can make a difference, uh, much more so than getting obsessed with news. And um, it just felt really good. And I, I would encourage everybody to, you know, to dig in their pocket and share a little if they can. Uh, so before I let you go, uh, I know that you spend a lot of time putting big field guys together. Um, what have been some of the surprises this year, maybe in parts of iOS or watchOS that you feel are, are like big changes that you're excited to tell people about? Well, I think the biggest change is what I was referring to earlier is that automation triggers now can actually happen without you having to confirm it. And in last year's version of shortcuts, that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Every automatic trigger required a human confirmation. And there are exceptions like, if you have an incoming message or an incoming email or a location trigger, those still need a confirmation. I think okay. Apple doesn't want someone to send you a text message and tick off an automation trigger. <laughs> right. Yeah. That could be that could be a good way to prank somebody, right? Yeah. It would be great though. It would be great <laughs> if you could do that. Every but, time but, I text David, turn all of his lights flashing red so he knows it's me. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. But the uh, but everything else is in your control. Like the time-based triggers I was talking about. That's enough for a lot of people. If you can set your day on a schedule, you can make a lot of stuff happen without without automation. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I think people should definitely check it out. I feel like Shortcuts has, while it's become more powerful, it's also a really approachable way to get into automation. That's one thing we talk a lot about on MPU. Um, So it's good to hear from you, David. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I guess I'll talk to you when we record our show on Monday. Absolutely. My pleasure. And, and, Good luck. I can't wait to see us break that number. I know, man. All right. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Bye. All right. All right. So we have something uh, really fun coming up. Um, but uh, I'm going to check in on Mike. Mike, are you out of the balloon? Did you survive the, the balloon this time? I, it was, it's getting significantly more difficult to get out now. Uh, we currently have 480. Is that correct? 480 balloons in Balloom right now. Um, It's looking more and more intimidating. And I believe we have now run out of our pre-filled balloons. So during segments now where I'm not on camera, uh, Mm -hmm. that's what we'll be doing. We'll be filling more balloons. I think people need to get an idea of what maybe that's like. So maybe, uh, maybe Adina could run over and fill one of those for us real quick. So, so we can get the experience. Please go and inflate a balloon. Yep, Stephen would like to hear the sound of one of these balloons. Being I would. Inflated. Thank you, Adina. This is one of the extra large ones. Okay. See if we can hear it. Did you hear that? Uh, nothing. They didn't that's hear dis- anything. That's disappointing. Then we can do them all the time. Uh, I guess <laughs> at some point I could take the machine. I could take the microphone over to the machine, but I don't really think it's that exciting. All right, so we are going to be joined by the Upgradian himself, uh, Mr. Jason Snell, is going to uh, 
to join us. And Jason has worked really hard on a special feature for today's show. You may remember last year uh, there was a game show, and Jason has outdone himself this year uh, with this. But I think we should uh, talk to Mr. Snell and see how things are doing in a lovely, uh, lovely Bay Area. Hey, boys. How's it going? Oh. Hey, Jason Snell. Hey, buddy. Uh, loving, are you loving the show. Uh, yeah, there's a giant. Be- there's a long story. There's a giant beanbag. My daughter's going back to college. Pack up. I had to remove a giant beanbag. It, I got stuck with it. I got the short straw there. <laughs> Not great for podcasting. Like you shift a little bit and it makes a bunch of noise. You don't need. You don't need that. Yeah, it's just shoved in the corner where the cats can sit on it. I have to touch. It. That's fantastic. Um, Jason, I'm, I'm glad to see you. Uh, I'm excited about this uh, this video you've put together. Um, you want to give it uh, a good proper introduction? Uh, sure. So we decided last year we did a video uh, that was a game show based on the Relay Fifth Anniversary Family Feud. We did another one for the podcastathon, uh, recorded in advance. Trying to think of another game show because you know I'm not a game show host by profession. Only You're really uh, good at it. <laughs> a podcastathon game show host. <laughs> So uh, what we ended up coming up with, and I'm going to I'm going to say it now because they deserve all the full credit in the world. There is a wonderful British game show called Taskmaster. You can actually watch like the first six seasons on YouTube. And it is a show where a couple of guys give people ridiculous tasks to perform. And we wanted to get as many relay hosts involved in the podcastathon as possible. Not everybody could come on live. And I think we've got nine different relay hosts to appear in this uh, in this game show, which is in two segments. So we're going to run part of it now, and then there'll be more a little later on. You'll get to find out who wins. It actually breaks mid-task. Uh, and we had a lot of fun doing it. It was it took a couple of weeks to put it together, but it was a lot of fun. And, and I'll tell you, there are a lot of very interesting, talented, clever Relay FM hosts, which I think speaks to how great the whole podcast is. Yeah, yeah, we're really uh, honored and and humbled by working with all these great people. Uh, it yep. was funny as you were doing this project, I would hear from different people. No one would tell me exactly what was happening, so I got some very worrisome messages from some people. Uh, but I knew I knew we were in good hands because uh, we were in your hands. I think people are going to really enjoy this. Yeah, nobody knew what they were signing up. For. Literally, they just said, <laughs> I'll, "I'll be involved in a game for the podcastathon," and then they started getting their assignment. And they said, "What?" have you gotten me into, but it was too late. <laughs> and I, I kept saying it's for charity. Come on. It's for charity. That's right. Uh, so I think everyone is going to enjoy this. Jason, thank you so much for making it. Uh, we you, know Jason. it was a big ask with, uh, you know, an Apple event and family stuff and everything else. So seriously, thank you so much. And uh, I think we're going to let this roll. All right. Welcome back master relay fm's favorite show in which i jason snell the hostmaster, make the hosts of various podcasts do terrible things but it's for the kids it's for charity and therefore it's okay let me introduce my four players these wonderful very kind relay fm hosts who agreed to be on this thing not knowing what they were going to have to do the host of the parallel podcast shelly brisbane hello Hello, don't be afraid, children. I'm afraid, but you should not. <laughs> That's right. The audience doesn't have to do anything. Uh, the co-host of Pictorial, it's Betty Chen. Betty, welcome. Hello. I like art, and I hope to not fail at stuff. <laughs> okay, well, we will see. We will see. There will be some <laughs> failure, I predict, in this. Uh, co-host of Material, it's Flo Ion. Flo, welcome. 
Hi, guys. How Are you, you ready? I'm, I'm, I'm fainting it. I'm fainting okay, it. Okay, fa- fake it till you make it, I say. <laughs> and co-host of Under the Radar underscore David Smith. David, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's uh, terrifying to be here. Who is holding you hostage, by the way? <laughs> you are. <laughs> correct. Right answer. No points for that, but a no correct point. answer. Now, joining me on this episode in order to help me out and keep score and otherwise make sure that the show runs uh, competently, which I am not really going to worry about, it is my, uh, he's, the, he's the co-host of Clockwise and many other podcasts. But Clockwise is the one we care about because it's on Relay FM. It's my assistant. It's little Dan Morin. Dan, welcome. Hi, Jason. Should we should we do some banter? Uh, you want to do a little banter? Uh, I've, um, I've sounds prepared great. some bells. I'm here with bells on. I've got two bells. <laughs> uh-huh. I've got uh, a bell like this. That's yeah. Pretty, that's a good bell. And I've got that's a bell like this. Coming through. So coming through. I think that, we're basically. Let me hear that first I'm here bell with again. bells on, Jason. Let me hear that first, first bell again. Throw that over your shoulder. I don't want to hear that one again. Throw it over. over. Thank you. Okay, good. All right, let's do our first task. Uh, this show is all about me making hosts of Relay FM do dumb things and then judging them for that, which is like, uh, it's good good to be me is what I'm saying. Dan, what is our first task? Well, Jason, our first task involves something very sweet, sweet, Sweden. It involves Sweden. It involves hmm. talking to someone in Sweden. So the rules of the game are that you have to guess what my first major in college was. And I'm fairly flexible on like the exact title because Swedish universities and whatnot. Um, You can only ask yes or no questions and I will always lie. You'll always lie. (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) All right. So just so we're clear here. Straightforward. It's uh, yes or no questions. So binary, it's very, very clearly like yes or no. The only wrinkle being that that's that's Julia from the Make Do podcast, uh, who is in Sweden. And we told Julia she had to lie. So it's yes, no, but yes means no and no means yes. Pretty straightforward uh, players, right? Pretty, pretty not not much there (laughs) needs explanation. That's great. (laughs) I wasn't told. I wasn't told I'd have to turn my brain on this much. All right, well, uh, our contestants had varying degrees of success. Jason, should we see how uh, Shelly and Flo oh and Betty God. did? Yeah, let's do it. I'd love to see that. Was your major something related to the kind of work you do now? Yes. Does it have something to do with worms? Yes. Does your first major have to do with what you do now? Yes. Was your major... Related to language. Yes. Does it have something to do with textiles? Yes. Is it art related? Yes. Uh, Was it a language of which you are not a native speaker? Yes. And you will always lie. So clearly it's electrical engineering. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes. (laughs) The, the always lie part has thrown me now because, which as, as I'm sure it was intended to. I'm just going to start spouting out major, majors now. Were you a, uh, uh, an electrical engineer? Yes. What? Is it science related? Yes. 
did you acquire um, programming skill, computer programming skills in the course of your college major career? Yes. So you still could be an electrical engineer. Uh, <laughs> Does it have something to do with words? No. Writing and literature related. Yes. You're always just going to say yes to whatever I say. Damn, that's very annoying. <laughs> this is a lot harder than I thought because my brain is doing a lot of gymnastics. What else is <laughs> Do you regret your choice of major? Yes. <laughs> Does it have something to do with books by famous authors? No. Would it be considered a liberal arts? No. Chemistry. Yes. Does it have to do with medieval times? <laughs> yes. Oh wait, wait, that was that was a yes, but like I I still haven't gotten it, right? Yes. Okay. No. no. <laughs> I'm so confused. At what point do I give up? Uh, you are not getting close. Okay. So seriously, though, how do we break the cycle, right? If you continue to... <laughs> if you want to, do you want to give up? I want to give up. Yes. This is, okay. Can I guess? This is totally... Uh, no. <laughs> I can't guess. Wait, I can't guess. You absolutely cannot guess. But you're lying. No. <laughs> Could I make my final answer the liberal arts? No. <laughs> okay, that's my final answer then. All right, can I give up? Okay. I mean, no. <laughs> it's, all, it's perfectly straightforward, I think. I don't I don't know what the problem is there. Uh, yeah, I, Jason, I, it seemed very straightforward to me. I, I think... Uh, our three of our contestants there more or less gave up at the uh, before getting to Julia's actual major, which is uh, that's tricky. Well, I was afraid that I had already got it, and she just kept on saying no, and I was just like, "Well, <laughs> like." <laughs> at what point she says you're not getting very close, which means you're getting very close, and the response <laughs> is something like, "Oh well, I give up then." <laughs> yeah, see, I never got that hint, so clearly I was nowhere near it. <laughs> Why so much electrical engineering, everybody? <laughs> I don't know. It's just I got it's a major... stuck in my brain. It was terrible. It was in my it's brain too. I have no idea where it came from. <laughs> I like that you started it with too. worms and textiles. That was like the, that's what I worms. Worms. Well, I was trying ecology. Somebody is missing here, Dan. Someone Somebody's is, missing. Someone's missing. Someone's missing. Do you I'm a little see, worried. Do, do you want to see underscores? Uh, so, so it was a little worrying. So when you when you started off the video and you said it's the other three and not me, that's because of one of two reasons. <laughs> that's right? right yeah you either did very badly or or, or did well but which? we'll find out it's like let's find out which, which one it is out. let's do that right now was it a science yes was it a language yes was it business related yes the history of a particular country yes but is it a his it is history of yes oh Okay. Um, is it, was it an academic subject? No. Does it involve math? Yes. It, does it involve the law? Yes. 
sort of. Does it involve international relations? Yes. Okay. Um. <laughs> um. Try to go through all my different. What, what, what can you major in? It's not a science. It's not a history. It's not a language. Um. Is it philosophy? No. <laughs> Our, just like that. Just like that. Very scientific, winnowing it down. And then a long pause, and he just shoots out philosophy like that. (laughs) It's a binary search. See, the problem is I knew it was liberal arts, but the problem is I had no idea what counts as liberal arts. (laughs) So I wanted to Google what does liberal arts mean? It's liberal. The meaning is yeah. just whatever. You probably, you know, it's when liberal. you're asking yes or no questions, um, you should probably know what the meaning is before they suddenly <laughs> say yes or no to it. And that didn't happen. I'm very impressed. Two minutes and 10 seconds, roughly, it took David to get oh. to philosophy with Julia. Um, and then everybody else gave up. So five <laughs> points to David and no points to anyone else. Yay to That's us. How that works. Yay. No other points. Well done. Uh, Dan, what, what is our next task? Ah, another task. This task is a task about socializing. Socializing is very important. Mm. We have asked our panelists to cause a social media post containing a link to saintjude.org slash relay and a secret word to be posted. Now, each of them got a different secret word. And our uh, rubric was that the most likes by September 14th, when we record this, will be the winner. Let's start with Shelley. Okay. Okay. So she posted, I'm supporting my fellow podcast juggernauts at Relay FM, raising funds for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, where families never pay for their kids' cancer treatments. I asked my office mate what we could do to help. He's still cogitating, but I know what you can do. Like this post so more people on the timeline will see it and click that link right there to donate. There's a kitty. Kitty. There is a kitty. Uh, Also, I liked this post, but only one other person did. So (laughs) thanks for the mercy like, Jason. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I'm glad I My didn't Facebook get a word friends that I let didn't me understand. the hell down. Uh, next up, shall we see Mr. David underscore Smith? Yes. Uh, David, David took the more uh, common approach of tweeting his post. He wrote, In a year with so much sadness, I'm happy to again support St. Jude this month, which brings life-saving care to children with cancer. Please consider helping if you can. Thank you, stjude.org slash relay. Um, 41 likes. 41 that, likes. That's, that's really good. good. That's really good, David. What was your secret word? Umbridge. I'm not seeing umbridge in there, David. What what happened? What where's if your you, secret word? It, it's in there. U-M-B-R-I-A-G-E. All those letters are in there. In order. <laughs> in order. Okay, so you you've you've scattered the secret word in yeah. your tweet. It's double secret. That the best kind of secret is double secret. Are you ashamed of using the word umbrage? Could you not think of a way to use umbrage in a tweet that you had to hide it? Are you umbrage you know? feels like a negative thing, and I didn't want any negativity around this. Mm. This is about the children and mm. helping the children. I'm not sure that it does, but it's very clever. <laughs> there you go. What else do we I have, had a Dan? Cat gif. Uh, let's take a look at Betty's, shall we? 
Did you know worldwide more than 90% of children with cancer live in low and middle income countries, many lacking access to adequate diagnosis and treatment, causing many of them to die before reaching adulthood? stjude.org slash Relay. This September, as part of Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, I'm proud to be part of a podcast network, Relay FM, that supports the impeccable and life-saving work of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Donate today at stjude.org slash Relay. Impeccable. Impeccable. And impeccable is in there. It's in there. <laughs> yeah. All in a row, David. Indeed. <laughs> Together, without any other letters in between. It's also a thread, which I think is an interesting uh, interesting move. And you got, uh, looks like, eight total faves across I... your two tweets. Uh, we've got one more tweet with a secret word in it. Shall we see flows? Yes. All right. Flow tweets. It is with unfeigned delight that I remind you all to help Relay FM make our fundraising goal for St. Jude. This, re- this year, we're pushing for 315K. And we can use all the help, likes, and retweets that you can manage. Stjude.org slash relay. And Flo's secret word was unfeigned. Unfeigned. Which is I right spotted there. it in the right first, away. I spotted it right away. Sentence. Well done. See, David, it's not that hard. But I tagged the wrong relay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to note it. Oh, it, but is, yes, you it did. is not <laughs> underscore relay FM there. Oh, no. <laughs> But she she got the link right though, so 15, that's arguably yeah. more important. It is. Fif- I blame I, the Twitter tweet deck I, I algorithm for giving even me the wrong one. Ask you to mention relay. I just put in the link in the secret word, so that's not bad. Fifteen likes. I that's like that. Good. Fifteen likes. Well, how do you want to rank these, Jason? Well, well, well. Um, should we start from the uh, the bottom and work our way up? Thanks, Dan. Appreciate that. No, I. You know, I don't I'm think gonna, he was talking about you. Uh, I, I think I'm we need one. to decide what we're doing with David, um, <laughs> and I've decided. So no points for David. No <laughs> okay. points. Uh, David and that and means his... that Flo gets five, Betty gets four, and Shelly gets three. All right. So it is decided. Yeah. Okay, David, you're still in first place. Let your um, let yeah, your secret say. word fly, David. <laughs> let your secret word don't be, fly. Don't be too secret. And it wouldn't be secret. That's the nature of a secret, is that it's secret. <laughs> yes, you it was too, can little, be too secret. A little bit too secret. A little <laughs> bit too secret. Okay. All right, what is our next task, Dan? Well, for our next task, we decided to get artistic with things, and we enlisted the help of Alex Cox, the co-host of Roboism on Relay FM, and a friend of the network. Uh, we have re- required the, uh, the contestants to exhibit their creative side, shall oh, yeah. we? Take a look at what that Love might it. involve. I have made you a picture of Mike and Steven. <laughs> it's going to be hard to top this, I know. Oh, that's so cute. Are you able to see <laughs> yes, this, yeah, this no, guy I, right here? I see your masterpiece. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Yep. Obviously, we have the well-known Relay <laughs> FM saying catchphrase uh, subheader. I don't know what they call it, uh, but it's definitely something people say all the time. And we've, you know, got the Mac Pro Steven here and a spaceship. That's how those are drawn. Uh, Mike, you know, he has the stinky oil beard that smells like fancy and is his keyboard. So you can interpret this however you'd like. You're a tour guide in a yeah. museum, or yeah, I'm what? a tour guide in a museum. Okay. Basically, <laughs> then you'll see. Then you'll obviously see how good <laughs> this picture is and how great I am oh, at well, art. Um, you know what? It's it's probably uh, better than what I could create. Like I talk about art, but I'm not an artiste. So well, you're 
task if you choose to accept it, which I guess you already have. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Make a picture of Michael and Steven and present it to the hostmaster. Oh my God, I draw like crap. So sure, that sounds... <laughs> And and the requirement is that it be a picture that represents Mike and Steven. That is correct. Yes. All right. It's going to be terrifying. <laughs> Who's judging uh, this uh, bestness? Honestly, I don't know. I think Jason. Oh. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Okay. It is me. It is. Surprise. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Surprise. It's me. It's a me. <laughs> judging your picture. So all I said was to uh, to create a picture. Quite honestly, a Photoshop collage would have worked for me. So oh oh, I almost it. did that. I but you didn't do that, did you? Disqualified, but I did just not. create a picture. Alex is the one who decided to draw whatever it was that Alex drew, drew there. Uh, but I hope that was inspirational. Um, I want to see him, Dan. I want to see him. All right, <laughs> who would you who would you like to start with? <laughs> let's uh, let's start with. David. Start with David. David's been all over the place. Good good scores, bad scores. Let's start with David's picture, shall we? Oh. That's uh, a bit of an action shot. I kind of like that. Mike looks very dynamic. He's yeah, got, that, and he put in that. He put in the the donate link too. I I feel like that. that was that mandatory? <laughs> he's making it up for. He's making up for his umbrage. <laughs> um, that's pretty good, David. Did you use a photographic reference here? Did you have some photos of Mike and Stephen you brought up? Yes. Yeah. These are these are two pictures I I have taken of Stephen and Mike over the years, and then they I sort of traced and copied them so so it could be vaguely better. And you know, I wanted to have them both having you know nice serious but hopeful mm. looks. I definitely recognize them. You, if you showed that to me with no context, I would say that that's Mike and Steven for sure. Mm-hmm. So. I enjoy their superhero goggles, though. I do. That's, yeah. what I think, my favorite part. <laughs> Glasses are really hard to draw <laughs> because they're transparent. <laughs> that's tricky. Shelly Shelley spoke with great confidence about her art, so I'd like with to great see Shelly's. Uh... All right. Let's, let's take a look at Shelly's picture. Here's Shelly's. Okay. Oh, they have accessories. Wow, nice. So, little although the beard, okay, I was going to say a little less focused on the bodies of, and the faces <laughs> of the humans, but there is a beard that's recognizable with Mike, but we have some labeling. We have Max Stack Hackett and Multipad Mike, and uh and those are definitely real things that we I can tell that that's Stephen Hackett in uh his his little lab with all of his old Macs. What's the tall thing that he's <laughs> What is that? His microphone stand. He's he's speaking into that mic from atop the tower of Mac. Because he is seated upon the top of that bookcase, (laughs) he needs to have a very tall mic stand. Uh, All right, let's see flows, shall we? This is flows. Look at that flow. Explain to me what I'm looking at here. It's Mike and Stephen. Okay, (laughs) which is which? Uh, Steven is the one with the little wannabe Apple logo. Okay. And Mike is the one with the little keycap on the shirt. Oh, it's a keycap. Yeah, okay. I tried. I I'm not going to lie, Jason. I had them flipped. I was pretty sure it was the other way around. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Well, I kind of like got confused at which one was which as I was drawing them, the hair, and like I haven't doodled in a long time, so I just kind of... I have that problem when I'm talking to them. Sometimes I just don't. I, don't I just kind of have different accents. Know what? <laughs> 
I think the guy on the left actually does look a little more like Steven. Yeah, I think, does, I, think yeah. I should have actually switched them. But then but... I don't know who the guy on the right is. <laughs> I told my boyfriend what my task was, and he was like, so you have to draw two guys with beards who wear glasses. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> totally distinct. Totally distinct human beings. Yeah. Um, also, I think it's interesting. It looks like they're wearing, to me, hockey jerseys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hockey sweaters. The pay and they've shaved their beards. Oh, yeah. I have, a, I have never been faces. able to draw beards. That is... What what's left? I guess it's Betty. We have Betty to see. Let's see Betty's. This is Betty's. Oh, <laughs> fancy! This one's nice. Mine are also not to scale. <laughs> like they are adorable. Oh, I yeah, just I just work are. I just work in an art museum. Right? I don't know anything about. Yeah, never art. mind all my blending really bobbleheads to that to those images. <laughs> Originally, I was thinking of making like Animal Crossing characters of them because I was like, uh, maybe you don't have to draw them. But then I was like, no, that I don't think that's uh, like the rules, or th- that might be against the rules. So I'm like, maybe I'll just draw like little cute baby versions. So they've got the beards, they got the glasses, you've got a St. Jude mm-hmm. logo on the microphone. So this is obviously Mike and Steven at the podcastathon. Yeah. Uh Steven's got an Apple shirt. Mike has his monkey brain shirt from Cortex. That's pretty deep cuts. There's an iPhone there and also a pen. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I think their hair is good. The hair and the beard yeah. are really yeah. they feel really right on to me. I spent most of my time on the hair and the beard, to be fair. That's the hardest part. I think- all right, um, I'm gonna give five points to Betty, obviously. Um, four to David, three to Flo, and two to Shelley. All right, I've I've ruled. He has spoken. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan, what uh, what's next? Well, next up we have a task that they haven't yet performed. <gasps> Oh, it's a live task. I like oh, these. Boy, we oh, haven't boy. done any of these. First live task of the show. Uh, so our first live task of the show is going to require you to do a little foraging. We would like you to hold as many objects in your hands in front of the camera as you can. Now, all the objects that you hold must start with the letter S. You have two minutes. Your time starts now. Well, while they're finding things that start with the letter S, we are going to do something else that starts with the letter S, which is say goodbye for now. We'll be back in a little bit. So now I'm joined by my friend, Bob Crawford. He and I have a lot in common. We met on the campus of St. Jude. We have kids who have been through treatment. And I'm excited that you'll be able to hear his family's story today. I know they're, they've been inspirational for my wife and I, and uh, I think they will be for you too. So let me introduce my friend, Bob. Uh, Bob is the bassist for the Grammy-nominated band, the Avett Brothers, and is a professional podcaster hosting three shows now, Politics of Truth, The Road to Now, and RTN Theology. I'm going to have some podcast questions for him at the end of this. If that wasn't enough, Bob is also the managing director of the Press On Fund, which raises money to fund scientific research in the areas of pediatric cancer, leukemia, and more. Bob and his family live in North Carolina. He and his wife have two children, one of whom we're going to talk about today, 
a brave girl named Hallie. Bob, how are you? Steven, it's great to be here with you, man. Yeah, it's good to see you. I'm sorry it's not uh, not face-to-face, but that's that's how things go in 2020. But, you know, it kind of is. Uh, this is 2020-style face-to-face. That's right. Uh, I've been doing a bunch of these like everyone has, and, you know, you judge everybody's background. Good job on the bookcase and the window placement. It's rock solid. And St. Jude back there behind the base. That's awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how y'all ended up at St. Jude. Well, um, well, first, let me say that, uh, you know, of course, it's great to be with you, Stephen. And uh, you mentioned that our family was an inspiration to you and your wife, but you guys are an inspiration to us. So, you know, I think that's kind of how, how this, this, uh, this lifestyle works. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, so 2011, August of 2011, August 28th, 2011, uh, I was on a flight coming back from a three-week European tour, and um, my wife got up that morning and found Hallie, uh, our daughter, who was um, 18 months old at the time, no, 22 months old at the time, uh, having a seizure in her crib. So Melanie called 911. They, uh, They went to the hospital. CT scan showed a large mass about the quarter of the size of her brain Mm -hmm. in her head. Uh, They operated immediately, went into surgery, and they found it was essentially an enormous brain tumor. Mm -hmm. When I I landed in Charlotte, North Carolina, Hallie was was just getting into surgery. So of course I turned on my phone, called my wife to tell her I was back in the States, and it was the shock, you know, just that you get that, you know, when you hear, I mean, we didn't know what it was, Right. And in fact, my wife was like, this is really bad. This, this mm-hmm. is really bad. And she was crying. And so I get to the hospital. It's a two-hour drive to Chapel Hill where Hallie was in the, in the hospital. She's still in surgery when I get there. She gets out, um, the, goes right to the intensive care unit, of course. Um, she was in really bad shape. Uh, the, the, she was having strokes. So she was having seizures and strokes when they brought mm-hmm. her in there. So... In the weeks that followed, uh, we found out that this was what they believed was an appendomoma, okay. which is a high, which is a high grade brain tumor, uh, just a, a terrible diagnosis. And of course, we were in shock, and we were, you know, of course, my wife and I asked each uh, ourselves and each other, like, man, this seemed to come out of nowhere. But yeah. in the months before, she would wake up and vomit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you would call the pediatrician and he would say, well, you know, kids, it's just hard to tell, you know, yeah. that age group, she would be in the bath. And I remember, I just remember her going, holding her head and like moving her jaw. Mm-hmm. So, and I even said to my wife one night, what is, what is up? Does she have a brain tumor? And I didn't know what I was saying. I was just, mm-hmm. just saying things. So, so anyway, that, that's the story of the diagnosis. Now, we were going to Jacksonville, Florida for proton radiation. Right, yeah. There was a 10-day lag. So Hallie was in such bad condition. We thought she was blind. She couldn't walk. She couldn't speak. Um, that we went to a rehab in Charlotte, North Carolina. And thinking like, okay, she's about to get hit with radiation after she's just been through this traumatic surgery. Let's Let's try to get her 10 days of recovery and rehabilitation to kind of sure. get her in the best shape 
to be knocked down again, ultimately by radiation. So we're two days from leaving Charlotte to head to Jacksonville. We've got our plans, we've got our place to stay, we've got our transportation. And I get a call, well, I get a call from the insurance company <laughs> saying they're not gonna pay for proton radiation. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, it's not a, um, a necessity, it's a, what do they call that when it's a, you kind of- Like a elective or- An elective procedure. Yeah. Um, so I call the radiation oncologist, no lie, Steve, and he says, uh, Oh, you didn't hear? I said, didn't hear what? He said, said, St. Jude and Dana-Farber, where we sought our second opinions called, Mm -hmm. and they don't think it's an ependymoma. They think it's Mm -hmm. an astrocytoma glioma, and they don't think that radiation will help her. So here we were left with nowhere to go. Yeah. No good options. Oh, gosh. So... Talk about the shock of all of this. Um, so that was a Friday afternoon. Saturday morning, we're in the Hallie's uh, hospital room in Charlotte, and my wife's going through the pile of mail that we were mm-hmm. seeing. And she she gets a, a card from my Aunt Dottie, really from my Aunt Nancy, uh, in Hamilton, New Jersey. And there's a St. Jude prayer card. So uh, Melanie looks at the prayer, picks up, picks up the St. Jude prayer card, she looks at me and says, with tears in her eyes, I want to go to St. Jude. Wow. So I spent the weekend trying to get in touch with somebody. Ultimately, I got in touch with Tom Merchant, who's a radiation oncologist at St. Jude. Mm-hmm. And he put me in touch with Tabitha Doyle, and uh, who contacted Dr. Amar Gajar. And before we knew it, within two days, we were at St. Jude. It's always interesting for me to hear stories from families who aren't in Memphis. You know, I grew up with St. Jude in my in my backyard, just a few minutes away my whole childhood. And being close, like you know about it, but you don't really know about it. But then stepping into the story that you and I share with our kids, you know, you're um, you're really in it. And I think one of the really special times is when you, those early days at St. Jude, when you make your way here, you're interfacing with the hospital for the first time. Does anything stand out in your mind about those kind of early days with St. Jude? Yeah, it was, uh, it's an overwhelming place to be. And it was just so vast. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and of course, you're kind of like, you've been uh, put in the queue, right? You mm-hmm. arrive and then pew, you're off. You've got your schedule yeah. every day and, and you're, you're kind of just surviving and you're, you're moving on faith. Um, but my initial um, thoughts uh, were, well, we walked in and it was really loud and colorful in the front lo- lobby. Mm-hmm. And um, there were, there was like a clown in the front lobby and there's music playing. And there was just like, it was this um, assault of sensory, you know, <laughs> uh, it was like walking into a carnival. Um, yeah. and, and that's the, it was this, um, for me, there was this idea of like, it was like distorting. It was like, okay, we're here for our child. We've just been told that she's not going to make it. This is literally our, our last chance. We don't know why we're here. We don't know what she's going to get. We don't know what the protocol is. We were just literally came here overnight just to mm-hmm. be here to save our kid. And then there's this carnival going on. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that was the initial initial uh thoughts about it and then you as you settle in you you just notice how it's all for the kids 
Mm-hmm. Right. Of course, it's a carnival because it's yeah. for the kids. That's right. And then something my, my wife pointed out within two days of being there, uh, we were in the cafeteria one day. Hallie was having a procedure or doing something. And she, my wife looked around. She's like, look at all these kids. You know, they're, they're black, they're white, they're Middle Eastern, they're African, they're Asian, but they all look the same. Hmm. Right? They all have the same look to them. You know, they, they've lost their hair. They're, they're uh, what do they call that? Uh, wilted flowers is, is mm. the phrase. Um, it's like tearing down all the, all the, the masks that we as humans kind of put on ourselves. So it was, yeah, a, yeah it's a, it's a life-changing uh, experience to spend time there for sure. It is. It is one of the, the few areas in my life where I really feel deep community with people I may not even know that well. Because if you're there with your child, the details almost don't matter. You're kind of all in it together. And um, you get to know families like we've gotten to know each other over the years and countless others as people come and go and rotate in and out. Um, but there's always that thread, you know, holding us all together. Um, we're going to skip over a lot of history here, but I'd love to hear how Hallie's doing now. What are so you know what is what are some current uh, updates on her and how the Crawford family's doing? Sure, she's she's doing very well. Um, she's uh, you know we we're homeschooling, of course, like we're you know Zoom schooling, like mm-hmm. um, and she's adapting to it. You know, she she lost the right side of her brain with her tumor. So she has a lot of uh, deficits. Um, so things are just harder for her. She's a slower learner than most kids. But, you know, Stephen, we, we, I don't know if, if how much Josiah is still at the hospital as far as therapies and, and other, other things. Mm-hmm. But um, she hasn't had a therapy since March. Yeah, because of COVID, she's had um, you know she does speech therapy on the computer and she's doing well with it. But but yeah, she's she is um, twenty seven years out from her last treatment. It's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. We are on the six month plan. We come back twice a year. We'll be back yeah. in September. Um, and you know, I was lamenting this, uh, the therapies thing with my wife the other day. And she's like, you know, this year it's about survival, hmm. you know, and she's like- doing great. <laughs> so, you know, this goes into being the parent of not only a cancer survivor, but of a, someone who's special needs. Right. Mm-hmm. So as a parent, you're constantly grateful to God that you have your child, but you're also always trying to push that child forward yeah even with their limitations and so the frustration i feel for hallie is on me it's not on her you know so there's this like thing where you we're always trying to be grateful but i'm but i'm also always find myself uh going back and forth with with frustration uh you know and that's but covid has taught us that uh this year we just got to be grateful mm-hmm. and we can't we can't uh, stray from that that feeling of gratitude yeah i know you and i hung out about a year ago and, and we talked about that at length about raising these kids 
um, in the aftermath of their treatment. And, you know, Josiah has been off treatment now. Uh, it's been just past 10 years last month, which is incredible. Congratulations. The um, it's amazing. It, he's a miracle. All these kids are. And, and now it's about school and, you know, he's coming up into fifth grade. And like, how does that look? How does middle school look the future? And I, I tell you, in those moments of frustration, what I come back to is, I'm so thankful to be worrying about fifth grade with him because, you know, our, we were in a very similar situation where we didn't know if we were going to make it past those first few weeks or months. And, and now to be talking about you know, ongoing therapy and all these things that our kids are still dealing with, um, even though that stuff is hard, it's a blessing because it means that our, our kids are still with us. And that's, that's thanks to the work of St. Jude and the amazing people there. Absolutely. I'll tell you, you talked about the, the community that's within St. Jude amongst the families. Um, so we're, you know, like I said, seven years, we've been just coming back, you know, for, first year coming back every three months, mm -hmm. things go well, you come back every six months. And I got a feeling we're going to be every six months for a long time, just for the nature of Hallie's tumor. Um, and let me also say that, so we come to St. Jude, and we believe she had an astrocytoma glioma. And that's how she was treated. And she had a recurrence in, 20, in 2013, she had a recurrence. Yeah. And they said, you know, it looks so much like an ependymoma, but we still think it's an astrocytoma glioma. Well, in 2015, her tumor was retested at St. Jude using newly available technology. And they decided Hallie didn't have an ependymoma and she didn't have an astrocytoma glioma. She had an extremely rare tumor of which at the time they'd only seen 15. There were only 15 known Whoa. cases. And so now they're going back and they're back testing old tumors and they're seeing more of these. Mm -hmm. But um, that just shows you St. Jude never quits. Yeah. Right? You think you have <laughs> the diagnosis, but brain tumors somebody once said to me this is like we're in the frontier of this of understanding mm -hmm. these things we're we're still on the frontier we're we're collecting data you know we're we, we're not we're making breakthroughs but but you know we're we're learning the basic science so we can make a breakthrough in the right. future and that's why kids like hallie and josiah they're they're pioneers in, in my in my <laughs> Yeah, but but when we come back to St. Jude now, now it's every six months, we're distanced from the community of the hospital. We see some familiar faces like you guys, but a lot of people they're just not there. You know, they've moved on, and they're on their 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 own schedules. Um, but you you arrive there and you're in this new normal life, right? You're in the hustle and bustle of life after cancer, so mm -hmm. to speak. Uh, and then you re-enter St. Jude for your three or four day visit and there's all these new people that yeah. are coming in these new families and they're just they're in the trenches their their skin is tough you know they're they're um they're fighting it and they i know when we come to saint jude it's funny because it's so stressful to come to saint jude and get scans right mm -hmm. but there's also you arrive you walk in that hospital and there's this wave of relief to be there it's it's so strange uh, and then I always come away, you know, we've been blessed past seven years. We get to, we get good news. See you in six months. Mm -hmm. And you're always driving away, uh, kind of blessed 
by all the the new people by all the you know you're you're just you're brought back into the intensity um and the power of living your life daily by faith because you have to right and that's what when you're in the trenches at saint jude when your child just arrives there and it's all so new and so confusing and so overwhelming you know you really feel this idea of living by faith because there's no longer that world outside that that job that career you have that house that mm -hmm. house back in north carolina none of that matters anymore um all that matters is is being there and and treatment and uh, it kind of really boils life down to its essential core yeah that's well said um so to change gears a little bit before i let you go we are on a podcast-a-thon, a, a six-hour live podcast, which seemed like such a good idea when we came up with it. And um, tell me a little bit about your podcast, because you have just jumped into this uh, this format. Sure. So uh, I've been podcasting for a little bit over four years. Uh, we I co-host the Road to Now podcast. It's a history podcast. Mm -hmm. it, um, my co-host is Dr. Benjamin Sawyer. He's a lecturer in history at Middle Tennessee State University. And our, it's a history, you know, we're, we wanna know how we got here. We're looking for the road to now. And then as an offshoot of that, uh, I started RTN Theology. And that's just asking questions about God, trying to understand uh, the life of faith. And then for the 2020 campaign, I started uh, the Politics of Truth, and that is the intersection of music and politics. And the idea was cover the campaign for music fans. But mm -hmm. then of course in March, everything changed because mm -hmm. you have a whole industry, like yeah. music industries that is, we're done. I mean, we're done until a vaccine, until a proven vaccine that's been distributed. We're, we're out of work. But what I like to look at while we're covering the campaign is those intersections between music and politics. Cool. Well, Bob, thanks for joining me today. It's good to see you, my friend. Always a pleasure. I'm going to have to go around and ask for that. Uh, as you can see, I'm joined by Mike Hurley here. Uh, he made the trip. Um, He's actually a lot skinnier. The, isn't in that pandemic diet? I mean, just that's really straightforward. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting a message. Uh, oh no, this isn't the real Mike Hurley. There's another one. I think we're going to talk to instead. What is, what is going on here? Hey, I have what a cardboard cut out of your head. <laughs> when and why did this happen? Well, I can tell you what happened. Okay. I was minding. I'm going to hold you. Uh, I was minding my own business, just working, and I get a text message from somebody at Allsack and said, what if we turned you into giant cardboard cutout heads? And I sent right. them this artwork. This is by our friend Jelly. And uh, I have me as well, but it's not funny to hold your own head. It's way funnier to hold your partner's head. So I'm going to put you back. It's very impressive, I will it say. Is. I am, I'm going to keep it. I'm thinking about hanging it up um, in maybe my living room. Maybe mm -hmm. the bedroom. We'll see. So, uh, so Mike, Mike, we, I have good news. We are at $263,000 raised for St. Jude. 
at $270,000, we're going to lose some more facial hair. Well, I'm going to lose mm-hmm. more facial hair. Uh, so we would love to hit that during our next interview uh, with our next guest. So uh, please go to stjude.org slash relay uh, and donate today. It's been really awesome. Katie, Jason, Patrick, Jack, Josh, Matt, Clayton, all of these, Fraser, all of these. I mean, I can't, like, I have to stop talking at some point because the list just goes on and on. Everyone uh, donating. It's been really exciting to see this uh, this number continue to grow out of the corner of my eye. So thank you so much for that. Um, Mike, you're not uh, in the bloom. I thought you said you were going to be there. I feel lied to. No, uh, what I have instead for you is the balloon machine. Oh, oh you good. so excited. So, Dina, do you want to come and blow up a balloon, please? I'm going to eat a, 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 a berry. dress that she should, she should be showing to the world. So, as our resident balloon uh, expert here. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, thank you. Thank you, Jeremy, for your donation. Jeremy is uh, a friend of ours, the founder of All Emoji. Uh, thank you, Jeremy, for your gift. Oh, damn, Jeremy. He's got that emoji money. <laughs> it's, good. it's just one of the emoji bag monies. That's what he gave us. Thank you, That's Jeremy. Right. Thank you. Please blow up a balloon at Jeremy's honor. Did you hear it that time? Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's really cool. There you go. That's how the balloons are made. Thank you for that very important update. Uh, maybe I should get up and give you an update on the bouncy ball situation. How does that sound? Yeah, let's do that. I'd love that. So here we are. In- okay, so I'm going to go over here very carefully, not uh, ruin myself with these wires. Uh, so this performa. Uh, at the end of the night, we'll hold 900 bouncy balls. Uh, we have raised a whole lot of money already. So as we can see, we are filling this up. I think we just still see my... There we go. Filling this up. The the line is kind of here. Mm-hmm. Now, the Performance 6400 case is tricky because there's a lot that you can't see with the plexiglass. Uh, but we are very excited to continue to fill this. Uh, Mike, why don't you read me a few names and I'll put some balls in. How's that? I think that would be absolutely fantastic. So I would like to thank Bruno. Uh, I would like to thank somebody who has offset their Apple Watch band purchase. Oh, that's Hunter, awesome. Katie, Jerome, Jason. Oh, no, Katie didn't make it in. Katie's gone. I'm sorry, Katie. Dan, Jim. Jim says goodbye, beard. $270,000. I get a shave. Matt, Marvin, Tom, Josh, Patrick. Anonymous, which I can only assume is the is the people. Not uh, no, the no, don't make that joke. No, nope. don't. Fraser, don't John, <laughs> um, uh, Beck. All right, we thank got a so ball. Much to all oh, of you for your it. incredibly generous donations, Stephen Hackett. We are currently at two hundred sixty-eight thousand nine hundred sixty-three dollars raised so, for Saint Jude. So less than eleven hundred dollars away from this bit of facial hair going away, which. Frankly, no one wants to see, but also everyone wants to see. So, stjude.org slash relay. Fifty to every fifty dollars, we get a bouncy ball. Mike is filling up a room of, with balloons, which is apparently a thing that people do in London. Seems very cultured to me. Uh, it is a Mike, thing that people do in London now. It, yeah, you're trend. We're trends. You know, relay is about setting trends, and mm-hmm. I think that old Max that no one wants will be used for good, and tents will be purchased and filled with the balloons. What do you think? I think it's a fantastic idea. So you want to tell us what we have next? 
Yeah, so uh, every couple of weeks um, here on Relay FM, I have the pleasure of hosting a show called The Test Drivers uh, with my friend and YouTuber, Austin Evans, where we tend to talk about two things. We talk about flipping phones, <laughs> as you can see, like this one. But oh, did you bring it? About, oh, look at that. Flip yeah, I've got the fold. I've got both of them. It, it's part of my elaborate set dressing, which I've not really done anything to show but i have lots of things around me maybe in a donation update Stephen, i can okay. give you a tour of the items that i brought with me today i would love that but we also talk about games consoles a lot because right now is the time for games consoles so uh austin is going to be joining us in just a second and we're going to be talking about everything xbox and everything playstation as we move into this new console generation awesome yeah it's, it seems like a, i don't i think the pokemon segment earlier submitted my status as an elite gamer so i'm super excited about all these consoles so Austin's going to be joining us in just a second uh, and we're going to be talking about that um hopefully uh you can maybe get that horrible part of your beard taken care of while me and Austin yeah are talking let's about do it consoles. let's hit two hundred and seventy thousand when austin is talking to mike and uh i will be shaving if we do that all right i'll say goodbye to you now steven and uh Bye, mike. in just a second i think i'll be joined by my friend austin In the meantime, make sure you go to stjude.org slash relay where you can donate. Um, you gotta got to help us keep raising that money, help us take care of Stephen's facial hair. Austin Evans, can you hear me, my friend? I do not hear Austin. I don't know if that is... Uh, How about now? End or Austin. Hey, there he is. Hello. Hey, buddy. How's it going, my friend? Good. How are you? Nothing like some last-minute headphone issues, you know, a live stream. <laughs> I can definitely tell these were probably not your first choice today. <laughs> Correct you are, my friend. How's the stream going? Really great. Really great. I have a room full of balloons over there. We're raising a ton of money. Uh, I see something sitting next to you right now. Oh, what What do we have here? My my IKEA plant. Yeah, I actually got this yeah. for like a set dressing. I think it's really cool. I get questions. It's about really time. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really really nice. You should be proud of that. I am. Um, there's also some Xboxes here, but I I feel like everyone's seen the videos. There's nothing to talk about, right? That's true. I mean, yeah, everybody has. I've seen the view counts on those videos. Everybody has seen those videos. <laughs> yeah. uh, <but> we. <laughs> it's kind of funny, really, because uh, we record our show every couple of weeks. And from the time of our last recording to our next recording, which I think we're going to do in a few days, all of the news has happened about games consoles. Uh, so as a long-running uh, joke of the show that you no longer have to eat the podcast because me and you had a bit of a bet going on about whether the Xbox Series S would be a console that existed before the Xbox Series X, and we do know that now. Yes. Um, so from just... a from a base perspective, I want to talk about uh, Xbox and PlayStation today, but let's start with Xbox. So what have we got coming in the next uh, console uh, revision for Microsoft? So on the Microsoft side, it's different than the past, although it's actually not totally crazy if you're used to something like the Xbox One S and the One X, for example. So we have the lower-end model, which is the Xbox mm -hmm. Series S. So this is the all-digital console. It's only $300, so... I mean, very affordable when you consider that it's a brand new console. And it's aimed at slightly lower end gaming. So all the same games, but like 1080p, 1440p. But basically, this is the console to get if you really want to sort of just get a next gen version that's not going to break the bank. And if you want the full fat 4K experience, that is where the Xbox Series X comes in. It's $500, so obviously much more expensive. 
this has tons of graphics power. You have the Blu-ray drives. You can buy the physical discs. You can do everything you want on this. Play the old school Xbox games and the medium school Xbox games. Pretty much everything you want to do between the two consoles. But unlike before, where we've really just seen sort of like the PS4 come out and then three years, four years later, oh, a slim version or something. It seems like both Sony and Microsoft this time around are going for a much more two-pronged approach with a cheaper digital-only console and with a much more expensive but sort of the full experience high-end console. Now, you've got the big price difference. Obviously, Microsoft were first, right? They got their pricing out first. Uh, you know, it could be said we're not actually sure when they wanted to get that pricing info out there because it kind of got away from them a little bit. Uh, but Microsoft have proven time and time again during the lead up to the beginning of the next version of the console wars that they are understanding their marketing. Like yeah. they did a fantastic job owning the leaks, making fun of themselves, and, and I think ended up with probably a larger press cycle than if they would have just done what they were planning to do, yeah. which was to send these, like as you have, right? Like they sent these hardware units out to you and, and many other YouTubers as well. Um, I assume that was probably the original plan yeah. and they would have their own press releases, but instead some of the information got out first. Yeah, no, you're totally right. They did a great job of really being on top of it because essentially, I don't know exactly when the original date was, but I, I believe it was a week, two weeks before when they were initially planning on launching these things and you know announcing it and everything. And then when it started to leak on Twitter and then it leaked more and more, I mean, within a few hours, they were like, yep, all right, fine. It's real, it's $300, Xbox Series S. And then pretty shortly after that, they have the actual units in our hands. The full videos are going live. I've got to give them props, right? And especially when you look at what's coming up next week with all of the sort of pre-orders. I mean, PS5 pre-orders were maybe not the smoothest thing in the world. So there's potentially for even more opportunity for Microsoft to score some brownie points by getting these things on sale in a way which won't completely piss off the entire internet, which I, uh, I hear is a good thing when you're launching a new console. Now, talking about that, some of the ways that they're looking to... Um sell these products is interesting right because they're really pushing i mean microsoft have been pushing their subscription which i cannot can't remember the name of at the moment because they keep changing the name it's game pass but then is the game pass all access that's when you get x cloud and right or is all access where you get the console all okay so not confusing at all xbox all access is game pass as well as a console so if i want to get say the series s I can pay a small amount of money a month. I will get not only the console, I believe you pay for like two years, whatever. So it's essentially like a 0% financing plan on the console. But included in that, you also get the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate service, which is typically like $15 a month. If you were going to purchase the console and have Game Pass, it usually makes sense. And obviously there's no real upfront cost. But the difference between the all access, which is sort of everything, and the actual Game Pass is slightly confusing because game pass gives you the games right think of it like the netflix of gaming where you're able to not only play a ton of new games you do have to download them and play them locally so it's not necessarily streaming but you get access to a bunch of games including first party titles and on top of that if you have the ultimate side of it which is different than standard game pass you can then stream games to your phone to your ipad what have you so there are a lot of different things i think it's smart that they've sort of put so much investment into these different ways that you can play but it is certainly confusing, to say the least. You know you said about xCloud? I got my flippy boys here. Hey. And a couple of days ago, I paired my Xbox controller up with one of these. And I was playing Forza and Sea of Thieves on my phone. 
how, that how, is, do you, how do you feel? Like, so I've spent a little bit of time, actually, if not properly, like, sat down and spent a couple hours playing Xcloud. I played, like, a time or two. How do you feel about the the latency, the experience, the the load times? Like, does it actually feel like something that you would use as more than a novelty? I would not want to do it full-time, but I would happily do it as a way to just get play some games, right? Like, if I was... Maybe if I was traveling or if, you know, I was just at home and maybe was, or even if I was here, like at my studio and wanted to play something, yeah. right? My Xbox is at home or whatever, then I could imagine doing it. Um, it was, I would say, very good. Not perfect. Very good. I had some more audio glitches than visual glitches, but definitely some visual glitches too. I mean, I think it is, I don't know if they're still technically calling it beta or not, but it's still early on. Um, and I would say it was it was a very good experience. Okay, but I think it's impressive because so much of streaming games, whether it's Xbox, whether it's what you know Nvidia has or Stadia or what have you, so much of it is sort of outside of your control, right? Because they can have the best servers and games running in the world, but you're still bottlenecked by your internet connection. You're still bottlenecked by if you're over Wi-Fi. Something as simple as someone turning on a microwave could hurt your performance. Or whatever. Like, there's so many variables. It's really tough to kind of go from that 95% pretty good to that 100% perfect. And I think that's something that's going to take a long time to really get right on. But that being said, if you are, I don't know, you have a Series S at home and you're playing on your 4K TV and you sort of get that higher end experience. And then when you're out and about and you want to play on like 4G or something, even if it's not the greatest experience in the world, I can see with the saves being synced and everything, that being a really helpful thing. But that being said, I think it's telling that you don't, unlike Stadia, where you're actually purchasing the games and it's a full standalone thing, this is something which is just included in Game Pass, right? If you're paying $15 a month with Xbox Live Gold and all this kind of stuff, you're also getting the actual sort of streaming side of it as sort of an add-on, not as a full-featured, like, this is the next generation. And I think right now the Xbox model is better than the Google model because I think at the moment it isn't good enough to warrant me paying full price for games that I don't have in my possession, either digitally or physically. But it is definitely a fantastic perk for an existing subscription that I'm already paying. Yeah, Um, I want to bring in PlayStation here, right? So we've got $2.99 for the Series S, $4.99 for the Series X. Mm -hmm. We have $3.99 for the digital version of the PlayStation 5, $4.99 for the disc-based version. The pricing, Mm -hmm. I think Sony's been pretty aggressive. Yes. Are you surprised at how aggressive they're being with the pricing? I am, yeah. So the rumors had been for quite a while that there would be sort of a high-end and low-end Xbox, right? And we had like the spec of the Series S for a little while. And it seemed pretty clear that there was going to be a big gulf, right? I mean, even though they will play the same games, the Xbox Series X has three times the graphics power, right? Doesn't necessarily mean games are going to run three times more, like better or anything like that. But like this has a lot more power. There was a very clear divide there, which makes sense. You know, if you're charging $200 less, you're getting less for it but with the playstation there have been pretty persistent rumors that there would be a fairly high price tag on it like they were having issues with yields and etc cetera, etc cetera. and so when you consider that the playstation 5 and the playstation 5 all digital edition are essentially the same thing the actual like chassis of it is slightly smaller because they don't have the optical disc but besides that they're pretty much the same and the fact that they've charged you a hundred dollars less for that digital edition i think is really impressive i mean for context, one of the Blu-ray drives that you would put inside an Xbox or PlayStation 
20 maybe $25. So there's no doubt the Sony are taking a much larger loss on the digital edition to, first of all, be more competitive with the Xbox, with the Series S. And on top of that, I'm sure they hope to get that money back on the back end by selling you more digital games, which, of course, they're going to make a larger profit on since they don't have to cut in Best Buy or Amazon or whatever on those physical games. They get to pretty much just split all of that money with the developer, which I'm sure will help kind of cover that $100 price difference. Especially because I've seen some of the prices, those games seem to be going up in price. But this happens every generation. The game exactly. Because, I mean, if you think about it, games have been $60 for, what, 10, 12 years now? I mean, if you consider the price of inflation, a lot of games used to be $70, $72, $73 even 10 years ago, right? So yep. I think $70 games are, in my opinion, perfectly reasonable because that's just yep. what we used to pay for games a few years ago. It's not like the yeah, N64 it's, it, days when, remember when no. games were like $100 each on the cards? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, look, it's expensive, but it's not surprising, I think, is probably the better way to say it. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that's interesting to me is like the way that this whole situation keeps flip-flopping. Because I feel like I was, oh, like, I was all in. Like, Microsoft, you did it, right? The pricing is fantastic. 299 499 superb you can get the 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 subscription deals get a console bundled in perfect but now seeing 399 for the digital version of the PlayStation 5 and it isn't different there's now this thing in the back of my head which is like ah uh, am i going to have to think about like really think about my Xbox purchasing decision if i was going to go that route would I have to think, like, am I going to end up with a worse experience in a couple of years because I've made that purchase now? Like, I actually think that whether they made this, whether this was the original plan for Sony's pricing or not, by going with the route that they've gone, I think they're actually have edged ahead again. I mean, the PlayStation 5 digital at $400 is an incredibly impressive console because while, yeah, it's $100 more than the Series S, the difference is there's no real comparison between the PlayStation's the PlayStation 5. They're both the exact same spec. The games will run exactly the same. The only difference is whether or not you have that disk drive. On the Xbox side, not only does the Series S, while it's cheaper and it loses the disk drive, but it's running those games at lower frame rates, lower resolution. I mean, it's not the full experience. And I mean, I, I think at $300, I'm totally willing to make that. And I think for most people, you get this thing, you get Xbox Game Pass, you'll play Halo and you know a handful of other games, and it's a really easy way to get into next gen. But for $100 more, the PlayStation 5 has a lot more performance and it has the ability to play, of course, all of those Sony exclusives, which, I mean, it depends on obviously what kind of gamer you are. But if you have a PC, most of the games on Xbox are on PC, whereas on the Sony side, it's not necessarily the case. There are a lot of exclusive titles to the PS4, to the PS5 that you just simply can't play anywhere else. And I think that's it, right? It's the games. And I think if... I would say both both consoles are light, maybe lighter than normal, especially lighter than they wanted them to be. But it feels like if if someone was making their decision based purely on what games will be available at launch and maybe within the first few months, again, not unexpectedly, it does feel like Sony's got the edge. Yeah, it's kind of tough because it's like so many of the games that we will be able to play at launch are older titles, right? They're either cross-gen, so stuff that's launching on PS4, Xbox One, and Series X and PS5, like Call of Duty or something. There are some remasters that are coming out to the new consoles. 
And of course, there's the backwards compatibility side, right? Where the PS5 will play, quote, 99% of PS4 games, which is fine. But you look at the Xbox Series S and X, and they'll play basically all Xbox One games and essentially the vast majority of the 360 and the original Xbox games. Mind you, some of those older Xbox games won't really be totally compatible with Series S unless you download them digitally, whereas you can take an original Xbox One or 360 game and toss it into your Xbox Series X. But it's almost like these consoles, they have benefits and they're, it's nice to have them and there are some games. And if you're you know, going to play Call of Duty or whatever, then that's great. But a lot of, uh, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why you may want to skip a console at launch and maybe pick it up next year just because what are you really going to play on it? Right? I mean, yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, have you pre ordered anything? Oh, yes, we have. So, PlayStation 5 wise, uh, we had a fun time. So, uh, Ken went out. Uh, He actually went to a physical GameStop and he was literally in line. The guy in front of him got the last PS5. So, that didn't work out. The last one. I know. And this is like the so the, the way the day went was that they had the event. So like we shot the video. And I'm like furiously editing, and Ken's like texting me, like going from store to store trying to get his hands on it because they're like, oh, it'll go on sale tomorrow. Thirty minutes later, pre-orders are popping up everywhere and stuff. So thankfully, we were able to get our hands on a PS5, which would be shipping out. So we will be able to do a video and everything. And then yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming is from everything I'm hearing, the Xbox should be a little bit easier for the, for the pre-orders when it goes live. But yeah, I mean. Look, it's like between that and you look at like all like the RTX 3080 stuff. There's a lot of pent up demand for this stuff, right? And it makes sense, but uh, it's it's hard for I think anyone to keep this stuff in stock because it's like there's no there's so much more demand than supply. Things are going to sell out. It's just a matter of how quickly does it sell out and how many bots get it and flip it on eBay versus people who actually want to buy it and use it. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I understand the idea of people saying that, like, and it has been like the PlayStation uh, pre-orders have been a little all over the place, and Microsoft have uh, taken another shot at Sony by kind of very clearly laying out their pre-order strategy. Mm-hmm. But there is definitely something to be said for the more chaotic your pre-order process, yep. the more uh, panic people buy in like me i want the digital playstation 5 right but i can't seem to get one so i have put a pre-order down on a disc playstation 5 now i only have like it's like a five pound pre-order and i'll pay the rest later Mm. but like at the same time i'm going to keep my eye out and because the digital one is what i want and then if i during the process between now and, and november 19th it'll be for me in the uk we're not getting it on the 12th we're getting it the week after it's like, yeah, this, it was kind of strange. Yeah. All of Europe is getting it on the 19th, which I found it was interesting. I was like, New Zealand's getting on the 12th. Like, congratulations, New Zealand. Um, but it, this stuff happens every now and then. Honestly, I'm, I'm pleased that we are actually getting it in November at all. Like, I thought that there was definitely a possibility that, that maybe outside of the US and maybe outside of Japan, it would have been mm-hmm. much later into the year. Yeah. Um, but so I will keep an eye out for the digital edition. But well, so from what I, I've like heard, to have from what I've heard, the stock allocation is heavily in favor of a PS5, the standard disc version. So um, I've heard it's mm. as, as big of a five to one gap of stores are getting five standard PlayStation fives for every one digital edition. I'm not massively surprised by that because I'm sure that they think about it and they go, you know what, 
people who are going to try to buy on day one will maybe do exactly what you did and go, oh, I want the digital, but if I can only get the disc, I might as well yep. spend the extra hundred bucks. So, yep. and I'm sure they're making obviously way more money since there's, you know, such a huge sort of markup on that. But yeah, it's, it's going to be tough, but it's, I feel like it's going to be like this for a while. And especially because it's not just these new consoles that are selling out. I mean, if, I don't know if you've gone to a, a store recently, but like there aren't exactly a lot of consoles on shelves anywhere, right? I mean, even like Xbox Ones and PS4s have been either low on stock or sold out around where I am for six months now at least. So people are just trying to get their hands on consoles, period. And you get them some sweet, shiny new toys. They're going to be all over it for, for probably through a lot of next year, I would guess. Well, I mean, especially Nintendo, though, right? Like they're the ones that are left out of this conversation because they, I think they, they said on a recent uh, earnings call that they're halfway through the generation now. Yeah. Um, but like Nintendo, like I think in August they had the best August they've had in the Switch. Right. It's just like that is a train that is not stopping for no one. I mean, Nintendo is selling every single Switch they can make. They've been doing that yep. for well. I mean, honestly, for most of the life cycle of the Switch, I mean, yep. they've had like periods where the Switch would be in stock recently, but like they've sold out pretty regularly for years now, right? I mean, they just mm-hmm. keep selling these things like crazy. And now that we have the Switch Lite, we have the new Redbox Switch with the better battery life. And then it sounds like next year we're going to get some kind of Switch Pro 4K sort of model. I think it's very good to be, well, pretty much Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo, because they're all selling all the consoles they can make. But specifically on the Nintendo side, I think they're really positioned well to go into sort of the back half, I guess, of their generation with a very strong lead and the fact that everyone wants a Switch or two Switches or three or whatever the case is when you break them or you want to leave one hooked up to your TV or whatever. You just want to get that up. You leave it on, like, leave it on a park bench or something. <laughs> oh, that would be sad. Austin? Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we'll be talking more about this on our next episode of the Test Drivers, I'm sure. Absolutely, man. Well, good luck with the rest of the stream, and hopefully everyone's got those donations flowing. You guys are really close. I was looking at the the tally; it's really getting up there. We're at uh, two hundred and I'm refreshing the page seventy one thousand seven hundred ninety nine dollars raised, which is unbelievable. I feel like we recorded the podcast like a week or two ago, and we were like sixty. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I think that's kind of how it's been. Austin, thanks so much, my friend. Awesome. Good luck, man. Have a good one. All right. Go to stjude.org slash relay. That's where you want to go to donate. Uh, I think Stephen's going to be joining me again. We'll do a little donation update. Maybe I'll eat a disgusting jelly bean or something. Hey, buddy. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I enjoy How's your, your face? What's awesome. going on with your face? Is anything oh, yeah. happening? Yeah, so Ooh. I've got the uh, terrible, like, uh, it's like Wolverine Ooh, situation. That's not nice. That is not, not nice good. At all. So when we hit $285,000 raised, this becomes a mustache, which, believe it or not, is better than this. So do it for the kids, but also do it for me. Do it for my family so I don't have to sleep yeah. outside tonight. Yeah, please. Think of Stephen's marriage. It's yeah, very that's right. helpful. All right, so all I right. think uh, you got to eat some beans. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's have another. Let me get some blueberries. It's not necessary anymore. It really is. They're so good, and they're sitting right here. I've been snacking on them the whole time. Well, you got to eat four just for Jeremy. Okay, we're either going for coconut or spoiled milk. Oh.
Ah, the sweet taste of coconut. That's uh, you got very lucky. Very lucky. I'm sure I want next time. Oh, here we go. Okay. Birthday cake. Dirty dish water. This was the worst one. So hopefully this is birthday cake. All right. Hmm. So sweet. Oh, I feel like it was dishwater. No, birthday cake. Were you down that water like you were trying to get it out of your out of your mouth? I was cleansing my palate from the coconut. Mm. That's good. Because what I found so far is it's really upsetting when it takes a while for the flavor to, to come through. Mm. So if I have the flavor of a previous bean, bad news. Yeah. I do another one. All right. This is fantastic. Oh, we have a new one. This okay. is either Tutti Frutti or Stinky Socks. I feel like socks won't be that bad. We'll see, won't we? Better than spoiled milk. How is it? I honestly don't know. <laughs> How do you not know? It's just nothing. Hmm. Oh. The chat like hearing me say tutti frutti for some reason. I don't mm. know why. Tutti Let's fruity. do another one. I've had three good ones in a war- in a row. Yeah, that that luck will definitely keep keep holding out. Steven, do you know we've passed halfway of the stream? Yeah, like time wise, I do know uh, because I made a comment earlier how we had ninety minutes left. That's not true. Uh, we have a little over two hours left, and uh, that means we can keep ticking up that money at stjude.org slash relay. All right, this is the last one I'm going to eat for now. It's either a toasted marshmallow or a stink bug. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Mike, say, Mike, say something if you're alive. That's the worst one. <laughs> oh, my God. What is it like? Put us I, in I, your mouth. I feel. can't describe it. I can't describe it. My mouth feels like it's like a mix of really strong coffee and a really sharp fruit, hmm. and then something else that's completely gross. That's terrible. Uh, while you compose yourself, I'm going to read some names uh, off our list. Year of Stephen just donated one hundred dollars. Thank you for acknowledging my year of championship on the Connected Podcast. Uh, Felix. Uh, one that says Mike is a snack. I'm too old to know what that means. Uh, thank you, Felix. Thank you, Parker. Uh, our friend Matthew. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Frank. Oof, uh, Eli. Potato ferret. I don't want to know what that means. Uh, thank you all for donating. It's been simply amazing. Every time I look over the screen, that number is like refreshing and going up. It, it really is fantastic. You can join the fun. Stjude.org slash relay. Mike, you know, we're pretty far into this thing. Maybe we like uh, reintroduce what we're doing. So every September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And for several years now, we at Relay FM have taken that opportunity to talk about and raise money for St. Jude. And this is the second annual podcastathon, which we kind of do at the, you know, towards the end of September. I know it's only the 18th or a little early this year. Uh, like pulling this big show together, talking about St. Jude, having our friends on. Uh, but we will continue to fundraise 
uh, through September because St. Jude is funded by people making donations just like us all the way around the world. That means they can treat kids with cancer and other serious diseases without their parents or their family having to pay a dime, which quite frankly seems miraculous to me. But people believe in this mission. We believe in this mission. My family's been impacted personally by childhood cancer with our oldest son. Uh, He's a survivor now. It's because of the work of St. Jude, and there are lots of kids like him. Uh, In the time St. Jude has been open over the decades, they have moved the cancer survival rate in children from 20% to 80%, but they're not stopping there. They're not okay with the 80% number. They're going to keep pushing until uh, the hospital reaches the vision put out by its founder that no child should die in the dawn of life. How's your mouth? Are you okay? Kind of tangy. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm okay. The okay. worst part, the worst part is, you know how things get stuck in your teeth? Oh, no. Is it still in there? Well, no, but like, it's okay now. But like, I think I'm all good. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, it was a little bit stuck in my teeth. And then the flavor comes back. Oh, you know, so like you think you're good, and then mm-hmm. it's like, you know, what is that after? Like, is it the aftershock after an earthquake? It's like yeah. that, but mm-hmm. with disgusting jelly beans. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe we'll give you a break so you can go wash your mouth out with something. Uh, up next, we have another stop on our virtual tour to show you a bit more about the hospital. And uh, Mike and I'll be back after this. So here we are in the Chili's Care Center, uh, which is another entrance into the hospital. Um, This one's a little fancier looking because it's a little more wide open and it's been renovated recently. I mean, it it looks completely different even from when we were in treatment from 2009 to 2014. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, one of the the things that I absolutely love from the renovation is how they've renovated this welcome desk. Uh, You'll notice that it it says welcome in multiple different languages, and that's just to kind of touch on the fact that, you know, every kid that comes here is not necessarily from here, you know. Danny's vision was to treat any child regardless of race, religion, or creed. And once you get into all of that, you know, you start getting into different languages. So it's important to make everybody feel welcome once they come here. Um, You know, one of the cool things that that St. Jude does offer is you'll see on the counter there, there's a blue phone. Um, And, you know, if we don't have a translator on site that day, that can speak the language that we need, you know, the family can walk up to this phone with their doctor or with their nurse or whoever, and each person grabs a headset because you'll notice they have two headsets. And it goes into a translating services that provides over a hundred different translations for more than a hundred different languages. Um, you know, so that, I think that that's just all encompassing of everything that St. Jude thinks of to ensure that everybody's taken care of and treated uh, just as just as good as the next person is going to be treated, regardless of what language they speak. Um, you know, as he starts panning around, you'll see the LED wall over there on the other side of this pole. Um, that's that's a newly renovated area as well. I, I remember uh, before we used to actually run into you guys here a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. There used to be screens, cameras. There used to be screens yeah. with cameras where the kids can play and just kind of show, show up. their face in it. Uh, but now I love this uh, because, you know, the wall never looks the same. That's one thing that I love doing from walking walking through this building is that how these lights are lighting up. If you twist them, they light up in different colors and turn on and, you know, turn off and, and what have you, which is, I think, you know, 
I, and I hope you guys are comfortable with me sharing, but you know, that, that, that serves as a, as a therapeutic tool for patients that may be struggling with their hands and the use of their hands mm-hmm. to be able to come and touch and move and, uh, you know, move their wrists around and move their hands around. And I, you know, I mentioned in last year's podcast. So if you are a returning podcaster, um, you know, I mentioned how Josiah, I remember when Josiah was in a brace, uh, with his left hand. And I remember every time that I run into him, I used to always make him fist bump me, but not with his right hand. I'd make him fist bump yep. me with his left hand because I knew that that's something that you all were working on and, uh, you know, his physical therapy was working on. I love in this shot, you see some people sitting. There's that, that half wall there. St. Jude, the whole campus has all these little cubbies. So you can, if you're waiting for an appointment or you need to take a phone call or, you know, a lot of parents may also be trying to juggle other kids or, or work or something that you can step away from hospital life for a second and, and take care of something else. And it's not all a bunch of sterile hallways, but I mean, this looks like a cool place to hang out. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be in the world's greatest uh, research hospital for children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is sort of a gateway to a lot of other stuff uh, in the hospital. And I think Enrique is going to take us to our next stop. Uh, here in a patient room. Yeah, so right across from where we were standing just now is the K Research and Care Center. Um, and, you know, this is this is where all our inpatient beds are. Um, all the inpatient beds live in this new side of the building, which is, you know, the Chili's Care Center side. So at the Chili's Care Center side, we have the BMT, and then this is the K Research and Care Center. Uh, one of the cool things that uh, that these rooms offer or that these floors offer is just like our clinics are split up by specialty, each floor treats uh, patients based on that specialty as well. So not only is the team uh, treating you when you're outpatient um, with, that, with that specific diagnosis in mind, they also do it when they're inpatient. So I think that's what increases our treatment as well is, you know, you hear a lot of families share that, the, that St. Jude did everything that they could to give them a team uh, for treatment, right? Um, and this is part of that team. It, it, the, the inpatient a team is just as good as treating as the outpatient team. So it's, yep. uh, and they make sure that that bit, that treatment continuity, which is important, um, is just maintained the whole time while the patients are being treated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and you'll notice those little touches, like the phone you were talking about in the lobby. It's in these rooms as well, so you can really stay connected with your child, and you know, take care of a, a call with a doctor or somebody else and have those services available to you uh, inpatient as well as just in the lobby. I, I love those little touches that are throughout the hospital. You know, one of the things that I love to share and I love to talk about, and um, it's actually a good segue to uh, to what Mary does at the hospital and how she serves in a, in a different capacity now. At St. Jude, we have uh, what's called steering councils. And that that's a, a combination of parents that have been through treatment and have helped uh, the hospital now with their advice and what they can do to improve the, the treatment for the patients. Uh, and Mary actually serves on one of those steering councils and as a mentor. So, you know, her, her work directly impacts now on what St. Jude does to treat the families that are coming now. Yeah. And I, I won't lie. I am having some deep seated uh, feelings of jealousy looking at how amazing this patient room is because (laughs) These are beautiful. I mean, they're just 
beautiful. And, and having your own bathroom, because when you're on, if your child is getting chemo, it's not always safe to use the same restroom as the patient, as your child. And so you've got to leave your child, no matter how old they are, ask a nurse to come sit with them so that you can run down the hallway to go to the parent restroom. Not anymore because of exactly like you said, Enrique, um, because of other parents saying, hey, you know what would make this a lot easier? You know what would really make my life a lot simpler while my kid is receiving treatment here? If I could have my own bathroom when we're impatient. Because um, sometimes you don't expect to be, this happened to us several times, sometimes you don't, you expect to go for the day to appointments, um, not to spend the night. But we soon learned maybe after round two, I think, of 16 rounds, you keep a hospital bag in the trunk always at all times, because twice we had pneumonia that we, Josiah had pneumonia. We didn't know. And so we got there. They're like, you're going inpatient. What? Why? <laughs> we just got out. We, we don't need chemo again. So, um, you don't know when you don't know for how long. So just always be prepared for anything to happen. And it makes that it's just having a beautiful, spacious living space like that makes such a big difference. Um, just for a parent's mindset. The corners of these floors also have um, kitchens connected to them. And so when you have a patient who is passing, um, they have access to their own private, basically all the family can come in, they have their own sitting areas. They provide um, food and drinks and snacks so that you can have that time with your family and with hmm. you know the, the family can have the time with the patient but it's all connected so there's four corner rooms that are connected that way that I just think is an amazing private way um to to spend your last days um with your child and they provide you know yeah. everything while you're there and they just they it's amazing I just I think it's amazing um but with that, I know we're, we're running short on time. If we can head over to the proton radiation beam. Uh, this is an all-exclusive look uh, that you would not get on a normal tour in person. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're very lucky to have this footage of the actual proton radiation beam, which yeah. is the only proton radiation beam around the world dedicated to kids. Um, you know, even for us, when we were in treatment, um, if kids at St. Jude needed a proton radiation beam, they had to be flown to Florida to receive that yep. treatment. And to stay yeah. there for uh, the duration yeah. of the treatment. And, you know, those days, those days are a thing of the past. We have our own proton radiation beam, ensuring that kids receive the best possible treatment, even when it comes to radiation. Enrique, did you say this is the only proton beam dedicated to pediatrics? De dedicated to children, yes, here in the world. That, yeah. I didn't know that. That's insane. I mean, just think about how different ch kid brains, pediatric brain, and, and just the development that they have to go through. Their brains look totally different from adults. So sending them to any other place is just a lot more dangerous. And, and what a radiation, you have to be so specific with what you're, what you're pointed at and the exit points. And man. Yeah, well, I think we, we are, we're, we're very lucky to have the kind of supporters and the donors that we do have to afford us these, op these yeah. opportunities for our children, you know. With that, uh, we'll head over to the next tour stop and we'll see you at the next segment. <laughs> Welcome back. So we've obviously had the opportunity to see a lot of what goes on inside St. Jude from a... Uh, 
from the, the, the respect of being a patient, seeing the families and obviously seeing uh, the, the incredible stories of the parents and, and everything that they've gone through. But on the other side of what it takes to be a patient at St. Jude, there's also the research section. So what puts the research in St. Jude's Research Hospital? Now, I had the really great honor of sitting down with and talking to uh, David J. Selecki, PhD. David is a researcher, or Dr. Selecki is a researcher in the Developmental Neurobiology Department at St. Jude. Uh, he's on the faculty at the St. Jude Graduate School of Biomedical Sciences, and we got to speak about why he does the work that he does at St. Jude, why he chooses to do his work at St. Jude, and we also got to talk a little bit about the amazing technology that he and his uh, colleagues use to do the research that they do to get their work done. Uh, so without further ado, here's that video where I got to talk to Dr. Slacky. So, David, as a developmental neurobiologist, your research focuses on better understanding brain development. Mm -hmm. How does this fit in with St. Jude? Well, as you know, St. Jude is focused, you know, our mission is focused on trying to help children with catastrophic diseases. Um, and it turns out that, um, you know, of course, the brain is an, is an area where many different type of catastrophic diseases can occur. Uh, so essentially, the lessons that we've learned over the last, let's say, five or six years uh, is that a, a catastrophic disease in the child usually is, uh, it's usually it's accompanied by a disruption in development. Uh, so in the case of the brain, there's some very specific, uh, let's say, defects that can perturb uh, development. So I study a process called neuronal migration. Uh, and it turns out neurons are born in different regions of the brain, and they eventually have to move inside the brain to form a neuronal circuit. Uh, and if you disrupt that process, um, that can lead to malfunctioning circuits. So you can get things like epilepsy or cognitive deficiency. Uh, and then another thing that I study is a process called neuronal differentiation. And that is a process where neurons mature over time. So just like, uh, and actually this is linked to the process of migration. So just like you leave, the, leave your house uh, to go to university or college, uh, that's that's that that's the link to maturation of you. It uh, turns out those migrating neurons have to mature before they uh, you know move to that final position. And so, if that maturation process doesn't occur appropriately, uh, something interesting happens. It turns out that neurons continue to divide, uh, and then that can actually contribute to cancer, which is basically a disease where neuron you know where cell types un, uh, you know sort of uncontrolled. Uh, Undergo, undergo under uncontrolled divisions. Um, so those two processes, where neurons move and uh, you know, the maturation linked to that movement, uh, they're actually tied into two sort of really key catastrophic diseases. That's really interesting because basically what I thought that you were gonna say was that like, and I assume this is from what you were saying, a part of that is that mm -hmm. your research is in seeing what cancers can do to the brain. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it's actually also the other way in yeah. how the brain can actually cause these issues, which I yeah. guess it makes sense. But hearing it like that is, is really kind of mind blowing, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, just think of it this way. Our organs and our body, including our brain, are a black box, right? They, they have yeah. processes in which they, they form the appropriate structures. And in the case of your brain, it's a neuronal circuit. But diseases are really when there's a monkey wrench thrown in the normal processes uh, that, that normally lead to the formation of the brain. So, you know, in order to understand the disease state, you actually have to understand how that black box is put together in the first place. How long has this kind of research existed for? Like how long have people been then looking at this type of stuff been thinking in well, these terms of like, actually we need to look inside of us to, to see what's going on. Well, believe it or not, neuronal the field of neuronal migration is actually quite old. Uh, if you look right. back in the literature, the, the, first, the first paper you can find sort of describing the processes that we're studying today actually happened in around the time of the 1860s. So it's, a, wow. it's an ancient, you know, it, you know, relatively speaking, it's a very old field. Um, you know, the problem is over, over the course of time uh, is that, you know, people that were first interested in this process, they just didn't have the right tools uh, right. to figure out the mechanisms. And so, you know, we're making, of course, m much, much more progress uh, these days than we did in the 1860s because we have the appropriate yeah. tools to try to understand that block box. Yeah, it was like purely theoretical then, really, right? Mm -hmm. Because there was just, there's nothing that they could do. Yeah. I actually want to talk about some of those tools. Mm -hmm. um, so I understand, since you told me about this, because there's no way I would have been able to work this out my own, uh, mm -hmm. that you helped St. Jude acquire a next-generation lattice-light sheet microscope, also mm -hmm. known as an LLSM. I've yeah. said it correctly one time. They will now call it LLSM. Uh, and this is for the hospital's neuroimaging lab. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're all familiar with microscopes, right? Like at some point in school, we've sure. looked at a hair under a microscope. This is yeah. obviously, I'm assuming, much more capable than that. Can you tell me a little bit about what an LLSM is and yeah. how it's used at St. Jude? Yeah, so modern microscopes are very different from the microscopes that uh, you or I sort of learned on in our eighth grade or you know, high school days. Uh, one thing that modern microscopes have in common with those, with those microscopes we used in the old days was that they have glass lenses. So that's still a functional part of the microscope, but uh, basically, uh, it's very different now. Um, so, for example, one of the things that, um, that you might have seen in an old-style microscope is that you looked into an eyepiece. Uh, now, microscopes are actually just very expensive and very fancy digital cameras. Uh, so, <laughs> it takes yeah. a picture. It's just like your cell phone, except, uh, you know, the camera on a, on a microscope probably costs $50,000. It's a very sophisticated camera. Uh, another thing that, um, you know, if you looked at the lattice light sheet microscope, you would actually think it's a piece of technology from Star Trek or Star Wars. It looks more like a physics project than a microscope. Uh, you can actually see laser beams, uh, you know, going through various parts of the optical path. Uh, of course, it's shielded so that you're not going to get, uh, you know, a laser beam affecting your eye or something like that. So that's very different. Uh, it's actually the microscope uh, lattice light sheet fits on uh, a five foot by six foot air table. So it's actually quite large. Uh, that's almost like two meters square uh, air table. Um, now the components of the microscope are, are of course very high tech. So have you heard of a spatial light, light modulator? Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll, I'll rephrase that question. Have you ever seen Top Gun uh, or yes. any other type of movie that has an air, uh, you know, an Air Force pilot? 
So, you know, when, when that, you know, there's usually these scenes where there's dog fights between the Air Force pilots, there's always that heads up display that sort of tells oh, them how right. many missiles they have and, yeah. you know, this is where the target is. Essentially, what the spatial light modulator is, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a chip, uh, just like a computer chip, that instead of making computations, what it does is it projects light. So in the case of the heads up display, uh, in a fighter pilot, uh, fighter, you know, a cockpit of a fighter plane, basically the heads up display creates the light that is the dashboard of the, of the airplane. Uh, in a microscope, what the, what the spatial light modulator does is it actually shapes light uh, in a very special way so that you can image smaller and smaller objects. Uh, and so it's, 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 a, it's a really interesting way to take what would normally be sort of a, bor a boring laser beam uh, and actually shape it in such a way that it can perform the functions of the microscope. Um, another thing that's, uh, that's different about microscopes today is that essentially microscopes are robots. So they're connected to a computer uh, and you can program exactly what you want the microscope to image and then automatically it will, it will basically do that. Uh, so every modern microscope, there's always a very powerful computer connected to it. Is the lattice light sheet a common tool? Like, is this something that exists in, in many places or is it a little bit more uh, like niche or peculiar? Yeah, it's, so it's a very specialized piece of equipment. Um, the first paper that described, this is a publication in a scientific journal that described a lattice light sheet microscope was in 2014. So that was the right. first generation lattice light sheet. Uh, and there's probably, I'd say, maybe like 50 of them uh, in the United States. So they've become more common uh, since 2014. The next generation- It's not a lot though. Like you yeah, it's, it's, not, common, it's not a lot yeah. of something. It's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, either you have to, you, in the case of the first generation and more so in the case of the second generation lattice light sheet, most people that try to, uh, try to use one of these microscopes, they have to actually assemble it by, from scratch. Uh, so you essentially get a design from the microscope inventor, uh, and it's very sophisticated. It has computer-aided designs where you actually can see the microscope in 3D uh, on your computer screen, and you, you physically have to assemble it. So it requires a lot of optics expertise uh, and actually a lot of electronics expertise uh, to, to you know, bring this instrument together. Uh, there are some that are sold commercially now, uh, and so there are some companies uh, like optics companies like Zeiss in Germany that are trying to make a, a very turnkey, uh, easily accessible version of te the technology. But, you know, that's still probably, you know, another year away. So if you, if you want to use one of these instruments, you need to have some, you know, you not only need to have the capital uh, money to actually buy, purchase the components, of, the components of the instrument, but you need someone who has the expertise in optics to put it together. Wow. Can, can you give me an example of what you and your colleagues hope to answer with the LLSM? Like what, what kind of challenges are sure. you hoping to point out? Yeah, so the, the advantages of the lattice light sheet microscope uh, are, uh, are threefold. So uh, because of that spatial light, light modulator chip that I talked about, um, you can actually um, expose cells to very little light when you image them. And so that helps them uh, you know, essentially stay alive. Light is toxic uh, to isolated cells or tissues. Um, 
the spatial light modulator chip also can change the, the sort of essentially change the pattern of light very quickly. And that eventually means that you can, it, you can capture exceptionally dynamic events. So you're not only looking at microscopic events, you're not only keeping cells alive uh, because of the, the light dose, but you can capture very, very dynamic things that are happening in cells. So one of the things that we're using it for uh, is that during that maturation process, it turns out that neurons actually reorganize the DNA in their nucleus. So essentially they pack and, and unpack genes that allow them to mature. And so we're using a variety of special dyes and uh, let's say fluorescent probes to highlight different parts of the genome inside the, inside the nucleus of the cell. And so we're, we're, we're actually using the lattice light sheet to see in live neurons that are undergoing the maturation process, how quickly they can pack and repack genes uh, in order to make sure that they have the appropriate genes turned on and off for their differentiation process. Wow, that's wild. So like it effectively lets you see how live cells are interacting right? Because yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. killing them off and it's, and it's mm -hmm. giving you detail into what they're doing, exactly. which I can imagine if you're trying to see like how mm -hmm. can a cell change and how can it mutate and, and how that can affect something. It's incredibly exactly. important because seeing yeah. a cell that's dead, maybe it just doesn't give you the information anymore. Exactly. Yeah. You can sort of think again, let's go back to, you know, a cell being a black box. We, we know what some of the parts are. We know that they have genes. We know that they're doing something. Um, but it's incredibly powerful to actually make a video of them doing that process with some of the pieces of the machinery inside the cell highlighted with those dyes. And so we can begin to piece together a narrative uh, and understand, you know, sort of deeply what the mechanisms that are happening uh, when the cells undergo various processes. So it's a really powerful approach. As a scientist, why do you choose to work at St. Jude? I mean, I'm sure that there are many institutions around the world that look for somebody who can do what you can do. Why are you at St. Jude? Well, there's a variety of reasons. So um, one, one of the first reasons is that uh, St. Jude has a very collaborative environment. So scientists work together uh, on, co on common or uh, interrelated problems. Uh, and, you know, actually, when I first came to St. Jude, I, I was, uh, I was a postdoc. This is the, you know, the, the degree that you get, the training you get after a PhD, but before you start your lab. Uh, and the place where I did my, that training, um, there was actually very little collaboration. Uh, and so when I first came to St. Jude, I was like, wait, these scientists are sharing with each other and they're talking with each other. This is like super. So that was one of my first impressions that you know, was, was really you know, impressive about St. Jude. Uh, another thing is, you know, clearly we're talking about uh, you know, dependency to do certain experiments, dependency on technology. And you know, St. Jude is very forward thinking in how it invests in technology and puts it into the hands of scientists. So that was, that was great as well. And I think the, the, the more impressive thing about St. Jude is that um, you really understand what your research is going for. So, um, you know, essentially, um, you know, basically patients, clinicians, and scientists, we all, share, we all share the same cafeteria. And so, you know, on a daily basis, we get to see patients and their families. Uh, and, you know, it really grounds you in understanding 
you know, this is what my research is going for. Um, that's not necessarily the case in like a typical academic institution where, you know, you're worrying, where's my next grant? Where's my next paper? Uh, you know, it, you know, having that immediacy of understanding your, you know, the impact of your research uh, was, was something that was really attractive to me. Yeah, I can imagine in a, in a, in a different environment that you are quite detached from the end result of the work that you're doing, like it's just sure. the work, but yeah. being able to be in that environment and seeing mm -hmm. how these advancements can actually help the people that are around you, I can yep. imagine is, is quite a sobering experience and, and one that is valuable. It is, it is. Yeah, I mean, most, if you're in, most of the time a scientist may think about the impact of their research when they're writing the first paragraph of their grant or their first paragraph of their, you know, their research paper. Uh, here we're, we 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 live it on, on a daily basis, which you know, I think science is really it's you know in the end it's a service it's a it's a service job. We are we are here to provide uh, you know provide society with a service of advancing knowledge, and so without having that immediacy, I think you can be very. Um, you know, just as you said, you can be isolated or not really know which, what the impact is. So we're here today to continue to try and raise more money for St. Jude. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like what do the donations of our viewers and, and mm -hmm. people that are out there in our audiences, how does that help advance your work? Sure. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give a very specific example. So, um, you know, clearly uh, scientists need tools to do their job. And in my case, the tool, the tool is microscopes, is, is very high level technology. The donations are absolutely instrumental for putting, the, for, for putting those tools in our hands. Uh, you know, if you, if you take your run of the mill microscope where you're just like looking at cells in a dish without any complications, uh, that's uh, that type of instrument will cost you know fifty or sixty thousand uh, dollars. A lattice light sheet instrument is something that you know co costs significantly more, like you know a mansion uh, to to actually be able to deploy that tool uh, for research. Um, another place where um, where uh, donations help us is actually expertise. So. Uh, many of the high level sort of skilled people that know how to build microscopes or know how to do very specialized techniques. Um, you know, most universities don't have the, the funds available uh, to keep those people employed. So, you know, essentially, um, you know, if you were to start, let's say a microscopy shared resource in an academic setting, um, you know, essentially you have to find the people that will work in the facility and you have to eventually, you know, figure out ways to uh, keep those people employed and you have to keep, you know, have to have appropriate amounts of equipment there. Uh, in St. Jude, we have obviously a very dependable sort of funding stream where, you know, we, if we set up a shared resource like for Lattice Lightsheet, um, in an academic institution, you know, what they'd immediately have to do is start charging money for the use of that instrument to essentially pay for the instrument and pay for the people that staff the instrument. And so to have a dependable funding stream from donations actually allows us to recruit very talented people uh, that actually can put these instruments together and keep them running. Um, and so that's something that's, uh, that, you know, that goes hand in hand, uh, the tools and the people that can operate the tools. 
So we have an audience um, of very technologically minded people who I'm sure having listened to this would actually like to learn more. Is there some way that you're able to direct people? Like if they want to follow what's going on in science and technology at St. Jude and that kind of stuff, where would you recommend that they go? Well, there's our St. Jude research Twitter feed um, that, uh, you know, basically if you, if you peruse that, Every time an interesting paper comes out, uh, that the, the, the social media department will, will communicate that to the world. I have, I have a Twitter feed if people are interested in neuronal migration. And, you know, I quite frequently post uh, when, when a new paper is going to come out from my lab or when we have sort of an exciting, uh, exciting advance. Dr. Slecky, thank you so much for your time and your work. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Pleasure talking to you as well. Hello. How's it going? Uh, yeah, good. It's a lot of balloons in here now. <laughs> I see that. Uh, how many are in there? How many? Uh-huh. Medina doesn't know. She's, she's checking. It's an unknown number. 605. Well, some... Oh, that's awesome. I have some names to read off. Okay. Uh, we have uh, Jeff and Ellen donating. Thank you very much. Asterisk Nation. I feel like people are just, again... I can't tell if they're trolling Casey or they love him. Maybe both. No, that this is the name I, I came up with it now. Asterisk Nation. That's what we call the Casey fans. Okay. Uh, Eric and Nick and Shelby and Gabriel and Mike, thank you all so much for donating. Uh, we are now officially ahead of where we were last year for the podcast-a-thon. Yeah, we have this raised more exciting. money during this year's podcast-a-thon than we raised during last year's podcast-a-thon. Which is incredible. Thank you all so much for joining us this evening. Uh, Mike, I really enjoyed the interview you just did. Uh, sometimes I have Thank experiences you. with people where I realize that they are much smarter than I am. And I had that while watching that. And so I'm sure, I'm sure you did too. But uh, tell us a little bit about the interview. Like, What did you walk away with that uh, is still sort of on your mind now several days later? Well, I think, this, well, one, there's technology out there in the world that I couldn't even fathom to understand. <laughs> um, Two, that the, the work that people like Dr. Selecki does is incredibly important, but also incredibly expensive. Mm. Um, you know, like you could kind of get a sense that maybe that like he, he was maybe even a little shy to say how much technology like that costs. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you got the idea of like, oh, people you can't even buy them built somebody has to come and build it for you oh, wow. uh, kind of suggests that this stuff is incredibly expensive um <laughs> but, and then the other thing just it's just like as i mentioned in the interview um just thinking about the fact that like your own brain can be the the catalyst for a cancer mm -hmm. makes sense when you say it but i'd never considered that before sure um, so understanding the science behind that and researching into it will hopefully continue to unlock more treatments, more cures, um, and, and more, more paths to cures. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you're back in balloon, balloon. I can't yep. say it, balloon room? Balloon. balloon. It's just balloon of an M on the end. Okay, so you're in balloon with the, an M on the end. Uh, I found... Uh, so we were sent a care package from our friends at St. Jude. 
and uh, yeah. included St. Jude balloons. That's exciting. So I, have, I have some St. Jude balloons. That's good. No. No, that's awesome. So you feel like you're up to your, you're, you're, you're past your knee a little bit, it looks like. Well, you see, this is the problem. For some mm-hmm. reason, the balloons move away from me. So uh, away mm-hmm. from me right now, they're up to my waist. But like over there. But right. when I go over here, they all move over over there. That is not a problem I anticipated before the podcastathon. No, no. Well, I mean, I don't really think it's something that you tend to think about. But but there are, <laughs> you know, <laughs> less safe to say there is a lot of balloons in here, my friend. Yeah, uh, they, as you can see. Yeah. Well, the uh, the Performa sixty four hundred is also filling up. We're about to the top of the window. Is uh, so fire. Can- no, no fire. Uh, so we will continue filling this up as the evening goes on. Uh, I need to catch up a little bit, so put some more, some more of these bouncy balls in here. I hope someone out there's watching was on the performer team and they're amused and not horrified at what I've done to their computer. Oh, I heard that. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> it was, it was very time. loud. It's scary every single time. <laughs> they do seem to go off randomly. Like it's never one that I've like. It's not like I step on it and it explodes. Right. It just tends to be one that's like near me. Is it? Are they like closer to the top or closer to the bottom? Or can you tell? I this is no important idea. information. I have no idea. Well, in case people want to replicate this at home. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Don't try this at home. No. Is what we're saying. <laughs> I will say. I, I said this to Adina during our break as we were filling up this room with more and more balloons. Absolutely no regrets. This is perfect. Like Good. the way that this whole balloon room has taken mm-hmm. shape. However, I am looking at it and thinking, how on earth do we get rid of these? I think you so, just have to give up on your lease and move your office. Yeah, you just have just to like, walk away. Just say, like, you remember that security deposit we paid? It's yours now. <laughs> uh, but also, there's 600 <laughs> balloons that you have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I kind of I had that thought. Uh, coming to campus like if something happens and all these bouncy balls are in my truck like i don't know what to do i just i just walk I, away I think you said to me you would just drive your car off the road and leave it um, yeah i just like leave it in the river so um so we are coming up on our next uh, facial hair milestone but a couple of fun things have happened so uh we have unlocked the the rest of the pokemon game with me you and vatici so we will do that we'll get that on the calendar um and at two hundred and eighty thousand. Uh, this will go away, thankfully. Uh, and, you know, it's the one time in my life where a mustache is an improvement. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, we're getting pretty close to that now, I think. So I, know, I feel like you're not aware of how good you look in a mustache. Mm. It's always an improvement because you look great in that mustache. So oh, thank I, you. I'm happy that once a year, at least, we get a mustache out of you. Mm-hmm. I did a mustache at first for a while in quarantine because I wasn't going anywhere, but I mm-hmm. like the mustache look. You know, so uh, so please donate, and we can get rid of this, and I can be uh, unlocked to my true form. I'm evolving like a Pokemon, like we learned earlier. Who knew Pikachu hey, evolved? Why don't um, before we move on to the next segment? Okay. Uh, why don't we give uh, some some uh, updates as to what else we've got throughout the evening? Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to the the table so I can look at my schedule okay, very carefully. Because we have we have some great uh, content. We even have, and we have some fantastic guests still lined up mm-hmm. um, for the rest. Oh, of the I have s- I have some good news. We have crossed two hundred eighty thousand. So I will be shaving 
whatever these are called. I'm getting rid of those. Unbelievable. I just want to say we're at $280,000 right now, which is unbelievable. Really is. We it's have so a goal awesome. This year, $315,000. That's the goal. It's not that far. How close can we get to that? I want to know. Got it. We're going to get close. Um, so we, uh, so up, up next on the schedule, if you wanted a schedule update, uh, we're going to show the rest of Jason's game, which I had uh, skimmed. Yeah, but I have, I didn't see all of it. So I was in the break room watching it and really enjoyed it. Um, and then, uh, I will talk with Christina Warren about some Mac stuff. And towards the end of the evening, We'll be joined by Quinn Rose, and we will take part in the second annual co-founder quiz, which we did last year at our fifth anniversary show in San Francisco. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't it. win. I didn't win. I lost. I think you have an unfair advantage this time. How is that? So it will, I think, be past midnight for me when the quiz begins. Hmm. It feels like an unfair advantage, is what I'm going to say. See. Well, I have my brain power and the brain power of a giant cardboard cut out of you. So I feel like I'm pretty good. It's a second, second advantage. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I'm going to go uh, get rid of the rest of this and just come back with a mustache. Uh, after I'm down to a mustache, you can vote with your donations, save or shave. And uh, I think save is going to overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly win. So uh, we are uh, we're coming right along, and uh, I think we're going to show the rest of Jason's game, and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. If you're just joining us, we're playing a dumb game, and our contestants are uh, finding things that begin with the letter S, and they have they have a very small amount of time to do that, and they're going to bring them back, and then we're going to judge have very small rooms in which to do how this many too. they can hold in their hands. Five, four, three. Okay, hands up. Hands up, everybody. Hold your stuff up in your hands. All right. Okay, Hold put them in the bowl. Up. All right, so this task is complete now. And just to point out some of the highlights that happened while uh, they were collecting, um, Betty provided us with 35 individual <laughs> socks. That's Yes, that is an odd number. It is. I don't know. There's always one missing. Uh, Flo provided us with 10 items. Shelly provided us with nine items. Um, David provided us with 10 smartphones and 184 <laughs> stickers, which he counted and, one, and stuck one to him. So I think this is pretty straightforward, Dan. David gets five. Betty gets four. Flo gets three. Shelly gets two. So, uh, Jason, would you like to know the scores? I would. I'd love to know the scores more than anything. Okay. Um, we've got... A, a cluster of three at the top, uh, and there is a fourth player as well. Uh, so Shelly has okay. seven points. Flo has 11 points. And then neck and neck for the lead. Betty has 13 points. But David Smith has 14 points <gasps> as of right now. Ooh. Ooh. All okay. Well, it's, a, it's, it's very exciting. It's and very in the end, David will be covered with 184 stickers. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's all part of this uh, the service that we provide to St. Jude. Dan, what's our next task? 
Well, shall I compare the next task to a summer's day, Jason? For it is not anything like that. But it is involving poetry. Ooh. And so we have enlisted our friend Simone de Rochefort from Rocket for a poetic task. Mm. As you may or may not know, poetry has a long history. It dates back to prehistoric times, and it has always been a vital part of human culture. Today, you are going to contribute to that legacy. Uh, I actually oh have a poem to read to you. I'll do it now. It's Relay it FM raising money for St. Jude. Somehow, game shows help. Now that's a haiku. I'm going to ask you to write a haiku for me about St. Jude. You have one minute to get your thoughts together, but you cannot look up anything about the rules of haiku. I don't know how syllables work. It's one of my like personal hangups, but I will do my best to. Then this is a particular hell for you, isn't this it? This <laughs> is particularly challenging. Yes. <laughs> I'm probably gonna get the um, wrong. <laughs> I forgot what it's called. <laughs> All right. Think about hospitals. Think about children. If I remember, uh, let me see if I remember seventh grade. This one. Okay, okay, this is the worst haiku ever. Hit me. Saving kids' lives is what they do. So many stories of recovery. Children need help. Relay is there with you. St. Jude is helping kids, so help us raise the funds. St. Jude is so great. It helps kids get better. Yay. I love it so much. All right. <laughs> wow. Poetry. Poetry. It's music to my Emotion. ears. Music to my ears. Jason, would you like to know a little bit about the form, the haiku that we uh, asked yes. them to write? Yes. Yes. It is a type of short form poetry originally from Japan. Traditionally, it consists of three phrases that contain a kiriji or cutting word, 17 on, which is a type of Japanese phoneme, I just knew that off the top of my head, in a five-syllable, seven-syllable, five-syllable pattern, and they generally have some form of seasonal reference in them. Uh, but of course, our panelists did not know that. <laughs> no, they didn't know that at all. I didn't now, learn you, that in seven. Did you count English. the syllables? Do you have syllable counts for me, Dan? I do have some syllable counts for you. Uh, Shelley had eight syllables, five syllables, and five more syllables. David went for a bold four-syllable, four-syllable, two-syllable, just a little zinger at the end there. <laughs> Flo had six syllables, three syllables, and three syllables. And Betty nailed it with five syllables, seven syllables, and five syllables. Yay! That's it. Modern that haikus season. and haikus written in English are often very widely, so I would say it's up to your discretion how uh, harsh or lenient you would like to be in this situation. Well, everybody knows that I'm very lenient. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Betty gets five points because she nailed it in all ways. I, I also want to highlight there, 
one of the keys of writing a haiku, which is adding in nonsense syllables, as she did in her second line when she just added, yay. <laughs> Plus, it was enthusiastic. I felt good about it. I love it. Uh, so Betty Betty gets five points. Um, Flo. So that's 17. Does anyone else have even close? I was trying to see if anybody else was even close to 17, the, the right number of syllables. Well, uh, uh, Shelly had 18 syllables. That's close. David had t- well. I mean, it's close if you, if if you count. <laughs> did I say closest to the right number of not. syllables? <laughs> you did not. That's when, fair. <laughs> I'm going to give Flo four points because Flo mentions Saint Jude, <laughs> which Shelley and David somehow neglected to do in their poetry about Saint Jude. David did point out the that children. children need help. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. I'm going to give Shelley three points because she came the closest in uh, actual syllable count, even though that's not a thing. David gets two points for showing up. Um, All right, let's move on to our next task, Dan. Well, Jason, it's another live task that's going to require them to do a little work in the place that they are right now. Mm. We would like you to find a cable. Any kind of cable. You have two minutes. The second longest cable among you will win okay your time starts now all right uh david what was your cable it is one of those uh I don't even know. It's an Apple power cable. This end goes into the the wall ward thing, and this end goes into the wall. Okay, and... Apple power cable. Uh, Dan, how long? Uh, David's cable was 74 inches long. Um, mm-hmm. The average man's thumb is 2.74 inches, so his was 27.007 thumbs. Excellent. Okay, great. Shelly, what was your cable? My cable, and I should preface this by saying that I have a giant cable box here in my office behind me, which my husband keeps telling me to empty. Uh, My cable is a 20-foot Ethernet cable. (gasps) (laughs) I'm going to lose, but it's the first thing I grab. (laughs) 20 feet, Jason. Uh, That is 1 15th, I believe, of a football field. So, okay. What is it in thumbs? Good. Who cares about thumbs? That's a a disturbing question to ask, David. Why would you ask that? Well, what what was your cable? (laughs) Um, it is this really cute hot pink USB Type C uh, zap cable that I got with my Magic Girl DSA uh, keycaps. Did you measure it like not extended, or did you stretch out the little curly part? I measured it not extended. I did not stretch out the curly end. Oh. I, All right, yeah, that's an interesting okay. strategy in cable uh-huh. length. Well, Dan, it's how long was that? Keeping in mind, Flo did measure this in paper. I did. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, Flo, Flo says that she measured it in at 74.5 inches, which I, is 27.18. I don't 27. know if the point point five is right. Just FYI. That's 27.189 <laughs> thumbs, Jason. Okay. So slightly more thumbs than David. More thumbs. And Betty, what was your cable? Uh, mine is a, I don't know what this is called, uh, audio mail cable. Yeah. Uh, An RCA <laughs> cable. That um from 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 this from a speaker um, speaker that's what it's called it starts with an s um mm-hmm. <laughs> wasn't in my hand it wasn't here. in your bowl no <laughs> no uh that's what it is 
Okay. And how long, Dan? Well, uh, it was 23.55% of uh, the distance from the home plate to the pitcher's mound, or 171 inches. 171 inches. So, um, by my calculations, that means Betty just won this task. That's because Shelly had the longest cable, and Betty had the second longest cable. (laughs) My my pleasure. Losing is what I do for the rest of you. (laughs) Shelly's 20 foot cable is 240 inches, followed by 171 for Betty, 74.5 inches for Flo, and 74 inches for David. All right, now I'm going to answer David's question about how the scoring works. Flo and Shelly get four points, and David gets three points. That's how this. That's how it works. And Betty, I went. I went out. I radiated out from the winner in both directions. What's our next task, Dan? Jason, coming up is a task. No, using. Nope, too late. I used the letter. Well, we'll, we'll let we'll let Rosemary Orchard, the host of Automators, explain exactly what they had to do on this one. <laughs> So I'm going to give you a quiz. Dramatic music. Okay. It's five questions, each of which is worth one point. Oh my gosh, okay. You must never use the letter E when answering. If oh you say God. a word <laughs> containing the letter E at any point, you will not get that point for that question. You must never use the letter E when answering. Okay. Like I, I can use E. You can't, I'm afraid. <laughs> if you say a word containing the letter E at any point, you don't get that point. Just, just to be clear, they, they were all asked five questions, the same five questions. And if the answer contained an E, it was invalid. Mm. So, uh, yeah, or let's invalid. take a look. Name a smartphone. Um. Samsung. Galaxy. Samsung. Samsung Galaxy S7. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. Next question. Identify a podcast hosted by John Syracuse. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't I don't know John's oeuvre very well. I can't wiki this, so I might have to pass. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I can think of two, but they have E's in them. Mm, well, there, there is another one. Robot or not? I want to say ATP. Okay, next up, you need to identify a or name a country in North America. Canada. 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 Identify the co-hosts of Connected. Uh, they're the founders. Mm. Darn it! I don't actually know the answer to this one. Mm. <laughs> V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Italian. I-S-M-H. Macfan. And I-M-Y-K. Facial hair. And your final question, if you're ready for it, is to name four vowels. A. 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 O. I. 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 U. O. 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 I. U. 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 A. 
I had to think Thank that. You. I had to go through the whole pattern in my head. <laughs> David, what's wrong with you and vowels? That's what I want to know. <laughs> They're hard. You t- everybody else did it in the, the, the normal way, and you kind of did it the hard way. You took I thought it, you were going to leave it at we. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we. Uh, so, so uh, David and Flo, you want to complain about Seven having two E's in it? Yes, because the official copy branding. editing and copy yeah. editing, the Galaxy S7 is the number seven. Yes, but the word seven has two E's in it. You see, that's the problem with that. <laughs> Uh, it's, a, my, it's a numeral. What it's if it the, wasn't the, another language? I should have replied. Another it's the language. numeral seven. The, David, There's no e in the numeral yours was seven. The most tragic because you had it. You literally you had it, and then you're like eh, seven. Um, <laughs> Dan, by my scoring, this is uh, four to Shelley, David, and Betty, and two to Flo. That seems right. All right, straightforward. Um. I think we have time for one last live task a live task all right well everybody get ready for the final task of the show it's another live task we would like you to find a song on a music music streaming service but not just any song we want you to find the longest song that you can and you will have 100 seconds in which to do that and your time will begin now. All right, uh, Dan, we, uh, we have some long, long songs here. These are the kinds of songs you, if you're a DJ in the 70s, you put this song on and you can go to the bathroom while it plays. <laughs> That's the kind of song, or maybe not, or maybe more. I don't know. It depends on how long these songs are. All right. Well, who would you like to start with? How about Shelly? What did Shelly get for us? Shelly picked Alice's Restaurant, which I believe mm-hmm. is, according to the, the Apple Music version I found, Alice's Restaurant Massacre. Is that right? Yeah, is that the I same? think so. Yeah. Okay. By Arlo Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, Sorry, I think your uh, mic cl- is off again, too. Oh, is Can't it? hear Shelly. I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. okay. Right. I, mumbled. Just thinking. I mumbled indistinctly. All right. All right, uh, which by my estimates, uh, or my, my Apple Music, was, is 18 minutes and 37 seconds. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Okay. Good job. That's that good. Is, you can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Except, you have to wait uh, 18 minutes for it. Another song, yeah. All right, what about Betty? Uh, Betty picked a, uh, a classic rock song, Pink Floyd, uh, mm. their song Dogs which is a hefty 17 minutes and five seconds, but not as long as Alice's Restaurant. Oh, so long, though. So long. How about Flo? Flo picked a song I had never heard of (laughs) uh, entitled Cemetery. Is that correct? Did I get the right one? By Strung Out? Yes. It is six minutes and six seconds. So, I don't know. I feel like that's a... um, It's a decent decent. That's what came first to mind. What can I say? And I, I, I'm afraid to ask, <laughs> David, what did David pick? Uh, Jason, I'm going to need a ruling on this one. Uh, I could not find this in Apple Music, but... Uh, oh, I did. did. I found it in Apple okay. Music. Okay. Okay. You want me uh, to say? It, it's, it's, called, it, it's called White Noise, Three Hours Long by White Noise <laughs> Therapy, and it is, in fact, three hours and 28 seconds hey, long. That's now, is, that a, is that a song? Is that a song, Jason? I mean, what about Spotify you calls it a song. It says one song in the album, and it's... <laughs> Three hours long. 
I'm I have that in my personal playlist. One. <laughs> it's a David, song. you couldn't go with just a flaming lips song. Come on. I should have gone. You with asked for the longest song. the longest song I could find in Spotify. That is the longest song I could find. I would argue it might be it might be noise. I don't know if it's a song. Hey, I mean, hey, somebody noise. Some people say some music is noise. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Well, David has made it really hard because I'm going to have to make a judgment here. Um, I'm going to give Shelly five points. I'm going to give Betty four points. And I'm going to give Flo three points and David gets two points. And that's me being nice because you really should have no points. But you know, I'll give you two points. for Because I love that you found a three-hour-long thing, even though I would not call it a song. So that's the last half. Spotify Dan, calls it a song. I mean, what? I- well, I don't listen to Spotify. I don't care what they have the to say. The <laughs> word is fine. I decide. And that sure. white noise, not a song. It's not a song. Okay. Dan, what are the final scores? Well, Jason, we ended up with a three, close three cluster at the end, the downside. Uh, Shelly had 23 points. Flo had 24 points. David had 25 points. But... Betty, with 31 points, has walked away with it all. Oh, my God. What do I get? It was the socks. Wow. (laughs) And you beat the guy with the stickers. Betty Chen, you get the glory of being the first and probably only ever winner (laughs) of Relay FM Hostmaster. Let's hear it for Betty. Yay! I get lots of stickers. That says Hostmaster. (laughs) David has Uh several hundred for you. (laughs) Get on. Have Have somebody make a nice drawing of you and send it. And I want to thank all of you for doing doing a large number of ridiculous tasks, both here and in advance. Thank you so much. Again, it's for charity. It's for charity. I assure you. It's for charity. charity. So thank you to Shelly and Betty and Flo and David. Congratulations to Betty. Uh, And thank you to Dan for being my assistant. Thank Thank you you so much, Dan. Thanks, Dan. And that's it for Relay FM. Hostmaster, I've been your host, Jason Snell. Thank you for watching. Good night. Good night. Welcome back to Balloon. Stjude.org slash relay. Uh, I want to extend a massive, massive thank you to Jason and Dan and Betty and Shelly and Underscore and Flo for putting their time in, as well as uh, all of our wonderful uh, guests, Simone uh, and Julia. Um, I, I feel like I'm forgetting someone. It makes me feel terrible. <laughs> I feel like there's there was one more person in the. Oh, Alex. Alex as well. How could I forget Alex? Thank you so much to everyone uh, who helped put that wonderful game show together. Um, I am here in Balloon. Uh, it is 645 balloons and it is 10 to midnight right now, which feels like the perfect time to be standing amongst a bunch of balloons. Uh, my partner in crime, Stephen Hackett, is nowhere to be found. Hello, That's Michael. Got... Hello. Hello. Okay. Hi. I'm here. So, uh, Underscore may not have won Hostmaster, but uh, I'm not sure if you're aware. He is viral on TikTok right now. I saw a tweet about that. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I guess Widget Smith has been picked up by the influencers. That is actually exactly what has happened, yes. That's cool. Uh, which is a very interesting thing to happen. There is a, 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 an individual on TikTok who is post u- using uh, Widget Smith to make their home screen look nicer. And uh, awesome. actually, they're very, they're very good videos, but they've been viewed millions upon millions of times, uh, oh. which is kind of incredible. So that's where Underscore is in his life right now. That is incredible. Uh, I should comment about this. I kind of got tired of feeling like you were looking over my shoulder. So I replaced you oh. with me. I just noticed that. Yeah. The thing is that me and you are similar enough uh, that it can be difficult to notice at first glance. Too uh, well, only go. one yeah. of us has a mustache. So there's that. Well, you, do you have a mustache right now? I've got to go yes, close to the monitor so I can see. Okay, so it's still there. Uh, it's there for now. Do you want to explain, uh, and I think we have a graphic to help explain how people can decide whether that thing's staying or is going to be shaved? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so when people donate, there'll be an option, uh, a poll where you can select your vote to save the mustache. So I keep it the rest of the month or shave, in which case it goes away at the end of the podcast-a-thon. Currently, shave has it by a pretty large margin. So if you are pro-mustache and you're tired of being put down, vote with your money. Save the mustache. And it's worth noting that I think it's every dollar is a vote. So if you're yes. super well, this camera is or super very against close it, to my face. No, that's good. That's good. That's good. Get it in there. If you're super the corner super against it, the more money you give, the more votes it equals. So say or shave, stjude.org slash relay. Oh. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael. So how many balloons are, are in your balloon? How many balloons? Six hundred and forty five, Stephen Hackett. Okay. Hey, you promised us a snow angel and balloons. How are you feeling about yeah. that doing that now? Uh, all right, hold on. I need to get rid of the microphone. So no, I okay. So I don't ever find it again. All right, so Mike is put down. Leg. He's working on putting down his microphone, and he's going to do a snow angel and the balloons. Honestly, who hasn't had this dream? All right. Fiddling with the tripod. This is going to be fantastic. I hope. I've really built this up in my mind over the last five hours. We will see. Oh, look at that. Oh, gosh. Oh, he's gone. Oh, that's very good. Stjude.org slash relay. Make Mike's dreams come true and help fight childhood cancer all with the same donation. Wow, he's really going for it. Hey, buddy. Uh, if you're out there, please send me gifts. This is of that. amazing. I need gifts. Why of am that. I not sitting down in here more? Yeah. It's going to hang out there. I think That's I fantastic. Am. Why don't you go talk to our next guest and I'll take a little nap in my balloon bed? Okay. I'm a little worried. You need some space around your face so you can breathe. Okay. I don't want you to suffocate in there. All right. Well, Mike's. Oh, no. He's gone. He's gone under. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to be uh, joined by a very special guest. Christina Warren is the co-host of Rocket here on Relay FM. Uh, I first heard of Christina many years ago when she was writing on the Apple Beat. I've always looked up to her. Uh, she's a real hero, a nerd journalism hero of mine. So I'm looking forward to talking 
Uh, with her, we're going to talk about the Mac. So that's why Mike is hiding. He doesn't like the Mac. He's an iPad boy. And, uh, oh, he's thinking, that really makes me nervous. Please don't go all the way under. Goodbye. Mike's gone. Uh, hey, Christina, how are you? How are you? I'm great. Oh, what I'm are you holding? I'm in a closet. Uh, I'm holding, because we're going to talk about the Mac. I'm, t- I'm holding an iMac pillow. That's very good. That's yeah. way softer than an actual iMac. It is. It is. I also have a Finder pillow. And uh, I have I have the whole collection, but these were just the ones that were near me. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I have a giant cardboard cutout of my own head. So I, got I love that it for me. I love it. Uh, um, also, I I, I, what's this? What's that? Oh, it's out of frame. I have a Performa sixty four hundred that I'm filling up with bouncy balls. See, perfect, perfect. And uh, I I just I don't I just donated a thousand dollars. Thank you. So that you can shave oh, yeah. the, the, the the mustache. Because- oh. You you voted for shave? Come on, I thought we were friends. Okay. Yeah, we are. We are. Oh, that's why. Oh, wow. See, well, I got to say, uh, save is making a comeback. So we'll just see how that goes. Okay. No, so no, no, shave, shave. Yeah, like get rid okay. of it. Oh, uh, yeah, but save is coming back. I want to save. Oh, it. So got I'm it. Team you save. want to save? Got it. Your yeah. team save. All right, fine. Team save. Uh, so it's an interesting time for the Mac, and I want to talk to you about that as a fellow long-term Mac uh, user and watcher. Yes. Uh, it feels like we're right on the edge of this big transition with Apple Silicon. The Intel era is closing. Uh, and I wanted to see what you were excited about, what you're looking forward to as Apple moves to this new architecture and this transition. Well, I mean, I'm the weirdo who just spent $5,000 on an <laughs> Intel Mac. So, you know, like... Uh, there's, there's every, yeah, there's, everybody's like, don't do it, don't do it. I'm like, no, but this will be the last one. And there might be some things that I don't know how long um, it'll be until I can do them. But putting that aside, I think really what's exciting about Apple Silicon is, you know, we saw a little bit this week at the you know iPad announcement, I think just thinking about the potential of how much power we might mm-hmm. be able to get in, in mobile devices and what type of battery life we might be able to get to is really exciting. and. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just really excited to see like what Apple's going to do with its own chips, and there are parts of me I'm not going to lie that are concerned and are sure. uh, a little bit worried about not not concerned with, about Apple's prowess or their ability, more about like how long is it going to take some of mm. our applications and some of our workflows to catch up. Mm-hmm. But I I think that uh, this is really exciting. I mean, really exciting stuff is happening with risk architecture in general. So. Um, I, I'm looking forward to potentially being able to have something that's like as powerful as an iMac, but in something that's as lightweight as a MacBook. Like you know, before they got rid of that, maybe they'll bring it back. So, yeah, that's exciting to me. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I should say the lights changed over my shoulder, so everybody noticed that. Uh, that is because it is now 6 p.m. Central, so we are working our way towards the end of the podcastathon. If you haven't given yet, now's a great time. StJude.org/relay. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the software, it, it's important because Apple doesn't control that, right? They can make the, the, the best ARM Mac, the best new notebook, whatever. But developers aren't there, that's a problem. And they, they have, of course, Rosetta, which they used uh, in the PowerPC to Intel transition. But part of this is things being left behind, right? It seems like running Windows through Boot Camp isn't at least available right now. Some developers won't make the jump. Um, and this comes on, what, two or three, I guess by the time it's out, maybe two to three years after Catalina killed a bunch of 32-bit software. Um, and I, I'm 
curious what you think about Apple sort of moving the ball forward so aggressively. They really seem to be pushing the Mac into the future with a really heavy fist behind it. Do you think that's the right call? It's 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 a it's always a tough um decision here, right? Because I think Apple is one of the few companies that can actually move things forward. And so in that sense, I actually think it's important that they do because when you are sort of beholden to always supporting legacy things, that can introduce a whole bunch of problems. Um, you know, Windows 10 is actually getting really, really good. But, you know, when it comes time for them to modernize certain parts of, of Windows 10, they have to almost like rip it out and like, add as like a secondary, you know, modular system back into it. Like the, they just recently released a, um, the, the Windows terminal, which is actually really fantastic, but it's a separate installation, uh, that, that you have to, that they have to add in because if they were to go back and update, you know, the, the command line and, and kind of like the built-in PowerShell tools that are a core part of Windows, nuclear reactors would break. So there's, <laughs> there's like a genuinely like that, that's actually right, like yeah. not a joke. And so, right. You know, so I think on on the one hand, um, there's something to be said about being able to continue to support things from the back from the past and letting both your users and your developers still rely on those tools and those applications. On the other hand, I do think that if you do actually want people to move forward, Apple is probably the only company that can really kind of force people to go in that direction. I think the challenge with Apple Silicon, and we just don't know enough right now, is are there going to be certain things in people's workflows? And I'm not just talking about bootcamp because I think that that people will, you know, find other ways around. But but for things like virtualization, things like Docker and containers and, sure. and various workflows for developers, I'm not really talking about end users so much here. If those things aren't there, I think that's a problem. Um, so, so part of me is kind of, you know, uh, it, it's a little bit of, I do think that uh, more and more people will, will catch up and will kind of follow Apple's lead. But I think the elephant in the room that we don't talk about are two things. One, obviously, the big push with uh, Apple Silicon and with Big Sur and, and going on beyond that is going to be the fact that you can very easily and seamlessly run an iOS app on your Mac and that the distinction between the two platforms is going to get even less clear. Right. Uh, but the second thing is, I think, the web, where increasingly that's where a lot of us do a lot of our work. And so... If the web, if we see that as kind of the, the central platform, that does raise some questions about like, well, how important is it for me to have a really great Mac experience if I just should focus on, on a web experience that'll work great on a Mac or on an iPad or on a phone or whatever. Uh, so, you know, I think that that's maybe the thing that if you go too fast, you risk having a bunch of software not show up because they choose to show up in other ways. You know, like the, I think the mm -hmm. worst case scenario, and I don't think this will happen, but I think like the worst case scenario would be you have some really great Mac apps and the developer doesn't want to go through the process of having to update it for Apple Silicon. They have uh, an iOS or, you know, an, an iPad app already that does most of the same things. And they just say, you know what? I have more users on that platform anyway. I'm just going to make that the one app. Right, that, and just move it over. Exactly, and I and I think that would be that would not be a great experience. That that's the worst case scenario. But I think the best case scenario would be you could potentially be bringing in new developers who've never thought about the Mac before and might actually start to develop and think about that, and maybe even decide that they want to have some like truly really great native experiences, or you know have people kind of reinvigorated again by by getting excited about the possibilities of what they might be able to do with you know what the new hardware allows for. So I think, yeah, go, I'll, I'll, I, I think it's good. All, all in all, I'm, I'm hopeful, I guess. 
Yeah, I am too. And I can't help but think bringing iPad apps and iPhone apps to these new Macs basically unaltered. I mean, we, you have Catalyst, which is you can kind of like tune them up and Macify them a little bit more, and that'll make them run on Intel. But I can't help but think that move is almost a move against the web coming in and taking over like native app development, where if they say, for those developers that maybe aren't even the case that you brought up, where they've got a kind of a Mac app that's sort of on its last legs and they just replace it. Right. There's going to be a lot of developers who they can target the Mac for the first time because they didn't learn the old ways compared to iOS of developing on top of uh, Mac OS 10 and then Mac OS. I've showed my age, Mac OS 10. But uh, so I do think like there's, there's some churn there maybe, uh, but I am uh, nervous about maybe what that user experience will be like, for, especially for iPhone apps. We just haven't yes. seen what that's going to look like. Is it going to be a bunch of like little rectangles? And like we just don't know. At least iPad apps will maybe, I think, feel a little bit better because yeah. they're built for a bigger screen. Yeah, like I think iPad apps will, will go over pretty seamlessly. iPhone, yeah, that's going to be really interesting to look at. And look, I've been I've been expecting this for years. I don't care how many times Apple says it won't happen. But just you look at Big Sur, you look at you know, potentially the different types of form factors they could bring out. Like a touchscreen Mac, Mac is coming. I, yeah. I, I don't care what anybody says, it's coming. And, and I honestly think that's the only way you can kind of bring some of those experiences over in a really good way. I don't think that just because, you know, the, the iPad has uh, a pointer support now, cursor support, whatever they call it, you know, that doesn't, that's not the same as, mm-hmm. as it's still a touch first device. And so those applications are still going to be touch first. And so, I, I I do actually, and and that's actually something I'm kind of excited about is as I'm excited to see what a touch Mac experience will be like. I don't think that it'll be the same as as other platforms that have gone in that direction. I think that Apple will do something different with it, but I, I fully expect it to happen. Um, I mean, the, the the size of the widgets and the icons and Big Sur yeah. alone. You know, yeah. I'm sorry, like it's perfectly time. It's perfectly sized to my finger. Mm-hmm. I just want to touch it on my on my iMac all the time. Yeah, there's a mile between every menu bar item on Pixar, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, I think you're totally right. I mean, people like to bring out that old quote that will say, you know, touch, your arm's going to fall off. Um, that was from a different era. Mm-hmm. And Apple already sells a computing device that that's how you operate. And the iPad yep. Pro with the, and now the iPad Air with the magic keyboards, like, these are the same mechanisms. I agree with you that maybe the approach will be different, but it's like Apple's already doing it. This isn't a bridge they haven't crossed yet. Right, right. And and Apple is very famous for going back on its word. You know, we'll the, the, never have you know a, a, an iPad you know mini, right? Never yeah. have, uh, never never get into you know the music business. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the iPad, the iPod wouldn't have video. You know, never get <laughs> yeah. into in, into phones. I mean. It, it it's wrong until it becomes right. And mm. I think that also we just have to face reality that most people now, their primary computing device is their phone. And so our primary way of interfacing with devices is through touch. And it, it would seem, you know, like short-sighted to me to not even consider a way how could we bring that experience to different types of screens too. It's it's sort of the cousin to the iPod halo effect where, hey, I've got an iPod. It's really cool when it's time to buy a notebook for college, maybe I'll go get an iBook because this iPod works really well and it'll yeah. kind of drive. It, it almost feels like they're trying that, but in a new way. It's like we have all this software, all these apps you really like. Let's uh, move them onto the Mac. And so if you go and buy a MacBook Air for college, 
you can have those experiences on all of your devices. Even if people like us, it isn't the experience maybe we would want or that we're used to. I kind of think we're, (laughs) we're in the minority of importance where Apple's looking at these other customers who say, you know, who are iPhone first, iPad first. And well, when you need something a bit more, because the Mac could do all of this stuff above iPhone and iPad apps, but this gets you in the door. I think that's going to be powerful for a lot of consumers. No, I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's, it's funny. So my mom, uh, who used to be completely tech phobic, like she used to be really afraid of technology. And now she's amazing with technology. And it started, honestly, with the iPad. Uh, she got mm-hmm. a MacBook Pro before she got the iPad. She got it in like December of 2009. Um, and um, uh, no, actually, she got it. She, no, she got the iPad first. And so I got her an iPad in, in August of 2010. So first year it was out. She still had a dumb phone. She still had a razor. She loved her iPad and it opened up a whole new world with her and it really got her comfortable mm-hmm. with computing. She then went to the Mac. She still prefers her iPad. She then got an iPhone. Now she has not just AirPods, but AirPods Pro. And she's she what she does is if she wakes up in the middle of the night and the battery is dead on her AirPods Pros, she'll just grab her AirPods so that she can continue to listen to a book. But it's changed her whole computing experience. Mm-hmm. She's one of those people who's come in through that way. And And whereas, you know, yeah, I do think people like you and I, are we're not really the focus and and i've had to become kind of okay with that you know and and i've had to kind of accept um or prepare myself for maybe this won't be the case but i've prepared myself for like the future of what the mac looks like is going to be different for me and the way that i use my mac is going to be different and i've had to become okay with that you know for for better or worse because i think that people like my mom and people like you know kids today who have never they don't know what not a touchscreen is you know Mm -hmm. they're, they're like they play with, you know, uh, video games and they, you know, interact with with all kinds of things going on at once. And they all, they've always had a phone. Um, this is going to be their entryway. And, and that's that's exciting to, to think about, too, because we've all got to evolve, even if it means people like you and I might not get as much attention as long as I still have a terminal. And as long yeah. as I can still have access to nerd out on things, even if it's not like super user like accessible, then I'm I'm OK. Uh, if, if, if they were to lock down, you know, Mac OS, the, the way that they've locked down iOS, it would be having a, a different conversation, but that's actually been the thing that's been encouraging to me about the, uh, you know, um, uh, developer, uh, uh, kit, you know, previews and the stuff that we've seen with the big Sur from WWDC is that it's like, yeah, they're not making it super easy to get information, but mm-hmm. it's also not as locked down as I thought it would be. And that actually is, is pretty reassuring for, for us geeks. Yeah, I don't envy trying to make that balance work, right? Of having people like us who are power users who want to get in deep and tinker with stuff and and honestly need to tinker with stuff for our workflows Mm -hmm. to work. I mean, just right now, this MacBook Pro is doing all sorts of crazy audio and video routing that I can do because I know how to get in there and like make stuff happen as as opposed to bringing these other apps. And Apple's got to find that balance. But I just find it so interesting that the Mac is sort of coming this way and the iPad is coming this way. The iPad becomes more powerful, more capable. The software becomes more complex. And maybe the Macs, like, they're moving to the middle. And I just sure. I just don't know what that means. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I to me, I've, I've it was funny. I, I Years ago, I'd kind of predicted. I was like, we're going to see the merger of, of iOS and, and, and macOS, and they're going to finally call it macOS 11. And sure enough, like, that's what Big Sur is going to be called under Apple Silicon. And, and I'm not claiming that it's a true merger. But yeah, I do think that there are very good questions about what is the difference between buying an iPad Pro and, and getting, you know, a MacBook 
Um, and I think that when Apple Silicon comes out, that's going to be even less clear. But again, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like it, it, it's it's difficult for people like us to adjust to things changing and we're curmudgeons and we're not the old people and we don't like change. But um, it doesn't mean that there aren't really cool things that could come out of it too. And what I hope happens is that the best parts of both can kind of, you know, evolve themselves. But yeah, I mean, the the line, it's so blurry. You know, I, at this point, I, I, you know, I'm in meetings a lot now. I'm working from home and I'm using my iPad increasingly, you know, as kind of like my my meetings and, and always on kind of video conferencing device. Like that's a really good use case for it. Whereas before that would be what I would use my laptop for. And and I'm doing other stuff on my laptop or on my iMac. Um, but, but I've got, you know, but my iPad with the magic uh, keyboard is is kind of set up as my as my meetings device and, and go-to communications tool. And honestly, even even a year ago, that really would not have been possible the way mm-hmm. that it is now. And which is great to think about that what might things be like a year from now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The magic keyboard is to change the game for a lot of people, I think, because it, it makes the iPad more of a traditional device. If you want it, you know, it's it's an yeah. op- it's an expensive option, but it's it's optional. Whereas some people just don't want a notebook, right? They don't want this. They want something that's more flexible and the iPad can meet those needs. Um, Orgina, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for supporting St. Jude. It's been a lot of fun to, to talk about Mac stuff. There's a lot of Mac stuff coming this year. Um, I was telling somebody the other day that in all this wildness with the events and everything, it's fun that we don't know what's happening and that we get to conjecture for a while. No, I agree. I'm I'm really glad that all the leakers and all like the the liars on Reddit have been so wrong because it reminds <laughs> me of like the time before everything was so like because we've known for a while now, right? Like it's it's kind of pat and I'm like, God, bring back the crazy Apple rumor stuff. That's actually sort of fun. Yeah. I, I kind of miss those days. So yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm excited to to see. I'm excited that we don't know what's going to be happening with the Mac for the rest of the year, but we know we're going to see a bunch of great stuff. Well, thank you for joining me. Thanks for thanks for having me and um, everyone everyone go to uh, go to uh, stjude.org slash relay is that the That's URL right. that is right, the URL go there, go there and and donate because this is a a, a great cause and um, uh, make sure that Stephen shaves that thing off his face oh come on yeah the the the, the votes are against me right now um, all right it was good seeing you thank good you good seeing you too bye bye all right so uh, I'm joined by my own giant cardboard head. And I think we're going to have uh, Mike Hurley come on and do a quick donation update. And then uh, we're going to wrap up the virtual tour. Oh, no. Hi. Where are you? Hi. Oh, my gosh. That's terrifying. <laughs> oh, hang on. Can hey. you hear the echo when I talk in here? Wait. <laughs> Hi. Oh, Hello. yeah. That's, that's wild. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How's it going? Uh, have you been in there the whole time? Did you get out? I don't want to say. Okay. Uh, well, look, we're at $290,000. Unbelievable. It's unreal. Uh, we are heading towards the end of the podcast-a-thon. We are. Uh, yeah. I'm going to put out a challenge. I want oh. us to hit the 315. And, uh, and maybe we just uh, really push people to that and just get this done what do you think we can do it we can totally do it that is a very bold challenge that's bolder than i thought you were gonna go yeah. uh but yeah so get out Pretty your big. wallets get out your credit cards go to stjude.org slash relay that's right donate right now let's do this thing do it all right so uh up next we have 
the final section of our virtual tour. And then we will have our co-founders quiz with Quinn Rose. Uh, well, Enrique, thank you for the tour. It How are we doing on Shave and Save? Hospital we haven't been in in a long time. And I think showing everybody watching why St. Jude is a special place is, is unique. I'm, I'm honored we got to do this today. Uh, as we said at the beginning, the four of us, our families, we've been friends for a long time. Our stories have intertwined for a long time. Um, and I'd love for y'all to share a little bit more about your journey. Yeah, no, thanks for having us. And, you know, thanks for letting us be a part of it. Uh, for the second year in the in a row, this is exciting uh, stuff. And you know, I have to say before we get started on sharing our story, that as a family, we're extremely proud of you guys uh, for doing this uh, because you know, not everybody uh, comes back and does successful big fundraisers like you have. You know, you don't. You're, we don't necessarily look at you as a patient family anymore, but we look at you as part <laughs> of the family uh, and. A make, being a major partner now of St. Jude and supporter, uh, well, essentially a donor. Yeah, I mean, that's thanks to all the Relay FM listeners out there. I mean, yes. it's it's y'all watching who make that possible. Like, I just, you know, I get the gold star from Enrique, but it's it, it belongs to everybody. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's awesome to everybody. Thank you guys all so much. But yeah, like you said, we actually met in 2009 when we uh, came to the hospital for the first time. Uh, in August of 2000, 2009. I don't think we met uh, too long after we got there. Um, but yeah, Ariana was actually three years old when we found out she had a brain tumor uh, while we were stationed in Japan, like I said, uh, just a little while ago. Um, but Leticia loves telling the story. So I'm going to let her kind of lead us in. Because uh, I, I do this all the time for work. So I love hearing Leticia talk and sharing our story. So I'm going to let now her do it. Now he's going to make me um, but yes, we did. We uh, started off in a, at a different hospital in Texas. And once we found out what type of cancer she had, uh, St. Jude was the leading um, hospital on that type of tumor, which was a typical teratoid rhabdoid tumor, AETRT. Um, it was one of the rarest uh, forms of childhood cancer at the time. It was seen 30 times in the world, about 30 times in the world. Also, a lot of times with brain tumors, the longer the name, the worse the diagnosis, right? Seems like. Fun fact. It um, gets more and more specific. It feels like it, yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember um, just the night before, just feeling, I was like, we have to get there, we have to get there. And so um, the next day we had a meeting with the doctors and I was like, I just, I wanna go to St. Jude. I appreciate everything you've done here but it's time for us to, to move on. Mm -hmm. And we got in our car. I didn't even know there was like an acceptance process or anything. Like I didn't know doctors had to like send referrals or I just started driving. I'm like, we'll camp out out front. We'll go through like the ER. They'll confirm there's a tumor and then they'll treat her. And on our way here, uh, Dr. Gajar was the person that I had read the most on who was the head of neurology and neuro-oncology uh, neuro and e-clinic. And so I, I was reading and reading and reading on it. My phone rang and they were like, can I speak to the parents of Ariana? And I was like, this is her mom. And it was Dr. Gajar. <laughs> and I literally, my mouth dropped and you would have thought it was like Brad Pitt calling our phone. I was so excited. <laughs> I was so excited. And we met him at the hospital that evening. Um, and it really did. It was um, intense in the beginning, 10 months of, treatment, high dose chemo. We, she did a bone marrow rescue of her own cells and um, it was 
a tiny little thing, but man, she was fierce the first time. Mm-hmm. And we, she was diagnosed uh, disease-free in March of 2010. And we went on our Make-A-Wish and celebrated her fourth birthday. We had just celebrated her third birthday in Disney, Japan. And so we celebrated <laughs> her fourth birthday at Disney Orlando. And unfortunately, 15 months later, uh, she, um, she relapsed. And there wasn't a drug at the time. And so she was given six months. And it really was a need for me to try and solve this puzzle that to me didn't make sense. And with me and the doctors and we, I researched everything we could and we found a new drug that we had to fight the FDA on and we mm-hmm. used it as compassionate use. And we were two years in and she was doing great. Um, but unfortunately we knew with this type of cancer that it, as soon as it got angry, it was going to go downhill real, real fast. Yeah. And they, it was February of 2014 when we did a scan and unfortunately they found um, 19 tumors between her brain and her spine. Um, it was, it was devastating. And not only was it devastating to us, but you could, it was devastating to our medical team. Um, they, they wanted, and I mean, we were all praying for a miracle and it just, unfortunately, our miracle came in the form of St. Jude gave us so much extra time. I remember my prayer was not when she was, um, first got diagnosed, not for her to be cured. Cause I thought she doesn't get cured. I'm going to be so angry. I'm going to walk around like such an, ang- I'm going to be such an angry person, but I prayed that that there would be enough time for my girls to get to know each other. My youngest was 18 months mm-hmm. and Anna was three. And I knew if she passed, we would only get to tell Livia about her sister. She wouldn't actually know her sister. And we got five years of not just, it wasn't just quantity. It was quality of life. Mm-hmm. My daughter lived more life in eight years than anyone could have ever. I mean, then most people get to live in 70 um, How many had, times did she go to Disney? Exactly. <laughs> she had been to Disney 11 times by the time yeah. she went to heaven. She went to, and she went to heaven 18 days <laughs> five to eight. So, yeah. Um, she, uh, yeah, so she went to Tokyo Disney three times. Uh, she went to Disney World seven times. And then she went to Disneyland once. Um, but they, uh, you know, St. Jude did everything that they could to, uh, give us time with her. And for that, we're forever Mm -hmm. thankful and feel, you know, indebted to St. Jude, uh, so much so that, you know, we, we still do so much for, you know, not for the hospital, but we do so much with the hospital uh, and with LSAC to ensure that we feel that we're doing everything we possibly can, uh, to make sure that no family ever feels what we have in losing our daughter. Um, you know, we, we, like Leticia said, you know, we came to, we came to St. Jude thinking that Ariana would never turn four. Uh, but thanks yeah, to yeah. St. Jude, we got her to almost eight. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not, even though I don't have her here to tell you, hey, she might be off to high school next year or what have she you. She would be. But she, uh, you know, we got, <laughs> we got eight year, we got five years that we wouldn't have got elsewhere. Uh, yeah, that's right. We're forever thankful. And we're, you know, we're thankful for the friendships that we did make while we were at St. Jude. We would have never met people like you, 
uh, which, you know, you guys are, you know, meeting St. Jude friends and St. Jude families are, you know. It's essential to survival. It is, but they're the best yeah. friends you never, ever thought you wanted. Uh, because, you know, they, under, they understand what it's like to be in those trenches and in those moments uh, where you're fighting for your kid's life. Uh, and, you know, you appreciate life a little more. And, you know, all of that's relatable. You know, if I tell you, if I tell you, hey, you know, or if you tell me, hey, you know, Josiah learned how to ride his bike or Josiah is running or whatever. We know, what, we know how hard it was for Josiah. You know what that means. Yeah. I know you what know that means. That. You know, where it's not just a normal kid. Uh, yeah. where, you know, he just jumped on a bike and did it. Like, it, it, we we understand the struggle it, it took to get there. So the mm -hmm. bond that St. Jude families have is uh, is an important bond that helps all families get through. Like I said, during the, the Target House tour, as, as a group of elephants, that they never leave each other behind. Mm -hmm. uh, even like us that have lost our kid, you guys are still here to provide support for us as friends and family to get everybody through together. And the hospital yeah. is still here. You know, her team is still here. I can, they, you know, they text us on her birthday and they get send us messages and, you know, they, they still love us and we still love them. We have, I think, grieving as parents, it's hard to not live with regret or, mm -hmm. or, you know, we should have done this. We could have done this. You know, we don't mm -hmm. have any of that. We knew we took her to the best place. We knew yeah. we got her the best care. And I think the most important thing out of our story is that it, it's not always a little girl who grows up and gets puts on a graduation gown and cap and graduates high school. You know, like I've said, sometimes it's a little bald baby that, you know, has to go back to heaven. And although curing 80% of cancer is amazing when you're part of that 20%, um, it's not enough. It's, it, it's, it's not. definitely not enough. And we, we can do better and we need to do better because my baby should be here. She should be driving me nuts and going to high school, you know, but we do, we appreciate and we still love and, and fight for the mission. Yeah. We love, you know, the, these opportunities where Ariana's legacy and memory gets to live on. And we appreciate everyone else who joins us. I mean, so appreciative. But with that, thank you guys thank again you so, so much, much for having us. Yeah. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you for letting your family. us. Thank you for letting us share Ariana's story once again. Yeah. And uh, we look forward to when we can actually get together and I can give Josiah a yes. few left-handed fist bumps. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Love y'all. Thanks, guys. Have a, Have a good week. See you soon. All right. Hello and welcome back. Mike, you're not in the balloon room. Oh, cannot hear Mike. I was muted. Hello. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Sorry to scare everybody there. <laughs> All to right, be so... fair, every time <laughs> I've been off the screen, I have hard muted myself. And this is the first time that we'd forgotten to undo it. So I think that's pretty, yeah. pretty decent. Well, it's getting late. Uh, we have crossed $293,000 to get 293701 Super exciting. Uh, we do have a segment that I've been thinking about all day. Uh, we're going to be joined by our friend Quinn Rose, and she's going to judge between the two of us.
Hey, Quinn. Hello, how are you? Hi, hi, Quinn. Tired and excited. Uh, yeah. Looking forward yeah. to this segment. I took my uh, jacket off because this is war between me and Michael. Oh, yes. Ready? Well, so before I get into our trivia round we're about to do here, I do have to say a huge thank you to Brian Hamilton, who co-wrote all these questions with me, and to tell you all that this morning when we were finalizing the questions, we were like, they're going to be doing this at the end of a six-hour stream, so maybe we should make some mm-hmm. of these slightly easier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for uh, that, as the loser last time. And I would like to just... Didn't. Uh, no. This is my trophy that I won the oh. first time we played this. This is my trophy that I secured that evening. Wait. Wow. I have one too. <laughs> yep. I didn't plan this. I just have that right next to me. Um, <laughs> sorry, Steven. I've got this trophy. This isn't from that event. This is from a, something else, but I do have a trophy here. That's beautiful. You're, it's so close. Thank you. Uh, wow. Well, that's harsh. I have prepared, um, well, Brian and I have prepared a series of really FM themed trivia questions for you. Pay no attention to the shared screen portion of this. That'll be happening a little later. Um, But first, we have a section based on numbers um, and a huge shout out to listener Lucas um, for compiling the data on these was a huge help in getting all of these. Um, Last year at the five year anniversary live show in San Francisco, you guys did your previous round of Founders Trivia and there were some questions based on uh, the number of episodes and content that Really FM has produced. And so we're going to be revisiting those some of those today. Um, Now, How we're going to do this also is we're both of you are going to answer every question, but we're going to ping pong back and forth on who answers first. Mike is last year's winner. I'm going to have you start with the first question. So I'll ask the question. And whenever you're ready, sorry, Stephen, whenever you're ready, um, you can just say your answer. Then Stephen will answer. We would keep doing the same going back and forth each time. Okay. So uh, with question number one, last year um, at that trivia round, Relay FM in the entire CMS had produced 4,550 episodes. How many are there now? This is about 13 months later. It was how many? It was 4,550. Um, Can we ask clarifying questions? Sure. Are, oh, it's turning red. <laughs> 30 minutes to go. Uh, are you including membership shows or just like public feeds? Um, I believe this is including all bonus content as well. Hmm. All right. I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with 5,650. All right, Stephen, your guess. Hmm. I think with the membership stuff, it's higher than that. I'm going to go with. And even 6,000. Both are very good guesses. Mike was actually correct. It is 5,344. So first point goes to Mike. (laughs) Thank Um, you. Now, of course, after that, we have the number of days of audio hosted on Relay. So last year, this was 196 <laughs> days. You remember, may remember this from the time that Mike guessed that Relay FM had produced approximately 6,000 days of content. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But that was my favorite quiz. thing of the whole year. <laughs> I was wondering how long into this quiz would it be before that was brought up, and the answer was not very long at all. Question mm-hmm. number two, got to get it right out there. But like I said, last year it was 196 days. Um, so, of course, how many days is it now? So Stephen will go first on this one. It was 196 days? Yeah. I'm going to go with 220. All right. Mike? 230. Damn. So the correct answer is 232. So Mike also <laughs> takes that one. That was really close. You've redeemed yourself. Come on. <laughs> I, this was the question that I was the most nervous about. Oh, did you do the math ahead of time? No, just be, I hadn't thought of it. But as you were saying, I really didn't want to be her, her hilariously uh, off base. I will say just for the record, same as last time, I did no pre-preparation no. of any kind for this quiz. Good. good. Clearly, I, I didn't either. Well, so plenty of questions to go. Um, a couple more numerical questions. Um, so these questions are going to be not including um, any like legacy content that was imported into the CMS um, or any bonus content. These are just active public shows that have been produced since Relay was Relay. <laughs> How many episodes of Relay FM has Mike been on? And Mike will guess first for this one. I'm actually really excited to find out the answer to this question. Um... Hmm. I believe this is up to date as of yesterday. So nice. Okay, I'm gonna go with hmm. one thousand seven hundred. All right, Stephen, your guess. I'm going to pull what they call in the industry a Hurley, and I'm going to guess 1,800. And that would be the correct instinct is 1,846. Boom. Wow, look at me. I'm prolific. Take that, Mike. That's still a win for me. You are quite prolific. That includes 48 guest appearances, by the way. Um, But however Hmm. many hosting appearances, which is a lot. (laughs) Now, of course, next question. How many Relay episodes has Steven been on? So Mike was 18-something. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely less than that. But I don't know if it's too much less than that now. Three or four years ago, there was a bigger gap, I think. I'm going to go with 1350. All right, Mike, your guess? Okay, Uh, Mike has taken this one, actually. It is 1,066. We're catching up to him. You're slacking. You're slacking. Wow. I will say what's interesting is this includes 83 guest spots, so Stephen is more generous with his guesting time while Mike is too busy hosting. That's right, Mike. Right, but look how many shows I'm doing. I ain't got time for guesting. (laughs) Where am I going to find time for guesting? You were full-time in the business a year before me, so. I had no time for guesting then either. (laughs) Apparently not. (laughs) Well, it's well known that Real FM is an international podcast network. Um, 
And I want to know how many countries do Relay FM hosts currently live in? Who's answering this one first? Is it me? Uh, you are, yes. How many countries? Mm-hmm. So you just have to guess the number. Um, and if you both get the number correct, I'll make you guess all the countries, I guess. <laughs> all right. Um, nine. All right, Stephen? You said active hosts. Yeah, active hosts. Six. Stephen got it right on the money. Oh, nice. Nice. Counting Did in you my work head. That one out in your head. I Did was you counting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to, but realized it would just result in a lot of dead ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, of course, right. have a lot of different hosts in the United States, the United Kingdom. Um, we also have hosts in Canada with my co-host, Betty Chen, um, Australia with Russell Ivanovic, Julia Scott's in Sweden, and of course, Federico Vatici is in Italy. Now, last numerically based question. Um, a lot of people on Really FM host more than one show, uh, like both of you. <laughs> but if there were no <laughs> repeat hosts on the network, how many hosts would there be on all active shows? So what I mean by that is if you take the shows Ungenious and Connected, wow. I would count as five separate hosts rather than just three people. This is going to be uh, Stephen's first guess on how many people total. So, so how you, many, I want to just clarify this, how many, if we imagine that nobody hosts more than one show, and so therefore everyone who's doubled up their hosting is replaced by somebody else, how many people would there then be? Yes. Okay. So to get this right, you have to know a lot of things. You have to know what each of those figures are and then figure out the relationship. Gosh. Well, there's... I think 47 people in Slack. Yeah, but not everyone's a host. But not everyone's a host. I mean, I can like just make up. I'm just going to make up a number. I'm going to say 25. I have no idea. I'm just going to throw 25 out there. All right. Well, that wasn't. That was a bad guess you just made, my friend. We have over was 25 it? active shows. Oh, did I do it backwards? Yeah, you hey, did it backwards. I think you pulled a mic there. Oh, no. You just got... You just got hit by the 6,000 problem, my friend. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 55. All right. Uh, I'm sorry, Stephen. Mike is very close. It is 59. So that yeah, is... Yeah, you just pulled a 6,000. That's the end of round one. Um, Mike got four of those and Stephen got two. Mike is pulling ahead, but there are still a few rounds to go. So don't worry, Stephen. Okay. Oh, I'm worried. I've lost every game we've played today, so... Well, Before we continue with the next round, uh, yes. we are at 297,224 oh, yeah. dollars raised for St. Jude. If you are watching and enjoying this now, go to stjude.org/relay. You can tell that it's 20 to 1 in the morning because I just forgot the URL and I have to <laughs> really think about that. I'm only quiz. My brain is 100% on quiz right now. No, oh, that's good. Uh, I rang the bell and the sound guy jumped out of his seat. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's awesome. Let's, uh, yeah, that's right. Let's, let's keep making our way to 315. I'm ready for round two. I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back in this round. All right. Uh, round two is a series of quotes. So I'm going to read to you a quote that someone said on a Real AFM show and then give you options of three different hosts and you have to guess which one of it it is. 
Um, so we're back to Mike starting. Our first quote is, I'm moving, and this means there are many, many things I can automate. Unfortunately, I have not yet figured out the perfect automated solution for boxes disappearing from here and reappearing at the next location. Who said this? Was it Rosemary Orchard, David Sparks, or Micah Sargent? Rosemary. David, your guess? I, I would agree. I would say Rosemary. You know what? I tried to do something and it didn't work. So that's okay. You are correct. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) So you both got a point there. Um, (laughs) Did we break you for a second then? (laughs) Well, I had a very clever thing to do, which was to play the clip for you. And then it didn't play. Mm. So I was just sitting here staring at you. (laughs) 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 Uh, So that's good. That's what I want to happen. All right. (laughs) <laughs> moving on uh next quote sorry for the spoilers but i'm sticking with a 12.9 inch so that was that said by katie floyd federico vatici or david sparks it could be federico or david but i think i'm gonna go with david all right mike your guess Federico. That is Federico. That's I remember him saying it. 24. <laughs> yep, I remember it. All right. Did I ever tell you about the time I landed in America and a bunch of people started singing a song about Texas? Was this said by Federico Vitici, Matt Alexander, or Julia Scott? Mm. Who's going first? Is it me this time? This is you, yeah. Julia Scott. All right. Steven, your guess? Uh, I'm going to go with Julia as well. I'm in agreement. I was actually Matt Alexander. Oh, <laughs> that Matt. Is, that's it. I, I thought, wish I had I the thought clips it might be too in, easy. In the clip, you can hear Mike softly singing in the background, and I don't know what you're singing. It's really, you can't tell, but it's very funny. Oh. Uh, all right. <laughs> Next quote. Taylor Swift, my queen who I love more than anything, can never leave Australia, basically. Now, is this Christina Warren, Micah Sargent, or Brad Dowdy? I'm going to say... Uh, first this time? Oh, Stephen, sorry. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with Brad. All right, Mike? Okay, as much as I would love Brad to have said that, and would 100% remember if he had. I'm going to go with Christina. That was Christina. Uh, that is from a classic episode of Rocket when she explained the entire Taylor Swift-Kanye feud. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. And last quote from this round. I always set my Siri to be the British male voice because I kind of think I'm bossing around a sexy butler or a young Alfred. Is this Matt Alexander, Tiff Armit, or Alex Cox? I think it was me. That's my quote. Uh, <laughs> mm. Who's first? Sorry, Green, you're going to have to keep reminding me. I can't keep track of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike, this is yours. Yeah. 
I am going to go with Alex Cox. Steven? Can I hear the quote again? I always set my Siri to be the British male voice because I kind of think I'm bossing around a sexy butler or a young Alfred. I'm going to go with Alex. You would both be correct. <laughs> All right. Did pretty well in the quote round. Um, Unfortunately, Stephen, Mike is still pulling ahead of you. Now we have Mike with eight and Stephen with four. We have one last quick round to get through. Um, and I have collected a small assortment of home screens by hosts of different Relay FM shows. I'm going to show them to you oh now. Oh my God, this is so good. And have you guessed Okay, do I need to? This is the screen sharing, right? Yes. Uh, um, so can you. See a home What's screen? going on over there, man? I have the the Mac is far away, and I have to 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 mm. press a button to start the screen sharing. Mm. Okay. Are you guys seeing that? Yeah, it's very tiny on the desk. Oh, please. Yeah, I I definitely have the edge on this one because my screen yeah, is bigger than Steven's. It's this big. Let's see if I can make that bigger and not hang up the entire podcastathon. Hmm. Okay, I think I know who this is. Okay. Wow. I believe this is Steven's go first. So are you able to see it, Steven? Yeah, I see it. All right, do you have a guess? Uh, it is under, it's underscore David Smith. Mike? It's underscore, or underscore's biggest fan. <laughs> Yes, you both got it. This is underscores. Okay. All right. Moving right along. Uh, whose home screen is this? This is Mike's guess first. Uh, Ryan. Ryan Christopher. Steven? Uh, I'm going to say Mike Schmitz. And Steven would be correct there. This is Mike Schmitz, and it's beautiful. <laughs> It is beautiful. Yeah, Mike's got a good. That's a good aesthetic on the home screen. There, mm-hmm. a lot of pages though. So, yeah. Well, well now in fourteen, like you can that. just have an app library. Mm. Yeah, and these are from last week, so they're not all on iOS fourteen. More on iOS at all? Who's do you think this this one is? Stephen's going first this time. Um. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I am. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna say it's flows. Yeah, it's, right, it's flow. Yes, flow, you both got flow. it. This is flow ions. Mm-hmm. Who do you think this very annoying home screen belongs to? <laughs> I know exactly who it is. Mike, do you have a guess? Um. Oh my god. Is it? Casey Liss. Steven? It is Casey Liss. This is Casey Liss with that one Casey bonus app. doesn't have any of his own apps that he makes on his own home screen. Sounds about right. <laughs> but, Kate, but like I could tell because any list, Google Photos, mm-hmm. like Banktivity, that, that's, and GIF Wrap, that's Casey all up and down. Yep, and Spotify. And actually recognize the wallpaper because I think he's used the same iPhone wallpaper forever. Wow. 
right? So we've got two more. We're at two. Sorry, just to just to break in, Quinn. Sorry, we're at two hundred ninety nine thousand two hundred seventy five dollars and sixty eight cents raised right now. We're so close to three hundred thousand. So go to stjude.org slash relay right now. Get your donation in, please. All right, we got two more of these home screens to finish out this game. Uh, now, who do you think this one is? And again, this is from a little while ago. So this is someone who's on the beta, which I found very interesting. Hmm. This one's much more perplexing to me. Yeah, there's streaks and card hop and carrot weather and fantastical. Who's going first on this one? Um. Steven is. Hmm. I'm going to say Micah Sargent. All right, Mike, your guess? Rosemary Orchard. Mike, you've got it. This is Rosemary's. All right. I don't know how I knew that. Oh. Steven, would you like to know how I knew? Sure. Rub it in. Airmail. Rosemary's the only person that I know that still uses airmail, which I know from your podcast. Uh, and uh, what and launch cuts that just feels like a very rosemary app. Very astute. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Someone donated commenting on Casey's home screen. <laughs> really? <laughs> what does it say? Just oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> we hit it. Three hundred thousand. Three hundred thousand. Boom. Yes. God. That is awesome. Unbelievable. Wow. It's a party in here. Wow. $300,000. I'm blown away. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As a reward for $300,000, you've got one last home screen to look at, and it's this. Oh, my God. (laughs) Who do you Uh, think this belongs to? Um, Mike guessing first here. I'm guessing first. Uh, whistle. That. Uh, oh man, I do not know. Like, there are things that are kind of giving it away, but then I look at other things and it doesn't make any sense based on the person that I thought it would be. Because it's Twitterific, which made me think Jason, but I know Jason uses Fantastical, so that's not Jason. Uh, oh my god. Instapaper, Kindle, and it's just a black wallpaper. I cannot nail this one down. Oh, boy. It's the 11 screens that really get me, the 11 pages. Yeah, that this hurts. person has calendar, calendar and calendars. Why do they need two calendars? Didn't even notice that. Oh boy! Uh, Mom, man, put a name is down. It Merlin? No, it's not. I said it, but I don't know who it is. So I'm just gonna stick with that. All right, Stephen, do you have a guess? Hmm. Merlin was kind of my guess because it's, he seems like the type of person to have two calendar apps. Yeah. I think it, but I think Instagram. Uses, yeah, yeah, and Tweetbot. I think he uses Tweetbot. Yeah. Um, I think he uses the official app. I think he's an official app user. I'm going to say Dan Morin. This is the home screen of John Syracuse. No. John. What? 
John. What? 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 Yeah. No. Come on, John. What are you doing? Photos and Google Photos. Mm, That's it. That should have been it. Photos in the dock should have told us it was Syracuse. Yeah, but though, but then, but like, look at this thing, right? That's yeah. I would never guess this was John Syracuse. He has hmm. Kindle on his home screen. How much is he reading? <laughs> right, I on assume his phone. it's some kind of dog thing. Then let's see. He has maps and Google Maps on his home screen. This is just just examine John Syracuse's apps because yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right, settling everyone. We have another hour now. Yeah. What is going on here? So he has camera and photos and Google Photos and calendars and calendar contacts. Who needs their contacts that badly? This is bananas. I can't look at this anymore, Quinn. What is going on? That's amazing. I can't oh. believe that. With all of that, um, Mike, of course, has come out as the winner for the second year in a row. The reigning. Don't say, of course. You don't have to say, of course. I'm sorry. He was ahead the whole game and he stayed ahead. <laughs> Mike, I got you this trophy. You're holding it right now. Um, Steven, <laughs> I believe in you. Third year is going to be your year. Thank you. Uh, but I think you're fired from doing these quizzes. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> nope. Quinn, you're rehired. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> thank you both so much for having me. And thanks, everyone, for donating. Thank you. Thank you, Quinn. Thank you, Quinn, thank you for that. That was incredible. I think it was especially incredible. Thank you. I'm sure you do. All right, Mike, I think uh, it's time to finish filling up the Performa. What do you think? I would love to see that. So I'm going to go over there. And uh, How do you feel, by the way? We moved away quite quick from your crushing defeat. How did you feel? How do you I don't feel want. About it? We don't have to talk about that. We don't have to talk about. I mean, no, we don't have to talk about it. But like, I think we should. No, the the Pokemon game basically took all of my spirit out of my body. So this can is we fine. can we talk about John Syracuse's home screen again? Yeah. <laughs> why does he have so many thing? calendars? <laughs> I don't know what's he doing. Maybe, Wait, I know. Like, yeah. Maybe hmm. one of them is like all of his work stuff and one's personal stuff, but still. That was my thought. Or uh, I know he uses Gmail and maybe he also uses iCloud for like family stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's work and personal. That makes more sense to me. But there wasn't two email apps though, you know? Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's very confusing. It's not what I expected at all. And I feel sorry. I should... Uh, I should I should look in the camera directly and apologize, Dan Morin. I'm sorry that I thought that whatever that was was your home screen. Please forgive At me. At least I immediately rescinded. Uh, I I guessed Merlin because I know Merlin is like a million screen person. You know? mm-hmm. Um, but I immediately realized my mistake. We're at three hundred and two thousand dollars now. Let's just keep this party going. We're thirteen thousand dollars away from meeting our goal. Um, I mean. I, I don't would say know if we're going to get there, but I yeah. really want to. We're going to get there. There's no I mean, one yelling in my ear sure. telling me we have to end. So I think we just keep going. That's true. There's, we're getting a really good shot of these. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Our producer is just walking out the door angry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have a broom. Just, I think we have a thumbs really up from everybody. Me. So we're just going to keep rolling for a little while. We'll see what happens. See how, see how far we can go. 
Yeah. Sensor.org slash relay. Go slash there right relay. now. Even almost, if you've already given almost out of bouncy balls. a little bit more. Like if you can find a little bit more. Right. Mike, do you have a favorite color bouncy ball? I could mail one to you. I don't know. Maybe. Do you have an like an orange yeah. one? There's an There's orange a, one right it's there. Kind of orange and yellow. Yeah, I'll take one of those. Do you want me to okay. mail you a balloon? <laughs> 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 yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, I tell you what, let's um, let's uh, see another patient story, and uh, maybe you can go find something with some caffeine in it, and we just uh, see where the night takes us. Oh, I've already, I've, I already slammed you can, this Red Bull, but like you can have some more. Time being, how I, fast I is your heart rate? <laughs> are you are you gonna have a heart attack? <laughs> I'm not wearing my Apple Watch, so it's perfectly mm. fine. For, yeah, then yeah, if it's not on a sensor, nobody knows. So, exactly. um, so yeah, let's see a patient story, and we'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs> Keegan is a little ball of fire and the fire comes out the top of her head with her red hair. She just loves life. She was barely a year old, and each night she would wake up and she would be screaming in pain. So I would ask her, what is wrong? And all she would do is just pat her leg. And after six months, and it was 18 doctor's visits, um, she was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. The main thing that I wanted to know was, is this cancer curable? And is she gonna survive? Keegan, in the very beginning, she was weak, she was tired, she was sick of feeling the pain that she was feeling. It's awful to see a child go through it. I remember when Keegan had been through four weeks of treatment. Keegan's oncologist told us that any adult would have already given up, but Keegan hadn't. She just fought right through it. When you're given a childhood cancer diagnosis, hope is lacking. Oh. But coming to St. Jude, they were my foundation for getting my hope back and knowing that Keegan was going to be okay. Seeing the transformation of Keegan over the last two years has been such a joy to see from the very beginning where she was pushing around a little stroller with her fluids in it. (laughs) Now she is the child that's running the halls laughing and just having a blast. She puts a smile on and As long as she's got her princess shoes or her princess dress, she can face the world and show everybody else what true strength is.
I was one of the best players in my class. I was playing at the top level. I was on my way up. But my basketball dreams shattered. I was just out of it. Dark circles all around my eyes. I just looked bad and I really felt bad. My mom took me to my doctor. Then my mom is kind of worried, so she goes out and talks to my doctor while I'm laying down on the bed. And when I wake up, we're at the gates of St. Jude. I see blue sheets on my bed. Two people walk in with white coats. He said, you've been diagnosed with uh, leukemia. My heart just kind of just broke. I was like, okay, it's serious. I, I was groomed for basketball. Like, that that was me. It always came back to basketball. But the only question I asked was, how can I get better? What's the treatment? And how long will it take? You can't put any weight on it? I met Hannah through St. Jude, who were both patients. She kind of introduced music to me on a different level from what I was doing. Somebody in the team room asked me, was I going to do anything for the team or so? And Hannah just came in out of nowhere, like, he's going to rap. Oh, yeah, and he's going to rap. And I never really did anything like that before with, like, an original beat or anything like that. Everything I was feeling, how I felt, I, I just put all my emotions into that paper. So I, I couldn't keep it in. It was kind of like a coping mechanism for me. It was good for me to put it out there. See lit the flame to start. Chemo was taking my hair like a blow in the wind. I was trying to hold on to it, but I felt in the end. Now I'm feeling hurt in the need of a friend. Cause I was very low, self-esteem was out the door. My beanie covered everything that I hated to show. A victim forevermore. It really hurt my soul, my scars and all my pain. Just bury them and move on and you. Help me do it, hide all of my insecurities. It's not so much I want to, but I need to. Only peace for me. Hide me from the people, please. Hide me from myself, please. Just let me watch my TV. Just me and my beanie. Just me and my beanie, dog. Hannah ended up losing her battle. And she ended up dying. It really was a rough time because she was a good friend. I definitely feel uh, like she's over me telling me that uh, you have to finish the journey. And that's just the way that it goes. I'll take her out. One more. Keep going. Keep going. The greatest gift St. Jude has given me is new life. I was basically dying, and they stepped in and saved my life. And I'm not the same person I was when I first went into this. I'm a better human being and individual because I went through St. Jude. It wasn't like a hospital. It was like a fun, loving community, a family. Be well. My family, music, and basketball are the most important things to me right now in my life. I was 14 when I got diagnosed, so it's kind of helped shape who I'm going to be for the rest of my life.
Livewire. Welcome back, everybody. Stjude.org slash relay. I am definitely in the stage in the evening where I'm struggling to even say the URL. So it seems like a perfect time for me to eat another one of these bean boozled beans. Did you know have any interest? Do you want to eat one? No, I tried. I thought see if I can get away with that. Didn't work. Uh okay. We are at coconut or spoiled milk. Oh, I can't eat this one. I can't eat that one. Nope. Oh. Okay, so pretty much all of the other ones do not have a flavor that I am familiar with, right? So if I eat like dirty dishwater flavor, it's just like, oh, that tastes bad. But that one, the milk one, I know what that tastes like. And so it like, I need, oh, I need to try another one. I got anything to get the flavor out. All right. Tutti Frutti or Stinky Socks? I know everybody liked me saying Tutti Frutti earlier. Oh my God. That was so bad, everyone. Oh my God. Oh, this is so bad. Come on, Em. Adina's coming around to try one now. You want to spin the wheel? Yep. No. We're going to give you the dead fish one. Strawberry, banana smoothie, or dead fish? <laughs> I assume that was the strawberry. Mm. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's dead fish. I'll put that way for a while. That was a particularly rough. Uh, can you please get me anything with some flavor? Yeah. Just any anything. Oh my god. No. Uh the tortilla chips. Just a couple of those. The saltiness will get rid of that. Wow. St. Jude.org slash relay. We are currently sitting at I can't believe this. Wait, let me get the number here. Three hundred and six thousand three hundred and ninety-three dollars. Look, we are less than nine thousand dollars away from hitting our goal. Uh, excuse me one second. It was so bad. Oh my god, that was so bad. I need to just say, real quick, $315,000 was not our goal for today. Not by any stretch of the imagination. $315,000 was our goal for the entire month of September. 
of which we're only two-thirds of the way through. So I am just blown away, absolutely blown away. We all are. Your generosity right now is unbelievable. Uh, we really want to see, like, how much further can we push this thing? Uh, oh, I can do a shave or save update. Oh, it's so close now. 9,899 for shave, 8,116 for save. Uh, I have noticed that I've been holding down the fault here for a minute on my own. Stephen, are you there? I don't hear you, Stephen. Oh, you're there, I don't hear you. Hi, well, I'm I here. I see you, and now I hear you. Hello, Michael. This is not a dream. Are you sure? I'm not sure anymore. This is very upsetting. <laughs> uh, Mike, I thought I would have some beans too, but I'm not going to eat blueberries with that camera so close. The milk one, <laughs> Stephen, the milk one? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It was so bad. It really tasted exactly wow. like... What's my hair milk. doing? It was so, so bad. That quarantine hair. Mike, I'm glad that you survived it. I got to say, the bottom of this... Some of the blueberries are a little smushed, and I'm really struggling with it. It's really the hardest thing I've done all day. Do you remember when I beat you in the <laughs> quiz? That was rigged. Uh-huh. It's rigged. Yeah. It's a conspiracy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of these at the bottom, though, it kind of, the juices have come out a little bit. It's really a hardship, man. I'm really struggling that with it. That does sound really terrible, actually. I can't imagine eating a slightly less juicy blueberry right now. <laughs> that sounds... That sounds super tough. I feel for I you. I'm sorry. The donations um, are still coming in. That's awesome. Drew, thank you. Jose, thank you. Uh, somebody donated. Actually, somebody did donate for you to eat the jelly beans. You know? uh, so, Victor, thank you. Mm-hmm. Owly, uh, thank you. Yeah, seriously, thank you so much to everybody who's donating. Uh, yeah. Really, it's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, I think I need to have a talk with the audience. If we could just bring this way in, just like I need to talk directly to the audience here. Okay. This is, yeah. I like to watch people jump around as I tell, tell them things. No one ever listens to me in real life. This is great. Blossing people around. I know. Hi there. It's your friend, Steven. Uh, I have a little message. We have, uh, thank you, Alex. That's a very nice donation. We have uh, commandeered the Allsack Studio, to hit our goal for the month. And there's lots of lovely people here that I'm sure like to get home with their families, but we have committed to something without them knowing in advance. So if you can go to sandju.org slash relay, we can let all these fine people go home to their children and their spouses and their, their pets. And uh, I think that'd be a really nice thing to do to round this out strong. I would so, also really like to go to bed because Mike is, is fine. I was one in the morning. Okay. Mike's, Mike's fine. Okay. Um, as you donate, though, uh, you should donate. Thank you, Bob. Whoa, for that Bob. Getting us close. Thank you. I really want to save the mustache. And so when you give, that's the button you want to hit. I don't want to be like clean shaven because I look like a child. But with a mustache, I look like a man. And I want to look like a man. And Mike, you have another bean to eat because that was a $1,000 donation. <laughs> It's so upsetting. Get her the bean. 
birthday cake, dirty dishwater. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. So bad. How you doing? Fine. You know, we haven't seen you in the balloon room in a little while. Um, maybe I can talk for a minute and you could change you know location. Mm -hmm. I, no, I did promise this and it hasn't happened, which was the visual of me getting in there. Yes, yes, we need to see that. Please show us. All right. It's a two-person job. So Mike is uh, is moving over, taking his microphone. Thank you, look like a man, for your donation. We really should, I mean, really when they're doing this, I really do want to thank Adina. She has gone above and beyond helping Mike set all this up. I remember we were talking about it. It's like, your ideas, your ideas are bananas. So Adina, thank you. It, it means the world to me and to all of us uh, that you've put up with this and done all this. and. Um, you know, Dina, look, I own half the company. I think you get the day off tomorrow. Just let Mike clean this up. You can go have a, a lovely day by yourself somewhere. No, we're not coming here tomorrow. Well, uh, the next work day. She has the next work day off, I think. Okay. Okay. I actually got in that time without, without spilling too many. Oh, okay. Yeah, look at you. How you doing, buddy? You doing okay? Yeah, ma'am. I made it in. See that. Thank you, Robot MLG, for your donation. That puts us at $309,000. Oh, my God. You got to eat a bean in the balloon room. No. Just pick one out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care anymore. Oh, jeez. Just anything. Any any of them. Yeah, just any of them. Just as long as it's not the white one. Okay, it wasn't. Oh, is this the, could be the fish one? Weird fish. Karen 301, weird fish, donated $1,000. So get a second bean, young man. $310,000. It was a strawberry one. I need another That's good. one. All right, 310,000. Thank you if so people much. People could just start donating 999. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz I'm worried like if I get one of those milk ones, like something bad might happen in here. <laughs> we just have to cut a, cut his audio real quick. That is spectacular. This one could be blueberry or toothpaste. Oh, those are both fine. Toothpaste tastes good. It's minty fresh. Ooh, it's not nice as a jelly bean, though. Mm, you got minty Ooh. fresh? Yeah. Uh, the other flavor was blueberry, you said? Yeah. Blueberries are pretty good. Yeah, no, actually, the, the bad flavor was the blueberry, but it was slightly uh, out of juice. So mm. that was the horror flavor there. Like some of these at the bottom let's of this. Let's bring the camera inside. Yeah, mm -hmm. let's get up close. You got to bring the trolley forward first. Thank you. 
Thank you to John there for the for a big donation. Thank you, John. Lisa, the Boyer family, thank all of you so much for uh, pushing us over the edge here. Again, $315,000 was our goal for the entire month of September, and we were on our way to breaking it tonight. That is unbelievable. If you had told me that six hours ago, I would, I would have not have believed you. This has been fantastic. And save is inching closer to shave. So it's 52% to 48%. So the mustache oh, is hanging on. Well, quite literally right now. Uh-huh. Do you know I need more uh, microphone cable? Are you standing on it or something? Well, you're just in the room, man. Yeah, I'm just like in it. I'm in mm-hmm. it to win it now. That's right. We're coming up on $311,000. Very close. It's ticking away, huh? It is. I can't decide if that means uh, people want us to get off the air or or what. But they're, they're, The donations mm. are coming at a record pace. I think it could be a bit of all of it, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I'm sure there are some people that had committed to themselves to wanting to watch all of this. Mm-hmm. And now uh, probably would like to go to bed. Yeah. Just get on with their lives. You know, I think my, my wife and children are watching it. So, hi, kids. It's almost bedtime. So, listen. I just, listen, uh, I just pulled this terrible mess what? of a cable. That is all. Awesome. What are you doing? <laughs> it goes oh, down man. Into here, that is and, such a uh, terrible situation. There's nothing I can do about it. It just, that, it just goes down in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it, it gets all mixed up in the balloons. Yeah. I thought my cable management was bad because I'm basically taped to a table. But that's uh, that's pretty rough. I think that you would think that the taping would help. Yeah, but if I walk too far, my ears like get broken, which is bad. Like pulled over. I, I, I skimmed last year's podcast-a-thon. There's definitely a few points where we forgot to unplug our headphones, and it's like your head gets yanked back. It's very bad. So you're in the balloon room. Um, yeah. How many balloons are in here now? Oh, we did it. No we one love can you see. All. We love you all. Wait. Now go to bed. We made it. $4, no, no, no. We, donation. no. we can celebrate right now. Yeah. With something very special. Yes. Another jelly bean. Four more jelly beans. I can't beans. believe it, though. No, 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 no. You're not paying attention. Somebody's just joined the Discord. Oh, yes. But just quickly, yeah. we have hit the goal. We've done it. $315,000. We did it. Unbelievable. That's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so mm. can, we, can we bring in, uh, we have a special guest um, yes. to help us celebrate. Uh, if we're able to bring that individual into the call, I think yes. it's happening. Uh, hello. Hello, John. Hey, John. Wow, what is Hello, happening everybody. behind Congratulations. you? Congratulations. Thank you, John. Thank uh, you. I, but can we just move away from this now? What's going there on you with go. your home screen? What, what <laughs> is that? What is that thing? Can <laughs> do we, we don't have the graphic, but I guess you have the actual yeah, I've, home I've screen. I've got the real thing, and it hasn't changed much, except that the music icon got uglier with uh, iOS 14. Dude, that's yeah. so true. It's so bad. I, w- I would shame Mike for not knowing about this because I've talked about it on other podcasts, but he always wins those things where they ask questions about Relay and the host, so I can't really shame him for that. Um, no. Well, look, the thing is, sometimes you hear a thing, right, and you can expect it to be a certain way, 
but then when you see it, you know. You've seen it uh, before. We've done multiple rounds of let's look at each other's home screens, and you always freak out about mine, but it's always the same explanation. <laughs> All right, so give, give me your questions, and I will give you the answers. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I can remember a couple of things. Now, why do you have two calendars on your home screen? So one of them is the official calendar app that has the icon that changes with the date on it. And the other one is the calendar app I actually use that can't do that. Mm. So do you only have the official Apple calendar on your home screen to get the date? You got it. And how often do you need the date when you're looking at your home screen? I don't know. It's nice to have. I'm trying to send you my home screen, by the way. That's what I'm doing here on my phone. Oh, good. Thank I will you. try to send it to Stephen, too. Because I understand that that thought, right? Of like, oh, it would be great to have it. But I just wonder how often can right. you really need that? Well, what you else know? do you notice? What else do you notice about where the uh, the calendar is on my home screen? So, Top left underneath the and time. Is that easy for my thumb to reach? Yeah. No. Look at my look at my thumb. That's the hardest okay. place to reach. The calendar is up here. <laughs> up in this corner over here. I can't reach it with my thumb holding it a normal way. That's that's no man's land. You put garbage there. I'm never gonna put an icon that I want to tap up that high. Very mm, rarely I'm, I'm tapped icons are up there. If you look at where my thumb sweeps, it sweeps over the icons that I actually use all the time, like messages, Gmail, Overcast, Twitterific, Instapaper, uh, you know, Instagram, YouTube, Why Slack. You Those like... are all in the in the hot zone where my thumb reaches. Everything else this on this is page the perfect is less use case for a widget. Then that's you what know? I was going to ask. I just got iOS fourteen, right? So I haven't gone into the whole widget world yet I, is there here's a question for how you do some tech support is there a way where i can say like okay <laughs> i want to put a new empty home screen between my screens one and two can i do that uh i mean I you'd have to you can yeah you could do it with something like widget smith to make just a plain black widget maybe and if you use a black wallpaper oh or, or are you asking you want a i, I want a, a new empty home screen, screen. screen. I, I hate home screen management which is why all my other pages are complete garbage right my home screen <laughs> it, it is mostly arranged in a reasonable way but everything else is a mess because i want like a giant app that i can use to rearrange these icons because trying to do it on the phone with my finger is a nightmare I'd... Hmm. hmm. i think I have an iPhone. I think if you just create a new page, like you put like one app on a page. How, like but how do I do anywhere? that? I've already got like 11 pages. I want a new blank, empty second page. Like, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know either, <laughs> I don't know. which is why I haven't attempted it because I'm afraid to mess yeah. that up even more. Right. So uh, other questions. Um, you, okay. uh, everyone always finds the two photos things down the dock. First mm-hmm. of all, dock is garbage. I cannot reach. Like I'm trying. I can't. I cannot tell. John, can you reach thumb. any part of your phone? Look, like it just feels like it's just all parts you can't no, reach. No, it's just, it's just. Look, I, this is the this is the area. The sweep of my thumb is the area, right? Look at it. I'm doing it. Uh-huh. The magic of video. I in my normal phone grip, I can't reach at all these photos apps. So I don't use them that often. But why do I have two of them? You guys forget that I don't have the real photo library for our family because Apple doesn't understand how families work. So only one person can have the real photo library. My wife has the real photo library. So. I do need to see my photos, which is what which the Apple photos has. You know, if I take photos with my phone, I do want to see those, of course. But when I want mm. to see the family photos, those all appear in Google Photos through a strange chain of operations where they end up in my wife's photo library, then end up copied by Google Photos on her Mac, and then and then I can see them here. 
because her yeah. Mac is copying our photos into my Google account, into my Google photos. But both in the dock, though. Yeah, but the dock is another no man's land place. And I don't, like nothing down there is easy for me to <laughs> tap. Of those. So I have to pick okay. something to go in the dock. And that's what I end up picking because they have nice icons. Okay, let me take a look at maps mm. and Google Maps. Yeah, um, I, I changed my mind which one I want to use on a trip by trip basis, depending on how I'm feeling and how successful it's been. So, yeah, I, I don't just use one map app. I use both of them. Okay. Uh, can you tell us what the Whistle app is? Because we're uh, too young to know what that is. Uh, you guessed right. It's a dog thing. It's my, okay. my dog has like a GPS because she's a runner and she will mm. escape and go everywhere. We need to track her. So, okay. When you want to find your dog real fast, good to be on the home screen. You don't want to be searching for that Maybe. app or typing in. You know, that's pretty good. I this like might that. be like a good a good um, example of my mental state right now. But when you said she's a runner, I just thought you meant like she goes for runs like a human. You know, <laughs> no. like, like she's a runner. Like she's uh, like a escapee from jail. <laughs> she's just, she gets out and in, she just you know? smells squirrels and birds and just chases them, and just then we'll find herself away. ten miles away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my biggest one is the the Kindle app, which I have on my iPad, right? I understand that. Do you do a lot of reading just on your phone? Yeah, surprising. I mean, remember, I started with eBooks on like whatever it was at the time. Well, let me think. Maybe a Palm 5. Um, okay, but that yeah, was that's a right. 160 by 160 pixel screen. That's where <laughs> I started reading eBooks. So reading it on my phone is amazingly luxurious and incredibly high resolution. <laughs> I guess it is nice too if you read in the evening because like having an iPad, full size iPad or iPad Pro, like in the bed, like you're laying down, is a recipe for a, a broken face. Yeah. Or, or you know, let's let's get real here. We we made our goal reading in the bathroom. <laughs> I bring my iPad into the bathroom, but chances are good I got my phone in my pocket. True, but isn't that like prime Twitter time? I mean, you, <laughs> what do you want in the bathroom? I, sometimes you read a book. I, I think there are books that, like, I've read entire books, and I think of, like, if they could measure where the book been read, 95% in the bathroom. I think if you're deciding to settle down to, I don't know, break open the new John Grisham, you might be spending too much time in the bathroom. No, it's, not, it's not like you read it for a long time, but it's like you go to the bathroom every day, right? So if you're, if you're oh, healthy. But like, so, you know, really? every little bit, you know, in, in two or three or four or five minute increments, you can get through a book. Is that how you read? Like, no, I mean, not, look, I don't, I don't read but, enough books. I'm, I'm often, I've become, unfortunately, I never thought it would be this person, I've, but I've become one of those persons who's in the middle of multiple books at the same time. Mm-hmm. I know people don't like that, but that's me. So it depends multiple on... Multiple lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do that. I pick up the first, like, the book that I was not reading last, and I'm very confused about what's happening, and my brain cannot process that. Yeah, if you read nonfiction books, it helps because it's just like a story of a thing that happened, and you don't have to sure. really keep track of much. So, yeah, I guess that's I guess how that's true. Of, uh, how much of an Instagram user are you? I read Instagram every single day. It's one of my things that I do, just like Twitter and, and email and uh, so on. Yeah, and I don't bottom. follow a lot of people, but I look there every day. Hmm. Yeah, you see, because I, I, I may, I'd assume that might be the case. I know you only post you post great photos, but typically just around vacations. So I wondered. Hmm, what else? I post when I have good pictures to post. Yeah, it's like this is this is the typical kind of the thing when when I disagree with you is like I can't you you explain yourself so well, like I understand what you're saying. There, there are reasons that were not obvious to you, but now when I'm explaining, you're like you know that is a reason. Mm. May not be a reason that you agree with or that applies to your yeah. life, but it's a reason. <laughs> Wait, because it's like I hear you say these things, and I'm like, 
Yeah, I understand why John does All that. Right. And, and so I can, I can explain the aesthetic, too. Obviously, the aesthetic I'm going for is everything filled in, right? That some people want a minimal home screen. Some people, like Casey, have no sense of anything and have, like, a 96% filled home screen, which doesn't make Terrible. any sense, but there's a one lonely... One lonely widow icon on the bottom row. Uh, we can all agree that his was the worst. Um, but yes. <laughs> but what I'm going for is it's it's got to be packed, right? That's that's my aesthetic. I'm, I'm don't do the yeah. minimal thing. Yeah. Maybe right. I'll become a widget person. I don't know, but I haven't no. really explored yeah, no, that no. yet. I do it too. Look, I, I fill it all up. Yeah, because like, like I paid I paid for the screen. I can see more apps on the home screen. Or you need I have a room for row. Well, you fill it. Yeah. Um, and the black background I've used since day one with my very first first generation iPod Touch. Uh, I just I just like that. I feel like the icons have enough visual noise as it is. I don't need anything behind them. Uh, yeah, and maybe I save a little time of battery by having a black background. Who knows? But that's that's my iPhone aesthetic. How often do you get through to page ten over there on the? Home? Oh, see, that's like I said. The pages <laughs> just become complete nonsense, right? Um, and that's you would think, well, that's great for the app library. Don't you want to just hide them all in the app library now? Maybe just have your home screen and then everything else hidden. The problem is my garbage setup. I've had it for so long that I actually do know where things are. <laughs> like, I, you know, like one page over bottom right is my destiny stuff. And I'd, if that was gone from that location, I don't know what I'd do. I'd be looking forward in the wrong place all the time. Right. I know where my developer things are, which is also on the second page in a particular location. Like they're not well organized, but I do know where things are just because of like well, having changed them. You all can time. you can keep as many pages as you want just after a certain point you can cut it off yeah and, and i've been thinking about that like again i just uh, updated to ios 14 like i didn't run any of the betas or anything right. so i have i was looking eyeing those last screens and going could i ditch this one you know and i'm, I'm not sure what i'm going to do yet but i'm going to do something because yeah i don't i don't use like 11 pages is ridiculous like the only pages that matter to me are, like pages one two and maybe three and then page 11 where new apps appear I got, I got one last question, something that came up uh, a good bit when we looked at your home screen earlier, is the inclusion of the Contacts app. I, I, at least the way I use my phone, I think a lot of people do, is those are also just in the phone app, so I mm-hmm. just go to them there. So I'm very so curious I, about I, why I, you I need never, to... I never call anyone on my phone, so that's not... like the, That's why the phone <laughs> app is in the dock in the no Such a millennial, app. John. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't, I don't call anyone. Phone right? app. And so if I do need to look someone up, I would actually use Contacts, right? Because... Like, I'm not going to call them on the phone. I'm probably just going to tap the, you know, the message icon or look up their address or something like that. But contacts is also in a no man's land because I tend not to do that a lot. So it's a it's an Apple icon that has in the past been more aesthetically pleasing than it is now. And it just lives up there basically holding a spot um, because I wouldn't put anything I want to use frequently in that spot. Like the idea that, that your your home screen has got to have the apps you use the most frequently doesn't work for me because there are lots of places on the screen that are not convenient for me to touch. It's more convenient for me to have it in, in a prime location on the second screen than in a no man's land on the first screen. I think okay. widgets are going to be good for you. You could, you can, you can make that whole section more useful, right? I mean, I, I feel like the information density on widgets, widgets is kind of low. Like I did mess with my widgets over on like, on my, uh, like my, you know, slide over to whatever the hell you call it, the slide over to the left screen. I've been, I'm messing with the widgets mm-hmm. there to see what I can do. Um, I like the calendar widgets there. Again, I have I have competing calendar widgets over there. I have like <laughs> Google, I have Google Calendar, which is installed on a different screen, and then I have uh, you know Calendars Five just to see because they have different widget layouts, right? right. They they, yeah. they did just uh, layouts look different, and one of them shows me how long it is until my next event, but the other one doesn't. But the other one shows me more events and less space. So I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm still experimenting. But I, I do like the photos widget. Like, it sees a picture of my son from a track meet just comes up randomly there. That's good. Yeah. 
I love that widget. And there's been more than one time. I have it on my second screen where I, I'm swiping over to that screen. I see a picture of, you know, one of my children when they were really little. Like, it, like, pulls you back to that moment in time. And it's done a really good job so far, to the betas at least, of surfacing stuff that I haven't seen in a long time in my photo library. It's, I really like that addition. Yeah. Oh, and on my home screen, I can't believe you were saying Twitterific. Who uses that? Look up. Didn't plan this, but I'm wearing my Twitterific <laughs> shirt right now. I'm like the biggest Twitterific <laughs> fan in the universe. And who do you think of Snell? Well, Come was, on. It wasn't. Uh, well, okay. But you see, John, this is why I never think of you. Because I see wow. that home screen and I think you could never have a home screen that looks like this. This is why this comes up every time. I am so surprised you every time. You expect it to be like one of those minimal things where there's like one icon in the middle of a black field? No, I just... It's just, a, it's a lot, man. I mean, look at it's, the bookshelves. Look, don't the bookshelves have the same aesthetic as the home yeah. screen? It's a good point. They're packed. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. I should remember your hoarding tendencies. It's not hoarding. Right? Like, this, is, uh, this is a beautifully arranged collection. Yeah. It's not hoarding. It's collecting. Johnny, yeah. you can't, you can't get involved in this. You're, <laughs> you're worse. <laughs> I took my bag of, uh, of extra ear pads down. And now, now it looks nicer. There you go. Oh, which ones did you end up with and by the end? The I'm worried. These are the leather? leather ones I have on now, but I did actually bite the bullet, uh, spoilers for next week's JTP, and buy the headphones that Marco suggested and the earpads right. that he suggested, so they're on their way to me. They're good headphones. I use them too. Yeah, I've tried them on to Marco's house. I like them. I just, you know, these leather ones on really these particular nice. earphones, I feel like, yeah, they're not really doing it for me anymore. Maybe my ears are getting bigger I in my was... old age. Is that a thing that happens? <laughs> It is, I think. Well, yeah, it is actually. I think is it your ears and your nose apparently don't stop growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or something like that. I know. What was it? We we discussed this recently. I think Merlin looked it up with the answers, but I forgot because I'm old. <laughs> uh, well, John, <laughs> thank you for coming on last minute uh, to defend your honor. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> sure. you jumping on. I texted you like ten minutes before you were on, so thank you, and uh, thank you for helping us uh, take this over the finish line. Yeah, great job, guys. I mean, and we got the rest of the month to go. Let's let's break five hundred thousand. Come on, <laughs> you heard it, everyone. John Syracuse yeah, said. John Syracuse, he laid it down. Right. All right, thanks, Bye, John. John. All right, Mike. Um, a couple Thank housekeeping things that we should do. Uh, yep. We are now at three hundred seventeen thousand six hundred fifteen dollars. It's absolutely amazing. We're going to keep fundraising through the end of the month. Through the weekend, you will be able to vote to save my mustache oh. or making me shave. Why? Why? Every time. Or making me <laughs> shave. I'm going to blueberry. Uh, or shave my mustache. Hmm. I didn't like Some that. ASMR. We really should go to bed. Okay. So here's the deal. Donate. You click the poll. And that'll run through the end of the weekend. And then I guess sometime on Monday, uh, I will, we will uh, see what the totals were. And I will either keep my mustache or shave it. Um, so that's going to be fun to watch. Currently, save is in the lead by about $300, which is honestly too close to call. So um, yeah. it could well, go no, It's way. not too close to call. It's just closer than we would want to call it at. Like you did call it. You said three, mm. it was 300 in wow. the lead. But we don't, there's, there's, no, there's no need to call it now. We've got time. Yeah. Let's at least Mike. give you a couple of days of the mustache in case people make you shave it. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it until we get the turtles on Monday. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think I think that sort of uh, brings us to the end. Uh, I've got some thanks to make, uh, but Mike, yep. I'm gonna let you go first, and then I'll, I'll take us home. Yeah. So uh, 
you already stole my thunder by thanking my own wife for me. Um, mm. Well, you can thank so her too. Thanks for doing that. No, I'm going to, <laughs> but now you've kind of taken some of the thanks away. So now it kind of just feels like I'm copying you. Uh, but somewhere in a region of 700 balloons and a gazebo and an entire uh, rearranging of our studio is something I couldn't have done on my own and didn't want to do on my own. Um, and so I, I would never have been able to get to this whole situation without Adina. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was something I really wanted to do last year. We were going to try and make happen at St. Jude. And when we when I couldn't be there, this was something that I was quite disappointed in. But uh, Adina made it happen, which is good because this, this is what I dreamed of for Podcast of Thun. Uh, and so I'm happy that I was able to get it. So um, it also, it's just like a great support for me throughout the evening. I was really lagging at one point. I think it was about 11 o'clock where I was trying to leave the studio and I would need my keys to get back in. And I was just walking around in a circle and my keys were in my pocket. So, (laughs) uh, but but at the end, it was like, okay, it's time for a Red Bull for you and eat a banana. So I have been definitely carried through this uh, by her. And I will now extend thanks to everyone over there in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, at St. Jude and Orsac. We have been planning this since I think February um, and the professionalism and the kind of like can do attitude that is exhibited by everyone uh, is infectious. And as two people, me and Steven that want to do a thing, but don't really know how to do it, their ability to be able to make it happen is kind of incredible and the ability there for everyone to change plans completely and still be able to help us produce something which is, I think, better than the original podcast-a-thon is, I would say, purely down to the team that we have had around us. Um, even like with the, the mammoth lengths that they had to go to, to get everything in place to have you on campus today. Like that on its own is an incredible job. Um, and so I want to thank everyone uh, at St. Jude and Olsac who has helped us put this on today. Um, and also my final uh, two thank yous, I'll say thank you to you, Stephen. Uh, Stephen from Relay FM's perspective runs the podcast-a-thon uh, from arranging all the guests, arranging the mod team, content uh and then also liaising with everybody at all sack so uh is i love being able to do this and without steven we wouldn't be able to do it from our side either so mm. thank you to you and i'll also say uh, just the biggest thanks possible to uh the relay fm community of hosts and listeners who have helped us start this thing, get it rolling, and have now pushed us over the goal within 20 days of the month. I will tell you, I think we said it before, and I'll say it again now, we really wanted to do this. We were really concerned, right? There's a lot going on in the world right now. People's finances uh, are in some places um, reassessed. Uh, The generosity that has been shown by the Relay FM community is... I, I, I am... Uh, you know, absolutely blown away. Like we had a conversation a couple of days into starting the campaign this year where we were like, should we have really set the goal at 315? Mm-hmm. And now 
now we're setting records again. So thank you so much uh, to everyone out there uh, who has donated any amount, whether it's $1 or $1,000 or whether you uh, were fighting for the ATP stickers. Like <laughs> Every single dollar counts. It's not just for the fun of this event. This money goes to support one of the world's great charities. Uh, and it means so much to me and Stephen. So thank you. Thank you, Mike. Um, we do have a, a graphic we're calling the, the total amount for the show at $317,730. Uh, so that's what we've raised to date. Uh, and we still have a bunch of September left. So we're going to still be talking about this. But, but y'all, I mean, there's, there's really no words for this. It is uh, absolutely incredible. Um, I want to echo Mike's um, thoughts, uh, thanking the team here. Just like everything else in the world, this really got thrown for a loop, and we had to figure out how I could be here safely and how the crew here could be safely. We all jumped through a lot of hoops and um, you know, did a lot of things to make that possible, and I'm so glad because I think this was so much better for me being able to be in this space. Um, again, this year, it's it's a space that I really love being in, and uh, you all have seen enough of my studio, and you know I can't make the lights flash behind me like Nick can. Uh, mm-hmm. Seeing if Nick would do it. There he goes. Um, I can't do that in my office, but we can do it here because we have a Nick with a laptop. <clears throat> um, St. Jude is a special place. We, we've talked about that. I've talked about that for years. Um, but as a parent of a kid with a diagnosis like this, it's a very lonely thing. You have friends and even family who don't know how to respond to it, who don't handle it well, who say the, exactly the wrong thing at the wrong time. But all that aside, it's just a, a lonely fraternity of parents who have to walk this road. And I think as you saw in the tour and in our interviews tonight, there's a real community around St. Jude, that if you're a St. Jude family or you're part of the Allsack team, this is a place that imprints itself on your soul in a way that I've never experienced elsewhere. And it's really an honor to get to share that with, a, with the Relay audience. And, you know, we've said this before, but the, the Relay doesn't exist without the audience. So, again, thank you all uh, for doing this. Because what this does for me, just speaking for me selfishly, this makes all of this feel less lonely. That so many people from around the world, now at $319,000, uh, care so much about this. And I don't view our story as inspiring, uh, but I view it as as difficult. And being able to share that and process that with you all through this event every year, it means the world to me. And, um, you know, short of, uh, I don't know what, uh, we're going to do this again next year. Apparently a pandemic won't stop us. And And nothing's uh, going to stop us from doing it, right? (laughs) I think we have made that abundantly clear now. (laughs) This is about as big a stoppage as we could have had. Yeah, don't say that out loud. Um, Mm -hmm. So thank you all for watching, uh, for donating, uh, for listening as we talk about this. Uh, I do want to thank specifically the Relay family. You know, we come to our host every year and say, you know, we're going to do this. We'd love for you to be involved. And y'all, all of them are on board. And it is, um, yeah. it's really special. We have a, a unique community within Relay that I, I think listeners know about. And um, so I'd like to thank them as well. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I think maybe I Mike. Give you one last yeah. statistic, Stephen. Okay, I'm ready. During the podcastathon today, we have raised over ninety-five thousand dollars. Whoa, that's unbelievable. So I'm gonna go down here now. Oh no, no, don't don't go goodbye. under. It's so worrisome. We say goodbye. All right. Uh, this is probably the best way to, for me to be see myself out now. All right. I need to go to sleep. All right. Well, uh, until next year, Mike. Say goodbye. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for being with us tonight, and thank you, everybody, for supporting kids like me. Thank you.